With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. This is one of the more interesting parts of a long yet short football season. Football is different from all the other games out there in a bunch of different ways. And one of the most important ways is that it goes by so quickly because at a collegiate level, you're looking at an 11, 12 game regular season. And now there's playoffs at all levels. Thank you. Thank you, football gods. Playoffs at every level. And still, that's 14, maybe 15 games maximum. At the NFL level, you have a regular season of 16, and if you're a wild-card team, you might play a total of 19, I think it is, if you win the Super Bowl, games maximum. That's that's like less than a month of baseball games if you're a baseball player. You might play 20 games, you know, in 26, 27 days in a month. So the intensity level is raised because everything happens in these explosions that happen once a week or so. The game is difficult. The game is mentally, emotionally, and physically hard. It's a hard game to play. It's hard on you mentally. It's hard on you emotionally. It's hard on you physically. You build and build and build to an explosion once a week. It's different from every other sport because of that. Basketball players play every game, every sometimes every night or every three nights, every two nights. And if you lose, it's bad, but you're playing again another night or two. Baseball. I mean, in Major League level, it's a 162-game regular season. You're not going to win them all. You're not going to win 90%. If you win 75% of them, you've had a great season. You've had a record-setting season. I think the record is 111 wins, something like that. Out of a, you know, I, there was one year under the old 154-game schedule. The record there is 111 wins by the um, 54 Indians, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but they still, I believe, hold that record. It's difficult to win no matter what sport you're talking about. You're playing against high-level competition. Hard. Difficult. I think I've been joined by one of my guests already. Who's on with me? Uh, Donovan. The California kid. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Good to have you, sir. Oh, you too. I appreciate it. I'd I'd almost forgotten. I mean, not forgotten, but it's been a while. You've been busy. Yeah, I've been busy, man. It's uh, it's dead period. It's over. So <laughs> the dead period is over. It's dead crazy period. time, it and now crazy. sharks are in the water. It's Harbaugh time in Michigan. Kids are decommitting, recommitting, uncommitting, semi-committing. <laughs> it's craziness. Um, we will oh. talk a little, a little recruiting because we have you. In fact, I wish I had you last night. I can't. Remember. I was, it was a recruiting question. I was trying to remember the answer to, and I was like, oh, if only Donovan were here. But uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, what the heck? Uh, we're going to have um, our first guest on in about 15 minutes. So in that time before I bring him on, you may know, I don't know if you've run across uh, Jarrett Saffron before. He's a California kid, obviously, who plays at Sacramento State. A lot of people have compared him, including me, have compared him to Jeff Garcia. 
uh, a guy who's not the biggest, not the fastest, but big enough, fast enough. And, you know, especially with this quarterback class, I'm shocked people don't talk about it more. But um, if you were talking about your recruiting headlines in the last two weeks, what would they be? Um, last, a couple of days ago, um, Bishop Gorman tied in Alizé Jones, number one tied in the country. Yep. He committed <laughs> uh, yep. as soon as dead period started, actually. <laughs> um, literally, like, I think it was at mm, 12.05 Eastern. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. like, uh, I'm sure he's already in the talks, but he decommitted. And the next five seconds, he committed to Notre Dame. Tied in you. <laughs> uh, they got another one. This is probably the most talented one, um, to, in my opinion. But, um, yep. you know, he was going to UCLA, and that was a big, big-time recruit for them. And uh, they missed out. Um, so it's a big loss, you know. He was really good friends with Josh Rosen, uh, who's already, you know, there. So that was a big time. And, you know, um, so that's been the number one headline for me so far. Um, Tim Irvin, um, Michael Irvin's nephew. Yep. Uh, committed to Miami, but it uh, looks like he might not be there. Maybe <laughs> depends. Like I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously Miami, you know, his family, you know, Michael Irvin, but like Texas, you know, they're trying to pull in at the last second. Charlie Strong's trying to get in, and now Michigan, <laughs> of course, Jim Harbaugh is trying to, trying to. I think he's going to fill at least three guys, at yep. least, um, uh, especially like a lineman. Um, you know, obviously had a lot of success at Stanford with the line. He's done a good job with his. Uh, his staff getting John Baxter last night and a couple other um, assistant coaches. So that's a, that's a big name to me. Um, but right now it's not uh, as heating up. Um, Im- Iman Marshall, or they call him Biggie. A lot of people call him Biggie. That's what he goes by. <laughs> but uh, he he's the guy everybody wants right now because um, everybody's pretty much locked in um, as far as a verbal. For the most so, part. Right? Yeah, as far as verbal goes. But he hasn't had a verbal. He's, um, he's from – Southern California, Long Beach Poly, play with Juju Smith, um, number one corner, or number two corner, rather, in the country for me. But uh, he is going on four visits this weekend. Freaking and those four miles. visits are to? UCLA, USC in his backyard. Then wow. he's going to fly to Florida State and talk to Tim Brewster there, uh, who tweeted at him like three times last night. <laughs> and, and, uh, then, and then he is going to uh, Florida. Um, for a visit. And uh, Mario Cristobal and Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, got him. Said, you know, what? Well, while you're in Florida, you might as well come to Bama. Two. So, actually, it's five visits now. It was four. So, <laughs> that's the uh, – if Alabama gets them, it, it, it's uh, – gosh, that would be insane. They would literally – they would have the top three corners in the class, which they need. Um, but, I mean, they would that, – that would they, they, that'd be their seventh recruiting title in a row. Um, they, they're six in a row for number one in recruiting class, and that's why Alabama wins the most because <laughs> they get the best recruit. Um, sometimes the correlation is just that simple. So, um, but this time it's different because one of their best recruits is a quarterback. It's the first time they've had it before. And um, yeah, another. I guess I'll move transition to another headline. Just the quarterbacks um, that are already in school. They're not. They can't be committed. I, I know people on Twitter might not know recruiting as well. That's okay. I mean, you just – people are talking about Josh Rosen going to Michigan. He's already in class at UCLA. So. <laughs> no, he can't – he can't – right. Yeah. Exactly. That can't happen. Yeah. He's already – He's not this he year. 
He had yeah, a year. He enrolled early. Um, early enrollees happens a lot with quarterbacks. I don't know why it's always quarterbacks. When it's usually the well, quarterback. because, they, because they have <laughs> so much to learn, usually. Yeah, that's part of it. And, yeah, you know, and, and that offense uh, that he's got to learn with uh, Mazzoni and uh, Jim Moore is pretty difficult. It's kind of similar to what he was running already, but it'll be tough. Um, he's a smart kid. Uh, Cooper Bateman. Not Cooper Bateman. Sorry, Blake. Uh, Blake uh, Barnett's got. You know, he's enrolled early at uh, at Alabama. Uh, Ricky Towns already at SC. Obviously, he's not going to play next year. <laughs> Probably be a redshirt, but he's already in there uh, at SC. A, a lot of the top name quarterbacks are just already in school and learning and getting ready for classes and stuff like that. So, uh, and I just oh, I mean, a guy we had on the show, I'm super happy about, and you guys. Yep. He actually told me to tell you guys thank you. Um, Kyle Sweet is signed with uh, yep. Washington State. Excellent. I didn't know that. Well, so, they sling they sling it around there. <laughs> yeah, I know we were talking. I think we I think you mentioned Washington State on the show. I mentioned um, it to him. I did. I said, "Hey, ever look at Mike Leach's maybe office?" Maybe Mike Leach was listening to you or one of his staff. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just happy for a kid because late recruitment. For kids like that, it's good. But two stars and a one star is a three or whatever. But, you know, he was a two. They moved him up. I don't know why they moved him up right now. Um, <laughs> I guess they're just watching KJ's tape, and they're like, oh, this kid's pretty good, too. He catches all his balls. But Kyle <laughs> um, is really good, and I'm just happy he's going to Washington State. But they sling it around, like you said, all the time. He'll definitely catch the ball. I mean, we, plus, I mean, think about it. I mean, who is he most like, River Craycraft? I mean, he's almost exactly – that guy again. Look, right. we like we like the first River Craycraft. Let's see how the second one works out for us. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, recruiting uh, Tate Martell. A uh, pretty late story, but some people still know he decommitted from Washington. Um, he was in eighth grade when he committed to Washington. Um, obviously, a lot has changed since he was in eighth grade. He's still only a sophomore, but <laughs> a lot still has changed. Coach Stark isn't there because Peterson is now. Um, like I told you, his, his favorite quarterback to watch was Jacob Walker growing up. So, and he, when he did go, uh, he didn't go out there for a visit, but uh, he went to a camp up there. You know, he met Walker and he was in awe, but a lot has changed since then. Um, he's only 16. <laughs> he committed, like I said, when he was 13 to Washington. So, uh, yeah, he, he's got a big, uh, following for the 2017 class. I know that's too far, but he actually, there's, there's rumors. And I, I don't know how true it is. I probably have to like DM Tate or something, or just find out somebody from Gorman. There's rumors that he could graduate a whole year early. Yeesh. So next year might he's a sophomore, but it might be a senior year next year. I'm not really. I, I would tell Tate to stay in, in high school. Um, <laughs> he, he, just because of uh, he's just a small guy. Um, he's not like a, a Rosen or a Ricky Town or he doesn't look like, like a college quarterback already. Is what you're saying. No, I mean he's he's 167 pounds. Huh. I mean, yeah. I mean he 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 runs a four, it's like four or something like that. But I mean, hey, Clint Trickett. Yeah, Clint Trickett. Yeah, Clint Trickett. But, but I mean, but it's like if Clint Trickett and Johnny Manziel had a baby, is what he's saying. Yeah, and no, Tate's great. Tate just won state player of the year as a sophomore. He's won national championships. I mean, he's won two state titles. I mean, he's great. He's, he's my number one quarterback for the 17 class. I think he could fill out pretty well, actually, because um, he's grown a lot since uh, since his freshman year. Um, he is like six two. He's just a, he's small. He's 
skinny kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I would say definitely stay. Um, don't graduate high school a whole year early. I'm I'm cool with the whole half year thing because you know you can get in, you learn the playbook. But uh, you know, um, he'll definitely be looked at by SC because Coach Stark's connection. Um, so UCLA, I guess, would be in there. Uh, UNLV with Tony Sanchez is going to be a pretty big deal. Um, a lot of people are begging him to go there and <laughs> stay in Nevada. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see uh, where he lands. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's going to be crazy. It hasn't heated up yet so far, but it is going to. Um, Arizona State's got two guys on visits right now. Um, Osa, Min, Minnesota, Minnesota, and uh, – uh, gosh, I cannot think of Oh, they have a top linebacker, too. I cannot think of his name right now. But they got a linebacker that's a four-star in there as well that played really good in the Under Armour All-American game. So I would say watch out for what Tom, Todd Grant can do out on the West Coast. If he gets two four-star linebackers that are big guys, um, their defense is known for being small. But actually, they're projected to be a lot bigger next year um, from what they have coming back and what they have coming in as far as JUCO guys, excuse me, and things like that. So watch out for Arizona State. Watch out for Michigan. Um, I like Wisconsin's got some guys coming in that are from Florida, South Florida, um, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So they're not not big-time guys, but they're just speedy guys, and that's what you need if you're at Wisconsin. They got a kick returner. It's probably just going to be like a Trenton Holiday-type kick returner. Not, not, not ever really play a position, but that's what Wisconsin kind of needs uh, a speed guy like that. And they, he might get a few touches. He's five seven, I believe, um, one sixty eight from South Florida. Nothing wrong with um, that. Yeah, but super lightning fast. So. He better be super lightning fast, though. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's about the same size I was. You know, when I tried to walk on in college, and I was, unfortunately was like a four. What was I? I was like a four six seven, so not quite lightning fast. <laughs> hey, that's that's not bad. I can take four six. I mean, yeah, you were kind of small. But <laughs> I was kind of small, and yeah. I was a safety. You know, throw that on right. top. So yeah, because I couldn't play corner because you know, small slow corners don't get to play at all. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you'd probably be happy about this um, since you're a Virginia guy. Josh Sweat already running, um, yep. jogging even though he just broke his leg a few months ago. You know, he's, he's 18, man. That's what you do when you're 18. You break your you leg. Recover. That's right, exactly. Yeah, you can recover. That. I mean, he, he's, he's all crutches. He wants to be all crutches until, um, like, next month. He's already jogging, um, soft jogging and stuff like that. And he said he should be back full speed um, for next year. And, you know, the rich get richer, you know. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's a great prospect um, that a lot of people were kind of, worried about, you know, uh, he gets a lot of the Jadavion Clowney experience, which is pretty much dead on. They actually look like each other, yep. um, like in the face, and they have dreadlocks and stuff like that. But, I right. mean, yeah, he's from Chesapeake. Physical similarities, right, exactly. Yeah, there's some physical similarities. He's a little bit smaller than, than him coming out. But, yeah, I mean, the kid's a freak. And Florida State, I feel like he could start since they lost uh, a lot of their seniors next year. I feel like he can he could play up front next year or at least get a lot of playing time to not start at the defensive end position. And he's already uh, enrolled at Florida State as well. Actually, early early guy. So I know Virginia fans are still hating that Virginia he didn't Tech go there, fans, but even North Boys, yeah, Virginia Tech fans. They thought they had a real chance. They really did. 
I, I did too. Um, but like I, I said a couple weeks ago, Virginia Tech had a really good class. Um, yeah, Kentucky's class is good, but they missed out on Damian Harris. That was supposed to be the savior of Kentucky football. So, I mean, he really – no, I'm being serious. I mean, that's what people thought in Kentucky. Yeah. He is the best. I mean, he has all the running back records, every single one of them. Um, he's, a five, he's the best running back in the country. And he was seriously considering Kentucky. They never had a guy like that, but he went to Alabama. You know, um, <laughs> so he's okay with ba- being a backup for a couple of years uh, and then playing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big loss for Kentucky because uh, a lot of people thought he could come in and start right away next year. So that was something to definitely – I'm just looking out for guys that are homegrown guys. Um, who can keep their homegrown kids in school still? Because um, if you're Arkansas, Kentucky, places like that, um, you know, one of the North Carolina schools, you have to keep kids yep. in your state. So, or Virginia Tech, as we were talking about, which they actually have done a good job at this year. And so is Virginia, um, starting off with Quinn Blanding last year. He's actually been the biggest recruiting coordinator on the team, Quinn Blanding. Yes. Um, he's, 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 what's the term? he's an anchor. He's an anchor in your recruiting. Like, once you have him, now you've got a shot at guys you would not normally have had a shot at. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, I, I, both Virginia schools have done a good job. I expect big things from both of them. Uh, at least on defense, you know what we're going to get from Vontae. I'm um, not sure about Michael Brewer um, at quarterback. I don't I mean, he's going to be back, but <laughs> I'm not sure about him. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if he's good enough to lead them to, like, an ACC championship or anything. But, um, you know, they'll be good. And, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, man. It's just, uh, uh, you know, I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you'll see stuff on Twitter, I'm sure. It's everything you pretty much see on Twitter now. Like I said, Tim Brewster last night, right, when a couple of nights ago when Dead Pier was over, was just already getting it. <laughs> he was tweeting at everybody, you know. So, um, he's done a good job. Oh, Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, yeah, he's he's done a good job. At it. They did lose a big-time recruit, but and that guy, you know, I know everyone has recruiting coordinators and stuff like that, but. He gets out, man, you know, whether it's uh, – I heard a story about him hanging out with uh, Adam Levine at a recruiting visit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that's his boy, man. You know, they're friends. Like, they kind of – I can see that totally. So, I'm not surprised. Um, so, yeah, he's out in L.A. recruiting right now, and he's trying to sell some SC kids and some, some UCLA guys um, as well. I think he was actually uh, – he's going to be up in um, James's, uh territory at Clovis. Mm. Yeah, Clovis High School. There's a recruit out there, um, a cornerback, which Texas Tech needs all the defense they can get. So mm. <laughs> they might have to play a lot of guys right away <laughs> on defense. <laughs> um, so yeah, Elliot, well, the last guy, because everyone forgets about – I add junior college players in my recruiting um, ranking. Some people don't. They put it separately. I add them um, because they've never played it down in college football. That's really what it comes down to. So, um, Jovan Robinson from Georgia Military College is actually my number one running back. Um, not Damian Harris, who I mentioned earlier, but Jovan Robinson is he, – he committed to Auburn out of high school, um, didn't pass the uh, SATs, GPA was pretty low, <laughs> uh, 1.7, so obviously couldn't get into Auburn. Um, had to go to Georgia Military College, got his grades up, passed the SATs, going back to Auburn. They lose uh, Artis Payne, so, I mean, he might play um, some significant minutes and get some carries right away. Um, he's already 21, six foot 220, I mean, 4'5", flat feet. I mean, he's just a 
a bruiser type back. He kind of reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott, actually. Um, so if you're Auburn, you know, and Gus goes on, be very, very happy um, with their recruiting class. It's not top ten, but you're getting guys that you need that can play right away. They got three Juco guys, um, three of the top ten Juco guys. So, and, and so SC as well, because SC lost some guys that they didn't think they were going to lose, um, like George Farmar. At receiver, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they got another receiver coming in though. But the crazy thing with him is he never. I mean, no offense, but it's he didn't like do a, anything. Right, that's what I was driving at. It's like if Kyle Prater had come out last year, you know, great high school career, virtually no college career, but I'm ready for the NFL. Oh, it was. I mean, I don't know why George came out. I talked to people at the. Um, I'm lucky to be close with, and you were surprised too. Is it like the a tough, tough I family mean, situation or something? Uh, I mean, it's not that. I don't know. It's not that not tough. That tough. Okay, got it's it. It's not that good. tough, man. It's not that tough. Yeah, it's not. It's not they great, but it's not tough. His family could have held out for one more year, is what you're saying? Oh, easily. And George Farmer was going to be such a big factor in that the offense next year because you lose Nelson, you know, yep. and you got Juju, and Adoree's not playing offense that much next year. Yeah, I, I hear, I hear that they're going to make yeah. him closer to a full-time DB next year. Yeah, which is great. They need it. Um, they need to help out Sue and, and uh, McQuan in the secondary. But um, right. Yeah, I mean, you got you got Farmer who would have been the two, honestly, next year, right next to um, Juju. So you're just looking at it like at least a three, you know. And he would have cost now since 50, 60 balls, and he would have yep. probably. Honestly, I don't know if he'd probably still be on drafted agent or maybe like sixth or seventh round. No, but I think know, but I think he would have been drafted for sure if he came out next year and had. Well, I mean, once again, assuming he had the season we're thinking he would he would have. Even right. if it's not an All American. That. That's the thing. It's yeah. all based on him doing something that he has not done. You know, no, not even hinted no. at doing. In fact, really. No, I mean, when you only catch thirty balls for your career, I mean, <laughs> and your I mean, quarterbacks are your right, quarterbacks. I mean, you're, yeah, well, and, Adore, Adore, and you're being outplayed by Adoree Jackson, who's mostly a cornerback well, and is a, a fresh, here, true Bill. freshman. Wait, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, Bill. Uh, Cardell Jones' argument, uh, does it matter if he's only caught 30 balls? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, the difference is that talented. Cardell Jones played three of the best games I've ever seen um, for a stretch, uh, and George Fulmer caught 30 balls in like three years. But, were those, but, but weren't know. they the 30 greatest balls you've ever seen? No. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he only caught about uh, 11 significant passes actually last year. Um, the rest were some of them for Max Brown in dumb time. Some of, I mean, George Horner has been there a while. You yeah. know, he played <laughs> – I tweeted, tweeted last night, I cannot believe that <laughs> um, Sarah High School had Marquise Lee, Robert Woods, and George Farmer, and Paul Richardson at wide receiver. Yeah, they did. Um, at the same time. <laughs> at the same time, correct. Yeah, um, that and he is really, really good friends. I think one of his best friends is uh, Robert Woods, and I would think Robert would tell him to stay. Robert stayed in school. Robert's had a great career so far. Um, Robert's a really smart kid. Very. Um, and I know how close they are, so I'm just kind of. That's why it's all confusing um, <laughs> to me. But but you know, the, stranger things have happened in the draft. He is a freak athlete still. He broke his sure. leg early on too, um, yep. and that that kind of hurt him. I think that uh, kind of he all confident when he when he uh, broke his fibula actually. But you know he's six three two nineteen. Um, 
runs and, around four four seven. I was gonna say I've heard he so, runs in the in the high four fours, which is cool yeah. and everything. But there's a whole long list of guys with his physical profile and super raw. I mean, hey, you get a chance at a Tyron Calico or a Justin McCarron, so don't you just run out and grab at that? It's it's exciting the potential, but when the potential has never been realized and now you're gonna jump up and get better at the NFL level, it just doesn't happen very often. Does it I people like to say he'll be a better pro than he was in college. It is almost never it's true not, though. It's not gonna happen. It, it almost never true. It, it almost is never true. And and uh Rich Hammond, who I respect so much from the LA Times, he he covers everything for USC. He's around right. that program more than anybody else. And he actually tweeted that out that he always thought Farmar would be a better pro than he was in college anyway. And that's kind of a part of it. Um but I mean that doesn't mean you should come out early in the draft. I mean like that. You know, I don't I don't care if you come out early in the draft for some guys. But like I said, you're only catching eleven, twelve significant football in your career. You shouldn't be coming out. And he, like you said, you know, he had it set up for him next year where he could. Yes, he, he was going to be you know, vocal I, part I am, of the. Uh, I'm pretty much sure he would have been drafted. Now, he might not have gone in the first five rounds, though he might have. I mean, once again, if he produced, got better, and get, stayed healthy, I don't see how he, especially. Of course, I don't I yeah, really, look. I've really broken down next year's wide receiver class, but he might have gone even earlier than I'm thinking because I don't see too many guys who look like him in that wide receiver class. No, no, there's no, and this wide receiver class is, I like guess, another thing that's not a good class to come out in with George Farmer. And you know, some people, a team's gonna pick up George Farmer. He's not. He's gonna get picked up. He's gonna be. Oh yeah, camp. he'll be on and a he team, could, yeah. and he can <laughs> wow someone. He can definitely wow someone. Well, I mean, this is a guy. Yeah, I talked about all those receivers he played with. He was the best one on the team, you know. And Marky Lee was amazing in high school. He called 80 passes. George Palmer caught 100. So, right. I mean, he was he was the right. number one receiver. He was the number one class. receiver, correct. He was the number two receiver in the country four years ago. So, yep. I mean, it, it's like he's got the talent. Um, he, he doesn't practice well. That's another thing. Um, he, he, he I got out played by Dory Jackson, like you said. Um, he does not practice well. I was out there. Um, for spring ball, he his route tree is like four routes. To be honest, um, he doesn't show he That'll doesn't show work. effort. He's kind of lazy, to be honest. I mean, I don't want to sure. show the lazy. Part, <sighs> lazy but, and, yeah. and limited route tree. That's exciting. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he now, I mean, when he was running, he he he. Um, they use him a lot with Max Brown um, on the deep ball because Max throws a beautiful deep ball. He that's um, I, amazing. I, I, as you know, I have a huge man crush on Max Brown. So I, I'm, yeah. But Max, you know, with Max throwing him the deep ball, George Farmer, oh, yeah, great. And, you know, running a little curl, a little slant, and then you see him run a fade, and then you're just like, okay, what else has he got? Not much, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and I just saw him kind of – he went up against guys that – he went up against Adore Jackson, and he went up against Jonathan Lockett, two true freshmen in spring ball. And he got beat up by the yep. – I mean, yep. by a 17-year-old. I mean, that's just yep. not – Impressive. A kid, a kid should have himself. basically bench pressed off of him and jumped up over and all that stuff, and he didn't. Yeah, but you know what? I wish the best for him, like I say, for every prospect. Because, you know, he wasn't ever a knucklehead at SC. He, he right. just was lazy at times, uh, which I guess happens when you're young. But, I mean, when you're going to the NFL, you just you worry about a kid, how long he could stay, how long his career is. Yeah, he's not, be, he's, but he's not that young. Like, it's one thing if you come in – and you've been amazing in high school, and you think you're going to be amazing in college, and then 
you know, you kind of get that knocked out of you after a year of not playing and being fourth or fifth on the depth chart. I would think a couple of years into that, you would realize, okay, I'm going to have to do more. Yeah, right. You're you're exactly right. And like I said, I know, I know he was uh, very vocal this off season about uh, how how much he liked playing at SD and kind of starting and T Martin wide receiver coach stuff. And T was pretty sure T was shocked for sure because <laughs> uh, I know T's vocal point is always getting kids to stay. He wants kids to stay for four or five years. And he wants them to get that you know degree right. basically. He's one of the few coaches that actually cares about that. I sincerely think T. Martin does. So that probably definitely hurt him. Well, he, but, you well know. think about it. What if he hadn't gotten his degree? I mean, he he was, you know, in the NFL, but, it, you know, he didn't make enough to live off of from his NFL career. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. think he'd be co- – he probably wouldn't be coaching right now at SC. Well, not without um, a degree. You're not going to coach any place. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, he's, he's definitely right. But, yeah. Um, now another guy that I know <laughs> James kind of was laughing at me for. I'm glad to say that was in the Pac-12, Mr. Kevin Hogan. Um, there you go. I Let's stayed get up that train night. running. You no, can be I mean, the no, first. I, you can be the conductor of the Kevin Hogan hype train. No, I'm not going to be the, the conductor of the Kevin Hogan train. Why not? He, he, he because he disappointed Why me too not? much. Why not? He disappointed me. Why not? He disappointed me. The Bo Wallace train. You know, this, <laughs> I was on the Bo Wallace so college the train. train. <laughs> I was on the Bo. Let me let me let me fix you. I was on the Bo Wallace college train. Uh, I never said he was going to be a good prospect. I just thought that he was one of the better. Hogan, on the other hand, I did believe in him. So, um, had a horrible year. I I found I, I found out a lot about Kevin Hogan. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Kevin Hogan, his, his dad passed away, sadly. Um, that was part of the whole transfer people kept saying or go to the NFL thing. Um, apparently, his dad, I mean, I'm not blaming on that, but his dad wasn't doing it the whole year, and that kind of messed with his head. Wasn't too focused on some things that he should have been focused on football-wise. Um, but, you know, his dad passed away uh, six weeks ago. So, you know, maybe he can get back and have a good senior season with that line. And uh, it's a pretty good talent on offense coming back for Stanford. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad he 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 was honestly really close to entering the NFL draft from, from what I hear from people up there in Pac-12 land. I mean, he, he was, it was, it was like a 50-50 thing, you know, but I'm glad he stayed. <laughs> but there are some NFL people that do like him. Yeah. And right. you know oh, he already he me, already I know he, yeah I'm he already graduated he already graduated well he's graduating like right now or something like that but uh, well the thing is like the admissions office that was the whole thing that got people sent here is that he kind of was just like um you know I, I'm done with school you know right. <laughs> right. I'm graduating early and then everyone was like well I mean I guess he's transferring or getting in the draft you know and there was like I said you know dad passed away he wanted to be he's from uh, I guess DMV area, as they call it, yep. up there in Virginia. Yeah, he's from um, Northern Virginia. And in yeah, Taylor, you know, I believe it is, something like that. He is from the very, very nice part of Virginia. <laughs> it is very nice, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad. Near, near where Grant Hill, very near where Grant right. Hill uh, and his sister Crystal grew up. Yeah, 
and, you know, Virginia kid out on the West Coast, didn't have any, all families back there, and, you know, with, with somebody passing away in your family uh, that close, you know. I can understand him if he had a went to, uh, you know, I think Maryland was out there. Duke um, was out there, too. Duke was out there, which would have made total sense. I'm glad he said Stanford, though, so finish, unfinished business, as they're calling it. Yeah. But uh, NFL-wise, yeah, I know, I'm glad he didn't make that jump. I could have thought of the transfer thing, but not the NFL. I mean, I'm not – he could have been – he might have been drafted in the fourth or fifth round. I have no idea. But um, it was <laughs> it was a it was a closer decision. I, closer decision than I thought, you know. And Keller Christ is right behind him. And that was another uh, factor is that, you know, son of Paul Chris. Sorry, Christ, Paul Chris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not son of Paul Chris. Not the son of Christ. The son of Yeah, the son of Paul Chris, the nephew of Paul Chris. Keller, nephew, um, nephew he's, definitely, he's definitely putting heat on, on Hogan, so he's going to have to step up and play better. I know he was going through um, stuff with his, his dad passing away, which is always tough. I mean, of course, I wouldn't assume, but, I mean, you know, you got to play football still. NFL, you know, it's a ruthless, uh, ruthless world out there. Right. I mean, there'd be a lot less <laughs> – right. I mean, he was going to be treated, I would think, with a little more care and concern at Stanford than he would have been – as the possible third quarterback on an NFL team. Exactly. Exactly. And when they, they also kept Wayne Lyons, too, which is really big. So I would say that was – it was just big for Stanford is what I'm getting at because their recruiting class actually is not that good. And, and people are like, well, Stanford doesn't have great recruiting class. They actually do. Um, they, I just talked about Keller Chris. Um, he was a five-star quarterback. You got him. And the guy, Alex Carter, was really big too. Um, he was Kyle a Murphy huge recruiter. Yeah, yeah. 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 Andrews P, Kyle Murphy, especially the linemen. You know, if you're a top lineman, yeah, go to Stanford. Why not? They they always get drafted. They're always in the NFL. Might not right. be the best. Boston um, College, or, Wisconsin, Stanford. That's kind yeah. of your, your list if you're an offensive line, but you start with those three. It's just that Stanford doesn't get Iowa, the players. Next, probably. Yeah, Stanford doesn't get the sexy players. So people assume, oh, their recruiting class wasn't that great. Um, probably sexiest outside player they got was uh, probably Tom Montgomery, to be honest. Um, Barry Sanders Jr., one of those two guys. Uh, also got Christian McCaffrey. Right. Well, Barry Sanders Jr. was a, obviously a big name recruit, partially because of his big name. I mean, there's yeah. no way you don't notice, you know, a guy like him. Um, and and of course, you know, he's the kind of guy they don't often get from a pure athletic ability at that position. I mean, and the McCaffrey kid. I mean. Those guys, from the ability to run, stop, start, change direction, they don't get a lot of super, super quick, super fast athletes there. That's what people mean by not a great recruiting class because it's usually, hey, they get a lot of tight ends that are really good, a lot of big outside linebackers who might grow into being defensive end or, you know, a lot of defensive linemen and terrific offensive line guys. But as you said, people don't often get all, you know, warm and runny about those guys. They don't, but this is ranking-wise, this is the lowest recruited class they've had since the first year Harbaugh took over. So people are kind of worried with the year they had and then that, but I would definitely tell people to be, it's okay. You know, you got your QB back. I mean, a lot of people don't like Kevin Hogan, but, right. I mean, it's – That's he, what you should say. It's, yeah. Right. Hey, what, what's their what, – it's like their fight song is it's all right now practically, right? It's all right. You got Kevin yeah, Hogan. It's all you got right Wolf. now. You got Wayne Lyons back. You got Hogan. You got you know McCaffrey, Sanders, and uh, Kelsey Young. Got Dalton Schultz at tight end. You got uh, 
four linemen that stayed, Garnett, I believe, and Kyle Murphy, two big names. Um, and, uh, yeah, you got a, a solid defense always, you know. Um, Blake Martinez is my number one middle linebacker for next year already. So you got a good thing going for you um, if you're Stanford. And the Pac-12 is not down, but there's not – there's no, you know, dominant – I think USC and Oregon will be the favorites and UCLA too, but you can win. There's like seven or eight teams that can win the Pac-12, <laughs> you know. I mean, outside of your Colorado and Washington State and stuff like that, anybody can win at 12. So just be relaxed, I guess, as Aaron Rodgers said, another, the rival, Cal quarterback, but <laughs> just relax if you're a Stanford fan. Um, recruiting class, David Shaw knows what he's doing. I trust him. I don't care if he gets the number 100 ranked recruiting class. I feel like they're still winning some ball games <laughs> because he's just that good of a coach. I mean, if you're at Stanford, you're never going to be a top 10 recruiting class. You just kind of have to face it, you know. So... <laughs> You know, because the academic standards are too high, even though they lowered them this year, um, actually. But so Stanford should be getting more recruits, better recruits in. I mean, because they lowered the recruiting standards by, I believe, like half a point. So that will help out. And you don't need four AP classes now. You only need two. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Stanford, oh. I mean, oh. some people were kind of mad about that. But, <laughs> I mean, they're trying to win football games. You know, I understand it happens. <laughs> Stanford's still a very great program, prestigious, um, academic-wise, so no worries there. But, yeah, um, I'm excited to see where the recruiting class holds up because, like you mentioned at the beginning, um, there's going to be some sharks out there. There already is. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're going to definitely pray. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you could just – the kids change their mind. They flip-flop. Um, Juju Smith flip-flop last year. Uh, on signing day, you know, Oregon. I mean, I remember Ben tweeting at me. We got Juju from Southern California. Two hours later, took the hat at USC. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't know. They're, they're 17 and 18 years old. Bill, you have a kid. I mean, your kid's not that age, but she's, you know how. She's not yeah. quite ready to declare to anybody yeah. in terms of where she's going to take her talents. But, but you these understand. are 16, 17, 18-year-olds. They change their mind about everything all the time. Yeah, every day. I mean, right? I mean, I mean, some of these guys who are on, especially when you follow high school kids on Twitter, look how many different times their "quote unquote" bay is someone different from like when the school year began. It's like, oh wait, yeah. that's bay now. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not trying that's to be funny, funny, but that is the nature of being that age. You are going to change your mind. Yeah, and I think I had this conversation with you, Bill. People, a lot of people are saying. Um, People that age are more mature now. Mm. Not true. Not true at all. <laughs> um, more advanced in certain things, you know, social media has changed the world. Uh, and, and definitely uh, teenagers use that to their advantage in a great way. You can and, go on and to their disadvantage as well. And I to mean. their disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think they're, I don't think that teenagers are more mature, um, honestly. And I'm not, I'm not too far away from being a teenager. I was there. It wasn't that long ago. So, yeah, it's tough. You, you change your mind. I'm 25. I still change my mind, you know, still a younger guy. Um, you change your mind on things, you know, um, especially when you're – this is a life-changing experience, man. So, yeah, when you're um, Alizé Jones, you know, and UCLA fan base is pissed at you because you decommit, you've been committed to UCLA for two years, then all of a sudden just commits to Notre Dame, you know. <laughs> um, but he's 17 years old, you know, and he's – He's got three teammates from Bishop Gorman 
going to uh, Notre Dame. Yep. Um, so including the owner of the UFC's dad, Nico Frittetta. So, <laughs> you know, that has a big play in, in, in uh, recruiting. So you just have to, you have to be Tim Brewster, man. Just keep tweeting that kids. Just keep reminding them. Keep reminding them, you know, you, you make sure you want to be in Tallahassee. Make sure you want to play play here. <laughs> you know, use Deion Sanders on your recruiting visit. Do everything you, you need to do. Right. <laughs> but do not have dinner with him. No. No dinner. <laughs> no dinner. I mean, he can have dinner with them per se. Per se. Like he could be per- in the same restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could be there. Like at Benihana's, all the way down at the end of the table. As long as, you know, Tim Brewster and, uh, you know, all those guys are, are in the front. We use Jack Nicholas since, you know, obvious, obvious reasons. Right. I didn't write. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. So, Stanford, uh, I assume at least makes use of a little bit of Tiger, I would think. I would definitely use Tiger. Um, I would definitely the Twitter guys, you know, can't be using Twitter and not mention the Stanford guys, you know. But that's where they went to school, so yeah, you got to use them. You go, you see the quarterback on Sundays, number twelve, playing every week. Mr. Luck, Kobe Fleener, this weekend, you can use that. I'm sure that's definitely used by David Shaw. So or Pep Hamilton, he's there too. A lot yep. of stuff you can use. So. Well, the Big Ten, you know, which is obviously at this point you have Urban Meyer, you know, in the conference, in case people hadn't noticed. And you have, you know, Coach D'Antonio, who's building a, a bit of a beast as well at Michigan State. And then there is, no offense, I mean, Wisconsin's a good program, but let's be honest, there's a precipitous drop-off to some extent once you get past those sort of top two programs. And you have Wisconsin sort of snugly in there at third, but and not to say they don't recruit well, but and you just pointed out they're getting a little bit of speed and things like that. But just Joe <laughs> Exactly. They seem to they had Russell Wilson transfer in, but once you eliminate the Russell Wilson transfer situation, I mean now you're looking at the best being guys like Daryl Bevel and Brooks Bollinger in the last what, 30 years? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess you could toss Jim Sorgi in the pile, too. But, I mean, they seem to have a trouble, for whatever reason, they run a pro-style offense, they're in the Big Ten. You would think they'd be able to find NFL-type guys, right, to play quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that I, I believe them and LSU are just my baffling, why don't you ever get quarterbacks? Why don't you ever have now, quarterbacks, right? I mean, no, the difference is that LSU gets the quarterbacks, but they never pan out how they're supposed to be. But Wisconsin doesn't get them at all. And it, it, I think that might change with, um, you know, um, Paul Chris, possibly, that coach. Right, right. He's a guy that knows Paul, how to handle quarterbacks. Yeah, so um, that could change. But, yeah, they, just, they don't get the guy. They don't get a man. I mean, you got Stavi, McAvoy, and Bart Houston. Not yeah. a good. That's not a good group, of course. No. <laughs> I've come by here to tell you that Southern Miss, Southern Mississippi's depth chart would kick the living daylights out of Wisconsin's quarterback depth chart. 
I would take the top three guys at Southern Mississippi over the top three guys at Wisconsin all day long. Without oh, wow. batting an eyelash. Yes, without batting an eyelash. I would take Southern Mississippi for, for potential and for whatever, you know, for whatever it is you're looking for. I don't, I don't know how this keeps happening to them, but, no, I don't like any of those options. I would take, I'll say it again, I would take the guys at Southern Miss. Are they as coached up? No. But a year, if I was to hand Coach Christ the top three quarterbacks at Southern Miss and take away, and he probably would thank me for this, take away the guys he's got now, I guarantee you he's getting more big plays out of the offense with the three guys he's working with from Southern Miss. Volpe, yeah. as they like to say. I would probably agree with you. And I and I, I saw Bart Houston play. He's from De La Salle High School in California. Um, I know a lot of people, Wisconsin fans are like, well, we need to play Bart Houston. He's not that good, man. I mean, De La Salle quarterbacks do not do good in college football. Um, I mean, they just don't. They win. I know they always win. I mean, they have a movie they about them. I mean, they just won another state championship this year. They always <laughs> do that. They do that yeah, every year. Um, yeah, but their quarterbacks are all – Managers. I don't know if you've watched. Yeah, it I mean Alabama wins yeah. all the time too. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean you can't go by that. Yeah. You can't go. I mean Bart Houston is a great kid. He's smart. Yeah. He's actually he's a big. natural he's leader. Actually, he's yeah. right. I mean he's tough. Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually one of the biggest Taylor South quarterbacks. He is six three, two twenty, but oh. he's just not. They don't throw the ball vertically like that. They run. Um, they run a lot uh, with yep. their quarterback, and they throw a lot of dink and dunk. Yep. Um. That's what. That's why they win so good, though. They're just built like NFL-ish style with a little bit of spread. So, Bart Houston, that's the guy you want to save Wisconsin from uh, passing games. And I'm sorry, that's not going to work. You might as well just use Joel Stavia for a bet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, just be I mean, but at least Joel Stavia can throw uh, the deep ball a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, a little Thank bit. You, Bart Houston. So yeah, Bart. Bart Houston's just not, not, uh, not going to be done. He's not the answer. I mean, Gutierrez, I guess, was the only successful Dallas South quarterback. Um, and if you want to call that successful, he kind of had a weird career. But he was in the NFL for a hot second. Matt Gutierrez uh, was at Michigan. He was at Idaho State, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> It was like 10 years ago almost. But, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't – Southern Miss, I mean, I've been looking at their quarterback depth chart, but, I mean, I believe you when you say that Wisconsin isn't as good because it's just one – it's probably – it might be the worst. It's not the worst in the conference, but, I mean, it's – It bottom. isn't good. <laughs> yeah, it's bottom it's, – and Big Ten's not even known for quarterbacks, so you to have a bottom three is pretty bad. And once they do – if they do ever get a quarterback – we saw what happened when they got a quarterback. No, it was yes. horrible. Exactly. See what happens when you actually have a quarterback? <laughs> uh. Yeah, we're not looking for Jameis or anything. I mean, <laughs> you got to just get a guy that, I mean, at least get your top guy from Wisconsin. I mean, literally, somewhere. if you go around college football, you can think of 50, without thinking hard, better quarterback uh, opportunities, like better quarterback options. Marquise Williams at UNC, better than anybody they have right now. Uh I mean, well, Clemson's not even fair. I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, they got <laughs> Sean Watson. So, yeah. I mean, people's backups, though, honestly. If you look at some backup quarterbacks. We're just there are some uh, backup quarterbacks yeah. at Pro. USC's fourth quarterback would win the quarterback competition at, at Wisconsin going away. They should also get Max Brown. They should they should try to just get him. To hey, go Max there. Brown, how'd you like to be guaranteed a starting job immediately exactly. upon arriving on campus? That is so funny that you said Max Brown. Uh, I guess it was James that said it because somebody said that. Uh, like, don't stop me like a poor man's Max Brown. I was like, oh. don't you do Max? Don't do Max Brown like that, man. Don't you? Like he's a very poor man, like a homeless, like not homeless, like homeless shelter man. Like, like, <laughs> like, like he's the guy that can't sleep under the bridge anymore because somebody bigger and stronger pushed him out from under the bridge. He's, he's, he's maybe like sleeps by the overpass, man. Well, that's why he's at the shelter, Bill. They have protection at the shelter. Exactly. They watch you and monitor you. Yeah, he's got protection. He does have. He literally has protection with that line. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, four minutes, Matt Brown. I mean, he has a senior season to prove me wrong, but I just don't. He does. I'm not. I'm not on the Joel. So I, and people are like, "Well, he's you know." He, You're not he, driving he was, the Joel Stave hype train. No, I just I saw somebody on. Uh, I guess they were posting vines of Joel Stave. He's already working out and growing. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> that that's great. Fine. That's great. I'm glad. You know, season. Most people right now are just in college. I mean, they're just doing classes. They're hanging out with their buddies. They're not really worried about football right now. You know, right, but Joe Stave likes to rise and grind, baby. Yeah, apparently on his Instagram, if you guys want to follow him, Joe Stave two underscore. <laughs> he is just yeah, he posts the videos out here grinding, baby, working at six in the morning, throwing, getting yep. better. You know, NFL dreams hashtag. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I think James might want to rise on Joe because the ladies do love Joe Stave. The ladies, um, ladies do love. Yes, Joel they Stave. do. So James might be riding the Joe Stavage train. Maybe. He's a big, tall, white guy, you know, 55 to 30. The ladies love him. He's got the Instagram going, so I don't know. <laughs> but in all serious, you're right about the Wisconsin uh, jobs. And the LSU job, too, at quarterback. I mean, you just, you just go through your mental like list of teams and – it's hard to think of another big-time successful program, like I said, LSU being the only other one that really leaps to mind, that just can't seem to get what everyone says is the most important position in the game, can't seem to ever get it right. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any. Um, some people would throw Texas, but I'm not. I like Tyrone too. I mean, he definitely struggled, but I like him. Well, he's a young quarterback learning a new – I mean, young quarterbacks learning new systems often don't look great. Uh, now, if he's – Dinks it up going into this next year, then I'll be ready. Yeah. To, you know, yeah, but, yeah. I, but yeah. I gave him a mulligan pretty much on that first year. And he showed, even then, he showed flashes of stuff they haven't had there in a while, quite frankly. He, yeah, he really did. And plus, like I always say, he wasn't, I mean, that was David Ash's job. I mean, you can hate or love David Ash, but it was his job. And it kind of just, all of a sudden, he just, his career was over, you know. Yep. So. Kind of just happened. Like he wasn't expecting the. He should always expect the play. New sheriff comes to the town and gets rid of all the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which he might do this year. I mean, they he could conceivably. He's the kind of guy who could take that jump forward. He does have physical tools, and they haven't had that at the position in a while. And I'm hearing good things about it. I mean, once again, I guess you can't be coached by Charlie Strong unless you have a certain amount of mental strength. So I'm hearing, 
you know, some good things about his mental toughness and that he's becoming more of a leader and things like that. And he only has one offensive coordinator now, John yeah. Watson. Major Applewhite, Major Applewhite is at Houston with Tom Herman. So yep. I think that will help him out a lot. It'll help both of them out because I think now Applewhite has sort of gotten stuck. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like he – he was once a guy that was moving up pretty, you know, like, you know, it was only a matter of time until Major Applewhite's a head coach, blah, blah, blah. And then stuff happens, right? And, uh, you know, the the Major Applewhite hype train, you know, hits a bump. And, you know, guys are going whizzing past him. You know, now Joel Spavital and guys like that, Jake Spavital and guys like that are, you know, getting all the buzz. And people have almost kind of forgotten about old Major Applewhite. So I think he's in a great situation at Houston, because one, they're going to do some stuff. <laughs> you know, they're going to, that's going to be a fun <laughs> offense to watch. And he's going to get a chance to really showcase what he is as an offensive mind. Oh, yeah, that's that's a heck of um uh, offensive staff. Um, you, you steal the recruiting coordinator from Ohio State. Yep. Um, And you, you take Major Applewhite from Texas, and then you get Tom Herman. You know, that's a good, for Houston, I mean, that's good. I mean, you're, you're getting it's guys. better than good, my friend. Yeah. It's I mean, that's since, yeah. since the Art Bryles kept, well, I guess the Art Bryles Kevin Sumlin days weren't really that long ago. But, uh, but no. really, <laughs> now that I think about it. So it hasn't been that. They actually have had some pretty darn good coaching staff at Houston now that I think about it. I do, but I honestly think you know, people, I, I don't know any Houston people really, but I mean, I think Tom Herman, who I hear, would, wants to stay there a while. I mean, I don't know about him being a Houston cooler lifer. You don't think like he's going to be there 30 years from now? No, I don't think he's going to be there 30 years from now, but I could see him being there uh, maybe six or seven. Okay. Um, they'll take that. Yeah. They're used to I being mean, a stair step, so they'll take that. <laughs> I mean, his his wife is a Houston graduate. I mean, he already lived there, you know, so why not? He went to Rice. He's not going back to Rice. Don't no, worry about that. not going back to Rice. You're right about that. So, <laughs> so, so I think, you know, you don't have to worry about him. So, you know, alumni doing him. So, but, I mean, he'll probably get a bigger job one day. But, yeah, I mean, he's coming off that national championship. And, and like I said, getting a guy like Major Applewhite, who's so big in the um, Texas community, um, especially like the suburbs of Houston and Austin, um, like South Dakota and stuff like that. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, exciting stuff for Houston. I love Greg Wars Jr. And, and John Corn ain't bad either. Um, just had some up and downs last year. But, uh, yeah, so they got a really good thing going for them in Houston. But, yeah, I mean, Southern Texas, they just got Jay Norvell from Oklahoma as the wide receiver coach. He was a great get. They're doing it right. There's no two ways to put it. They are doing it right. We said that on the show. Me, you, James, and I think um, somebody else is on here. I've been Shane. I think somebody was worried about – a lot of people were worried about Texas – just patience. Give it time. They're going to start off bad. They look bad. They got better at the end of the season. They lost the bowl game. They look bad. But they got all the knuckleheads out. Yep. This year, I think they make the maturation process to eight or nine wins, and they just look like a better team. Then that year three, you know, that's Charlie Strong's year. You know, that will be his year. Swoops would have been a senior by then, and all their defensive players are really young, so they'd all be seniors possibly too if they stay. And they, they should just be really contending um, for a big total title uh, and a, a college football playoff title, too, I believe, if, if everything goes right. And I think it will for Charlie Strong. Yeah. Because he's still getting recruits. You know, a lot of people are worried, but he's going to Jefferson, number one linebacker in the country. 
Um, yeah. You know, he might steal uh, Michael Irvin's nephew <laughs> from Miami, which would be a – I mean, Charlie Strong was big in Miami. I didn't think he was that big. He stole Michael Irvin's nephew from Miami. <laughs> well, yeah, he stole him. I mean, it's Charlie yeah, Strong. I know. It's Texas and it's Charlie Strong. Like, if you're a defensive player, why not? Of, um, you know? Um, Donovan James is dropping some recruiting knowledge, and we're going to have a really underrated quarterback in Jarrett Saffron from Sacramento State that I really like, uh, who's got a lot of Jeff Garcia on, uh, on about 10, 15. Uh, Sac State, Sacramento State. I spotted him while I, was, I spotted him while I was scouting T.J. Knowles a couple of years ago, the transfer from South Florida, went out there, and I was like, who's a little quarterback? And I was like, this guy's accurate. Athletic. He's a little small. He's like six one and a half, about two oh eight. But he's, you know, he's about the same size as Aaron Murray, and that's a similar, very similar skill set to Aaron Murray, but he's just playing at a lower level. Yeah. So actually, I think Alex is with us. Oh. Okay. Alex is about to give me some exciting information. Give me one moment. Discuss amongst yourselves something. I'll be right back. So what's the, what's the news? Okay. <laughs> oh, is it James on right now? Yeah, I guess I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me. Let me. Let me. Can I ask you a question real fast, James? Well, yeah, sure. You know, just like a player um, in the camp. Like, gonna, I just want to know what you think about uh you're gonna, about Buck Allen going uh, to. The, I mean, I knew he was going to come out, but what do you think about him uh, transitioning to the NFL? As an observer, what do you say? What do you, like metric wise, I know he's older, but well, I think he should be fine. Uh, I, I I think you know by tape wise, you know he can catch the football well. Um, he's a he's a pretty good runner too, um, and you know pass protection is not that bad either. So I think if he goes to the right team, he can um, he can fit on there. Like the the big the kind of the bigger issue for him just is just the closest comp to him was Skip Hicks. I don't know if you remember Skip yeah. Hicks, he was at UCLA. But the only question is why running back. But he's the only thing that happened to Skip Hicks was that he was a little older. He was about twenty. He was about the same age as him. So either um, he likes you or it means he's kind of a jack. Played well. <laughs> it's sort of hard to tell. And then, unfortunately, um, but yeah, you've got a few minutes. Kind uh, of. Can you, can you hang out right there for a second? Got injured and had all sorts of other sort of stuff that happened, but um, but with Allen, I mean, I mean that's the only big thing. And plus, this is a really deep running back class, so Allen's gonna have to. I mean, day two would be like best case scenario if he tests like ridiculously well as an athlete. If he doesn't really test incredibly, you know, like if he's just kind of okay as an athlete, then I think he might end up being a day three guy, but. You know, in terms of him going to a team, I mean, you know, like I said, on tape, tape wise, he can like he can do it all as a running back, and there's not a lot of running backs that can do it all. You know, that can catch, you know, pass protect pretty well, and uh, and also be a really good runner. So, those are the main things that really help him out. Because uh, there's some there's some running backs in this class that don't do those sort of things, and then there's other guys that kind of do them sort of well, kind of. You know, like their pass protection is kind of good if you, you know, you watch them long enough. If that makes any sense. Uh, okay, uh, that sounds good. Yeah, that's pretty much where I had them too. I I just put out my big board one here, and 
he was. He just missed the cut. He just missed the cut. So he's outside of the top 100, but he's definitely a guy with drafts. Um, and, and, you know, fourth round, um, maybe third, like you said. Yeah, tested. And, yeah, I mean, there's a few teams, five or six teams I could see him being off. Being pretty, you know, it's a two-back right now. I don't know about him being a one, but he can do a little bit of everything. That's why I do like him. That's why I asked He's 23, right, on draft day? Or 20, well, 23.67, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's actually like 24. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you know, yeah. when the season starts. So, right. You, yeah. Have you heard? Have you heard of? Uh, you've heard of Calvin Ridley, the Alabama receiver that they just got in. Calvin Ridley, eh, not really. Okay. Why? Well, he's a he's a. Oh, it's just because it's funny. We all talk about age. He is twenty years old, and he's a he's a senior in high school. Yikes! <laughs> yeah. Yikes! I was out at the senior, or excuse me, the underwear game, and there's he was like nineteen point nine. Or his birthday was like a month. Out and they're like, how do you, he's only he's six months younger than Amari Cooper. It's like insane, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I, he he started school really late. It's not his fault. I mean, <laughs> his parents decided for him to start school. Yeah, seventh like, grade. Really or no, seventh, like he was really really late. Yeah, he didn't start school till he was seven years old. Like mm. seven. So like, yeah, it's just weird. Like I mean. Nothing about him, really. It's just funny to tell you he's 20, but, like, somebody like that, I mean, he's going to be, like, I think he asked Nick Saban if he was going to get redshirted because he didn't want to go anywhere he's going to be redshirted because he knows, you know, he's going to be kind of old. Even if he only stays three years, he'll be 23. Redshirted, if he stays five years, he'll be, like, 25 years old. <laughs> At receiver, that's not, that's, like, horrible, probably. <laughs> yeah. If he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. but yeah, he uh, is just funny. But yeah, man, um, I, I'm just uh, I'm just excited to get the ball rolling with this uh, NFL draft. Now that everyone's pretty much put their name in the hat, um, still some names I guess I can declare. I think BJ Catalan declared last night, late last yep. night. BJ Catalan declared late last night. Really? Yeah, it, it, yeah yep. he declared. Yeah. He, it's now his yeah. is family stuff. His is family. Yeah, stuff. I was gonna say, um, Alex, what, what, what did you hear about catalog? I think Alex is with us. Alex Brown. Okay, maybe not. Go ahead, Alvin. <laughs> no, I mean I don't really know. I mean Alex knows more. I'm sure he's a Texas guy, but I mean I just I know his mom wanted him to declare. So I just assume that I mean maybe they're having some family. Things. I mean, it's like it's like with Nelson Aguilar. I kept ta- I kept talking to James. Like, what is he gonna do? Like, he was supposed to make up his mind like two weeks before he actually declared, and it, he was just so fifty fifty because like I think his dad was like, "Yeah, man, just declare." <laughs> and his mom was like, "No, stay." And it's just like his girlfriend was like, "Leave, yeah, definitely leave." <laughs> and it's just like you don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Like, I was talking to one of my SC buddies on Twitter, and it's like, do you follow Nelson Aguilar's girlfriend on Twitter? I'm like, no, I don't follow Nelson Aguilar's girlfriend on Twitter. Like, why would I follow her? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm not that deep into, like, uh, the SC program. I follow people's girlfriends on Twitter. 
Unless they just look like absolutely like stunning, but like I mean, apparently, apparently his girlfriend was just like, "Can't wait till my baby goes to the draft." Like way before, like oh. even. There you go. That's but but deleted, so that's deleted tweet. Talking to Donovan, not Nelson Aguilar, his girlfriend. Yeah, so if I had a, she tweeted, I guess she knew inside scoop. Yeah, yeah inside scoop. she did though. So. She knew she because, because she told, told him. him. She told him, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I knew. I, I honestly, like, in my heart of hearts, um, I, I thought he would leave. But I, I just, I know how close him and Cody Kessler are. I know when Cody stayed, Cody was at the whole. Recru- they re-recruited him. T. Martin was there. Cody Kessler, his girlfriend, both his parents. And I was like, well, maybe this whole little re-recruitment little fun thing, he'll stay for a senior year, kind of like Robert Woods did with Matt Barclay. It's just like, no, it's just not going to happen. Because his girlfriend said it. She already said he was leaving like two months ago, yep. so everyone should have known. <laughs> and now we know you got to pay attention to what the girlfriend said. Well, exactly. Yeah, so. You know, and plus in this class, I mean, he's, I mean, to me, he's a top five wide receiver. You know, kind of in that day two, early day two area. So, you know, he stays yeah, another year. Maybe it gets better. Maybe, kind of, sort of. You know, but then again, you never know which wide receiver is going to emerge. You know, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't blame him for leaving. He's definitely a top receiver, um, top one hundred on about everybody's board, and some people first round, second round. I mean, yeah, you got to take it. USC's not hurting now, wide receiver. I mean, a little bit now because Farmer, but, um, you know, he would have definitely – he would have probably broke some records. Yeah. Um, Marquise Lee had – yeah. Marquise Lee kind of rewrote the record a couple years ago. Seems like a long time ago. Wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Yeah, but for USC fans, it does. Man. There's a lot of stuff that's happened since then. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he Nelson. I think Nelson will be really good at the next level. Um, and I kind of have a debate going about him versus Rashard Green. I'm taking Nelson Aguilar eight times yep. out of ten, not nine. But I like Rashard Green too. But I'm taking Nelson. There's not Nelson. really any debate between the two. You know, like I don't know. Like, I understand Green is very gritty and tough and stuff like that, but Aguilar is like the Green that does everything a little bit better, you know, kind of in a lot of ways. But, I don't know, that's just me. Yeah. They, some see Nelson Aguilar is a Mike Wallace type of receiver, but I think he can be better. I mean, he's not as fast as Mike Wallace, but um, I think he's well, one of the ones. You know, I, I was saying, you know, Manuel Sanders, you know, Santonio Holmes, um, a bunch of guys. I, I'd even throw Marquise Lee in there, kind of, but a little bit stronger. Um, yeah, definitely. Kind of, you know, and maybe a little bit faster in a straight line, because I know Lee was, you know, he didn't run that well, but yeah. But who knows? I mean, maybe it was because of injuries or whatever, but that's the thing about you, USC wide receivers. Every time they end up somewhere, they end up getting injured, but, you know, at the end, some for some reason, but I don't know. Yeah, I hope Nelson stays uh, healthy. And, then, like, you know, SD, it's going to be interesting at Pro Day. They only have eight guys. Um, Kind of rare for you to see. They only have eight, eight guys that left. 
So <laughs> there's a lot of people coming back, but um, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see what they do at the pro day with uh, Farmar, Nelson, Leonard, and all those guys. Was there any other? Was there any other surprise declarees that I may not have caught? Like I heard Jesse James declared, and I don't yeah, know if that's one hundred percent true. He did. Yeah, yeah, he declared. Okay. Jesse James. Uh, a weird one for me was uh, never mind. He didn't declare. I was gonna say I just talked about Wayne Lyons. He didn't declare. He stayed. But I don't want him to leave. I think he could be good next year. Um. Your guy Zach Banner stayed. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think. But I know Zach was. Uh, Ark Armstead left. I mean, that's not that surprising. Yeah. More surprised that DeForest Buckner stayed. I know. That's what was surprising. But then again, you know, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he did it because. Well, first, you know, he does have stuff he can improve on. But secondly, you know, he'll. No more talking about Armstead. You know, right. it's just Buckner now. You know, that type oh. of situation. Trey Williams of Texas A&M was a really surprise. Really surprise. Yeah, he wasn't getting any playing time. I mean, that's the only big issue with, with him was I'm just kind of like, yeah, he's very quick. He's very fast. Um, but then you look at what he's done, and he's just kind of a backup. You know, Texas A&M. And I know that they don't run the football a ton, but I was just really taken aback that, you know, okay, this guy, like I've heard people say, oh, he's better than Amir Abdullah. He has less mileage. And I'm like, yeah, but Amir Abdullah actually carried the load for an entire season, game after game after game. This guy barely got into the rotation at all, you know. Yeah, that is true. I know. Flash plays here and there. Yeah, I know Savadol was supposed to run the ball. It's, it's supposed to run the ball more next year. I'm not saying he will, but that was a part of the plan because you're going to get him. It was supposed to be Trey Williams, Trey Carson, and then you got the other running back. I can't think of right now, the third running back, too. Um, so they were going to run it a little bit more, but, you know, now that he's gone, we, we don't know. But that was, I mean, yeah, you're right. And if he had, I know he's really talented, but saying he's better or just because Abdullah is kind of insane, <laughs> you know, to me. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, it's, I mean, there's arguments to be made that talent-wise, <clears throat> you know, that that just, uh, you know, maybe not, maybe like athleticism, I guess you could say, is a little bit better. But at the same time, yeah, like athleticism is not the only thing to play in running back, you know, <laughs> be able to do exactly. all the other stuff, which he hasn't really done all the other stuff. Now, you can say he didn't get the opportunity or whatever, or they don't run the ball, but still, you know, it's kind of. Um, yeah. Well, then you got – I was very, very disappointed by this one just because I wanted him to be a top – I thought he could be a top ten pick next year. Ellis McCarthy, he entered the draft. I was kind of – I don't know. I thought he should have stayed, man. That that D-line would have been nasty with him and Vander does up front next year and then Jack and all those guys at linebacker. But, I mean – uh, Ellis, I still, I still think he could go. Uh, he's gonna go top fifty. So I think I still think he's the number two defense. Number three, I have him behind Jordan Phillips and uh, and Danny Shelton. So he's up there to me still, but he's well, kind of lazy. Well, it all depends on how he tests. I mean, because that's all he has really. Because tape wise, not a ton of production. And I know people go, oh no, his tackles don't produce a lot. I get that, but 
when you get all the nose tackles production, you figure out the ones that are more productive than the other ones. So, and he was in the latter end of that spectrum, which is not 100% good, but like he, like he didn't hit uh, Don Terry Poe territory, you know, like Don Terry Poe was another guy. Well, he wasn't that productive. Well, Poe was a lot more productive than McCarthy, you know? So. Yeah, he gets compared to him a lot, actually. So I've heard that. Um, but it's different size wise. Yeah. I mean size wise, yeah. And I think they're gonna test similar as athletes, but you know, Poe did a lot more than McCarthy in terms of game to game and and you know, and also over the season type stuff. So I don't know. But he's really young. I mean that's uh, that's the only other thing I could say is that there's a lot of guys that are like, eh and then but they were twenty one when they entered and then they ended up being kind of good, you know, successful, and you know, in some way. And plus, this nose tackle class is—I mean, you got, you know, you have Danny Shelton, you have Ellis McCarthy, Harry Williams. If you, you know, if he, if he, the character stuff go, you know, kind of goes away. My guy Jordan Phillips is is a name that I definitely would. Uh, he's. I mean, I know he's I know a you guy know that has a chance to. He can be special, man. Like he could be Pro Bowl every year, special. I'm not saying that about a lot of people in the chat. I'm not saying he will be, because the depth, his floor, is very low. <laughs> He'd be out of the league in three years too. But feeling high. <laughs> He's one of those guys that's gonna be a boom bust. Oh, is that Jordan Phillips? Yeah, Jordan Phillips. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, forgot about him. Uh, yeah, I have a love hate for him, but I don't know about you. <laughs> let's just see so limited in his snaps, um, which is what I my own biggest worry. I mean, and also the tape was good, but not great. And yeah, he did a backflip, but again, there's no visual confirmation of said backflip. So, and it was also done when he was a lot lighter as well when he first came there. So, that's all I'm trying to say. Jason, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, he had visual evidence, you know, with 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 Phillips. You know, it's kind of like uh, Mythbusters or something, you know, like we have to figure out if this is even possible <laughs> that you could do that at that size. That many people couldn't lie, right? Trevor Knight tweeted it out. You know, all these guys. Backflip. Yeah, he is. Maybe you can pull out the backflip at the uh, combine when he runs and does all his drills. He can just pull out the backflip, and then we'll finally get to actually see it. Oh, is Bill still there? Yeah, I think he's still there. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I just, with Jordan Phillips, yeah, I agree with you, man. Like, I, I see why you kind of question some things about him. You know, I've seen some good, seen some bad, seen some ugly, seen some amazing, but uh, he's just raw. One of those raw guys. That, well, I mean, he I mean, definitely has a shot. I mean, you know, everybody has a shot. It's just he's not um, – like, the better way to put it is, like, he's not a guy I would really take in day two because he's really not that developed. 
as people say he is, and he hasn't proven that he could do a full load, you know, the nose tackle. Like, I, endurance is kind of important. I know people do rotations and defensive line, but that just means that his value is a lot different, you know. Like, the guy who could stay in there for 65% of the steps and play at a high level a little bit better than the guy who can only go in there and do 35, 20, you know, like just part of some portion of a game. I mean, that's that's a sub-package player is what that is, you know. It's not really a full package player. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't surprised Jordan Phillips in there because of his age. I think he'll be 22 on draft day, even though he was a retro sophomore. So I wasn't surprised. But uh, Braylon Hurd, I was surprised about. I, I really, really thought – I mean, you, you, you're Kentucky. You think you're getting Damian Williams. Don't get him. Then you lose Braylon Hurd, you know, your other running back early out of nowhere. Like, just kind of shocking to me. I have no idea why he didn't draft. He's not going to get drafted. <laughs> yeah. So, I gentlemen, mean, it's, 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 uh, we will be more than happy, obviously, to pick up with that. But I have now one of my favorite underrated quarterbacks in this draft class, one Mr. Garrett Saffron. First of all, it's a cool name. He sounds like a um, – like turn-of-the-century British secret agent. You know, that's a cool name, Garrett Saffron. Just rolls off the tongue, <laughs> right? And for those who haven't had a chance to really check him out, for some reason the word on the lips of NFL people is a small, but he's not. I mean, he's not that small. If you liked Aaron Murray, he's about the same size as Aaron Murray. Um, I believe you said last time you were measured six one and a half. And a little over 205, like 207, 208, something like that. Is that about right, Garrett? Uh, yeah, around like 205 right now. Okay. You know, so, yeah, you're not going to be mistaken for Cam Newton or Andrew Luck, but you're you're not tiny, you know. You're not right. the smallest guy out there. So, first of all, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Certainly. And uh, you, you told me that you're going down to check out one of your buddies, one of your compadres, your favorite target of late, in fact, um, at the NFLPA game, where, as I said, you should be also playing as a competitor, but that's another topic for another time. Um, so tell me, who, who are you going down to check out? Uh, um, your, mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, watch my All-American receiver, DeAndre Carter, go play in the NFLPA bowl game, and uh, I'm actually from uh, that area, so I'm moving all my stuff back down from SAC uh, back into Los Angeles. Okay. Are you training? Will you be training in that area as well? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to live at my uncle's house and have, like, my own secluded little area, and I have a personal trainer who uh, who I'll be working with, and uh, I'm just trying to get a QB coach as of late. Okay. Okay. We'll talk offline or whatever, but I may know if you if you don't have someone lined up, I may know somebody who knows somebody, as they say. Okay. So, so we'll talk off, talk offline about right. that. Sounds um, good. Tell me about how you got introduced to football because you've played other sports. How did you get introduced to football, and how did football end up eventually winning your heart? Um, I ended. I started playing uh, many sports: basketball, baseball, football. I even did a little bit of gymnastics. Um, but I started playing when I was younger. I grew up playing flag football uh, in the first grade uh, all the way up until fifth grade. And then uh, during sixth grade, I played – during middle school, I played all sports, baseball, basketball, football, and I still continue to play flag football until high school. And during high school, after my freshman year, I decided to stick with football after playing uh, freshman basketball and freshman baseball. I just – 
decided to continue playing uh, football throughout my years in high school and committed to that. Okay. And you were not immediately a quarterback, but you gravitated to the position pretty quickly. Tell me about sort of how you evolved into becoming a quarterback. Um, I kind of took the reins from my flag football coach. He wanted to play me as a receiver, but uh, our quarterback ended up breaking his arm before the season, so I had to shift positions to quarterback, and uh, eventually it, it, it won my heart. And uh, I continued to play position and uh, continued to grow and get better at it. As I may have mentioned to you, I know I've mentioned to others that I like, I, like I find so many guys, I found you almost by accident. I was yeah. uh, watching TJ Knowles. I watched him at South Florida. He transferred into Sacramento State, and I was tra- yes, sir. Fo- following him. And then, uh, you know, I'm there watching him, and I'm like, who's this quarterback? You know, <laughs> you know I, yeah. I, I saw you do some things in terms of movement, you know, manipulating the pocket, um, realizing when a play was dead and, you know, taking it down and running it or throwing it away. And I didn't realize you were just a sophomore at the time. So I'm putting you on my radar at that point. And then I look on the, look it up. It's like sophomore, really? You know, so I was impressed by your football maturity for a guy who was 19, 20 years old, especially when a guy has a certain level of talent, usually see him trying to force things. I saw you, Almost never do, and I started watching more movie tape. I saw you almost never force things. You seem to, you seem to be really committed to taking what the defense is giving you and not trying to make things happen that weren't there. Uh, talk about how some of you, your coaches influenced you, and and who are some of the coaches that have helped you to grow up as a player? Right. Uh, I started out with my head coach. Uh, he recently resigned, and we got a new head coach now. But my freshman year, Coach Marshall Spurbeck, uh, mm-hmm. he brought me in. Uh, and I came in as a walk-on. Uh, he eventually uh, kind of put me under his wing and kind of, you know, got in me a little bit, yelled at me, trying to get me to grow. Uh, I ended up playing a little bit as my as a redshirt freshman, and I think that uh, that playing time kind of helped me realize that I could belong out here as a as a youngster at the time. And then uh, during my sophomore year, uh, I kept on. I saw the growth as a freshman and a. Uh, we went into the season. Eventually, we beat Colorado that year. Yep. Uh, and then uh, year after year, I kept on getting better and better uh, based on statistics and and kind of the fundamentals of the game. Sure. I'm going to open it up to some of my co-hosts. I I know that, you know, obviously I have Mr. California with me and, and Donovan James, uh, but you didn't have a lot of heavy-duty recruitment. He's kind of our recruitment guru. Uh, talk about, I mean, obviously, if you're walking on at Sacramento State, it's not because you were turning down offers from USC and UCLA. So right. tell me, tell us a little bit about your recruitment process, how you ended up at Sacramento State, and then, like I said, I'll open up the questions to my co-hosts. Okay. Uh, my head coach, Travis Clark, in uh, at Santa Monica High School, he did a, a fantastic job in actually trying to get my name out there. Unfortunately, I didn't really get much uh, much praise or too much attention. Uh, but at the same time, that didn't that didn't stop me from uh, from reaching my goal of continue to play college football or continue to play football in general. Uh, he eventually got hooked up with Coach Adams at Sacramento State. He's now, I believe, at uh, Colorado. Yep. And uh, he brought me up on a official visit at a, a discussion with. Coach Marshall Spurbeck at the time, and he gave me the chance to walk on, and I eventually took that opportunity and made the most of it. 
Yes, yes, you did. You 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 climbed the dip chart pretty quickly there. It was very impressive. Yes, sir. I uh, I got put on half scholarship after my first year, and then that next next semester he put me on full scholarship. So I I would like to uh, to show that hard work does pay off. So that's yeah. what I was looking for at the time. Yeah. And, and and obviously, I think your mindset's a little different when you're a guy that has to quote unquote earn it. You know, I mean, you clearly earn exactly. every every single bit of everything you've gotten. Okay, so I'm going to open it up to uh, Donovan and Jim. So, Donovan, what questions might you have for uh, Garrett? Uh, I just want to first say thanks for coming on, Garrett. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll Thank kind you. of stick with like some high school. You went to probably the most prestigious high school in the state. <laughs> I mean, Santa Monica High School. No, obviously, yes, big name high school. It's kind of actually kind of an off the radar question for two. Who's the best athlete um, since then? Long high school, you can say yourself if you want. I know Tyler Honeycutt went there. I'm going to Rousey. I don't know if you know Tyler Honeycutt, but he's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In LA, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, but as of late, the best athlete. Um, I would say one of my best friends now. He's a his name's Tyler Skaggs. He's a pitcher on the Angels. Yep. He oh. uh, he just recently got Tommy John surgery. So, but uh, he'll be back. He's in rehab right now, and he'll be back uh, good for the following not this season, but next season. But I think I think he he goes up as one of the top athletes I've seen go through Santa Monica. Great answer because I'm an Angels fan, so I really <laughs> definitely know about yes, sir. Bill knows I'm a diehard Angels fan, so I definitely know about that. It'll be perfect. It'll be back fine. Oh wow, yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, and just yeah, I mean, Bill was talking about your recruiting, or I guess the lack of, um, you know, even though you still had a special career at that day. Um, who are some of the best players you went up against uh, in high school, or just as far as in college, maybe? You know, I know uh, uh, the Cal game you guys played. Um, I would say the best player in high school was, um, I forget his name because he didn't play this year, Uh, the corner from USC, or used to be, he he got caught uh, lying about breaking his ankle. Josh (laughs) Josh Shaw, yeah. I lost my my last uh, playoff game. Uh, as a senior in high school against Josh Shaw, and he uh, he kind of tore it up. So I'll say I'll give him the uh, the award for the best athlete I went against in high school. Uh, as of college, he, I would say the whole receiving core for Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're one pretty of the guys solid. early. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Yeah, I mean Dyke did a good job with their receivers there. So. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> Good answer. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, Mr. Jim Coburn. James, Hello, what questions, James, what questions might you have for Garrett? Well, sure. Uh, well, I mean, the, it's, it's really – I mean, the situation is crazy. Uh, I mean, we have guys at bowl games that, that can barely throw the football <laughs> at all accurately – you know, and then you just watch you, and I've known about you a little bit because uh, I, you know, watched a bunch of big sky players last uh, going into the season. And, uh, I mean, you can throw the football. I mean, that's one of the main things I've seen just in terms of, you know, just natural arm talent. So uh, I guess my question just deals with um, in terms of the offense that you were running 
Um, what were some of the main passing concepts that, that they tried to drill into you? I know you had a lot of really good, you know, Dodger Carter and, uh, you know, and uh, Robbins, and there was a couple other, uh, Namdi and a couple other guys that really contributed to that passing game. But just talk a little bit about the concepts with it. And then, of course, you're also a guy that kind of used your legs, too. Um, but just kind of talk a little bit about the offense you're in and and, uh, and and how you guys like to run it and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, he's in coach, uh, our OP, or uh, Boston College. He came in and took control of the offensive coordinator job and quarterback coach. So he's a big point in, uh, in developing me. At the same time, he brought in an offense that was very was very basic, and it was pretty easy to learn. And I picked it up quick. Uh, basically, the offense is a pro style uh, spread offense. Uh, our running game is mostly a zone read game, where I have the option to uh, keep the ball or give it to the running back, and that that was a big part of our run game. Uh, and then with the pass game, it was it was more of know the coverage. Pick on the dude, uh, pick on the guy, let him bite the cheese with the route combinations, and uh, throw it to the open receiver. It, it was pretty basic uh, offense, and I was able to understand it. And we watched a lot of film to prepare. He set up great game plans for myself and made it easy on me. So I was just out there trying to feed the ball to my playmakers and let them go to work with it. Could you give us an example of? Okay, let's set it up for you. Let's say you've got a team that's been hyper-aggressive in attacking the run, and it's, you know, somebody, you know, got to throw him, you know, he tried a little lead play, a little lead draw, you just got thrown for a two-yard loss. So it's second and 12, and you want to try to take advantage of their, their super-aggressive safety play and super-aggressive linebacker play. Give us an example of a play call that you might use to suck somebody up and hit them over the top and play action, and what would that play be called, and what would the route combinations be? Uh, to suck in the safety, we'll probably do uh, a play action take. It would be uh, Trey Wright, 622 Sailor. It would be Trey to the right side with a backside receiver X, and the, the Y would stay in and block. Uh, he would crack down. The two, the H and Z, will both run double post, and the backside will run a drag. Uh, with that play fake, it's more of a zone read play fake, so the safety will try to come by down to, to stop the run. At the same time, when the when we play fake, the, the post going to be wide open over the top, and I think we've hit that a couple times for a touchdown this year. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, fun for you. Safety was my position, yeah. and I hated getting, you know, exposed. Um, yeah. You know, so I was generally one of those guys that hung back whenever possible, so sometimes – Coaches get on me about that, too. It's like, hey, you know, I need you to get in that box. It's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Remember, remember, that's what you told me to do. <laughs> that's right. what you, um, we, also, we also have a run, a run check. Whenever we see seven in the box, we, uh, we get out into a quick pass game, and we have a, a couple of combinations that we like to get to uh, when we see too many men in the box. And as I mentioned, when I first sort of, quote, unquote, discovered you, it was partially because you were at a school that threw to the tight end. I was scouting a right. tight end that you had. A lot of schools, schools don't even carry tight ends, but you guys actually make good use of, of the inline wide. Tell me a little bit about that, how you guys use the tight end, what are some of the favorite passing concepts to make use of the, the actual tight end? Uh, well, we had a freshman my junior year come in 
uh, Cole Hickatini. He was a, a big-time playmaker for us. He caught five touchdowns as a freshman. He ended up transferring to JC, and he just committed, or he's now at Louisville. Uh, but we were kind of lacking at the tight end position. They are all banged up. But when we try, when we get them into passing routes, they often run like pop passes mm-hmm. uh, with the zone read, let the linebackers come up, and they just pop them right over the linebackers in front of the safety. Uh, we like to run them on like corner routes, uh, little slam routes with our play action, our naked fakes, um, little jerk routes over the top in the red zone. That's where we mostly throw it up, uh, up to our tight ends uh, uh, in the red zone and let them on a mismatch against a safety or linebacker. And and maybe this is just because you had TJ, but it seemed like I also saw some like Y fail and some some Y dig stuff as well. Is yep. that, was that my imagination yep. or okay? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. We do that also. They're okay. they're in a lot of our our passing contests. Uh, we get them involved a lot, and uh, our our tight ends actually did a good job this year. So yeah. Now I, I with. So many schools, like I said, you know, being in four wide all the time and things like that. It's just fun for me, at least. Right. Maybe because yeah. it's old. But uh, to see to see tight ends used and see. Well, so let's go back to TJ for a second. What was what okay. did he? He obviously comes in. He's a transfer. He's from a whole other program, a whole other scheme, whole other everything. Um, probably never even been in that part of the country before in his life. <laughs> at least very late the time. Um, right. And you're. By that point, climbing to the top of the depth chart as the man at quarterback, what kind of relationship did you manage to form with a guy like that who's coming in from the outside? And what did the two of you do to get to – because you guys clicked um, pretty quickly, it seemed to me pretty right. quickly. Uh, what are some things you guys did to get to that point? Uh, well, TJ, I think TJ was initially a receiver. He got moved to the tight end position when he came to sack. Yep. But we we started working out right away. Uh I knew that the job was up for grabs after my freshman year, me playing a little bit. And uh, it was something that I wanted to grasp, and I was going to do everything possible to get that job. Uh, so we went out on our own and worked out a lot uh, with uh, with timing. Uh, and TJ kind of exploded that year, and he had a, he had a great season, even though he was suffering through some, some nagging injuries. Uh, he was a huge target. It was easy to throw up to him, and uh, he has great ball skills, so. He was just able to go up there and get the, and, uh, and score. Yeah, he was sort of like I'm trying to think, like physically. I mean, he wasn't quite as big as a guy like Scott Chandler, but he gave you that security blanket, you know that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. He kind of gave me like a little outlet to go to whenever I was in trouble. Okay, um, Donovan, what question? What other questions might you have for for Garrett? Um, what was I guess your favorite memory at Sac State? Um. On or off the football field, I mean, what was your favorite memory, uh, favorite okay. moment? Okay. Um, I've played our rival four times out of four times. The first three times I played them, we lost. And that that's always made me hungry at the end of the season to keep on working harder to try to beat our rival, UC Davis. Mm. Um, the final yeah. three games. <laughs> The final three games of my season, senior season, were probably the best three games of my highlight journey, I guess you can call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out and beat SUU uh, pretty significantly. Uh, DeAndre Carter exploded that game. I think he yeah. had like seven, 17 receptions, 200 
70 yards, four <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he went nuts. Right. And then we ended – and then we played that next week for our senior game, and we beat Portland State for our last home game, which was a great experience for the seniors and uh, just to go out like that for the, for the last time for our fans and community. And then next week was Davis week, rivalry week, and uh, it was a pretty intense game. But at the end, we, we were able to pull it off. Uh, I think I went some like 18 for 24, 288 yards, four touchdowns for my final game. And, uh, and to go like out like that uh, with my seniors was, uh, was very special, and uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. Excellent. I believe yeah, you've been joined I'm, by – oh. oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, he destroyed UC Davis. That, I, I saw some <laughs> stats from that game, and I was yeah. like, man, okay. <laughs> okay, Garrett. Yeah, Garrett's so lighting them up over there. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. I was trying. Uh, I believe one of my other co-hosts has joined us. Is that uh, Montel Hardy? Because if it is, ain't no party like a Montel Hardy party because a Montel Hardy party don't stop. <laughs> is that is that Montel who's joined us? Somebody's joined us. Who's who's hopped? Oh man, well we'll we'll continue on. Um, I thought Montel just hopped on, but uh, Jim, any questions? Any other questions for uh, Mr. Garrett Saffron? Yeah, uh, I guess uh, the question would just deal with in terms of uh, in terms of other quarterbacks, because uh, I know quarterbacks pay attention to each other. Uh, you know, at least I think. Some of them do, uh, just in terms of learning different things and that sort of stuff. Um, who are some of the college or pro uh, quarterbacks that you tend to gravitate to and, and or you kind of want to study to learn some stuff from and stuff like that? Um, before games, I used to watch Cam Newton and RG3 highlights. Um, I'm a huge RG3 fan and Cam Newton fan just based on uh, how they play the game. Uh, I think they bring a lot of attitude and, uh, I guess, swagger, you could say. Um, so those are the kind of people that I look up to and kind of try to watch and imitate. Um, I know I'm not as big as Cam Newton, but I, I'm an RG3 type, and uh, I think he has a, a lot of room to grow and just like everyone else. Okay. And obviously, the person that popped into my head when I watched you, and I've talked to other people, and the comparison keeps coming up, is, is Jeff Garcia. Now, he's obviously a little before your time. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, yeah. But if you ever get a chance to watch some old Eagles or 49ers tape of, of him in sort of his heyday, he was a guy that moved around, was considered to be undersized. It took him a while to even get his chance at the NFL level. He spent four years in Canada. Uh, it took – you know, really a team like the 49ers brought him in as a backup. They didn't expect him to start. But it took a team like that to even give him a chance because he fit what they did and because they look for guys with quick feet. They look for guys who, who think the game at a high level and get, get the ball out of their hands and things like that. And he could do those things extremely well. Even though he wasn't a big, giant guy with a cannon for an arm, he had a lot of success in the NFL and hung around for, you know, 13 or so years uh, despite getting a late start to his career after spending those years up north. So I guess two things. Uh, is, do you ever study in the older guys? And then my second question is, have you ever, if for some reason you didn't get the call at the NFL level, but you did get you know, some interest from up north, from Canada, would you consider it? So it's sort of a two-parter. Have you ever checked out some of those older quarterbacks, you know, guys like Montana, who wasn't a huge guy either, or guys like 
uh, Garcia. And have you ever considered Canada if the NFL doesn't exactly open you, welcome you with open arms? Um, for the first part of the question, uh, I have seen highlights of many older guys. Uh, I don't have a, a favorite, but I can say that I grew up watching uh, – He's still playing, though. Tom Brady, that's, uh, that's my oh. mom's favorite player. So I, yeah. I definitely watch him. He's been in the league forever. Uh, but I do know uh, that all those quarterbacks, uh, however they got there, it, it was a journey, and, uh, and they put in hard work, and that's what I pride myself in on, uh, pride myself on is hard work. So I'm just going to keep on working and uh, hope it all falls into place. Uh, for the second part of the question, I have thought about playing in Canada. Um Obviously, it's not my first option, but it's something that I'll look into after uh, everything all plays out, see how it all works out. Sure. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody has Canada as their first option, unless they're Canadian. Even a lot of the Canadian kids nowadays are trying to figure out ways to get into the NFL. I mean, Brandon Bridge uh, you know, came yeah. down from Canada to play down here oh. to increase his chances of being right. drafted in the NFL. And, you know, uh, there's a kid named um, uh, Jordan Herdman who's, Playing, played in East West, or playing, playing in East West Shrine, in a, you know, in hopes of and then, uh, Duvernay Tardis, right from last year's draft, uh, Mr. Laurent Duvernay Tardis. I mean, there's more. Okay. You're gonna see more and more of that, I think. I mean, more yeah, Canadians yeah, yeah. trying to get down here either to play college ball or to get into the American All Star games like Medal of Honor or um, right. East West Shrine. And right. Yeah. So. You're going to see more of that. You're going to see more, you know, Canadians trying to get down here. And obviously, you know, four guys, I mean, I'll say this one thing. They throw the ball. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've seen much CFL yeah. football. But if you want, to, you want to work on getting the ball out of your hands quickly, you know, Arena and, and Canada are places where that's all about that. I mean, they run the ball very little, both, yeah. you know, indoors and, and up north. It's about what you can do throwing the football. And right. you are going to get lots of – Lots of chances to do that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would like to see you in an NFL camp. And, and you know, it would be great if you got drafted. But, you know, I, 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 yeah. just being realistic, it's un- highly unlikely. But I do right. know that somebody's going to bring you into a camp. And that's, then you just got to show them everything that you can show them at that point. Exactly. Now, you are yes, clearly – yeah, you clearly are a student of offenses. Um, tell me about some of the – either college or NFL offenses that you've studied that, that really excites you or interests you? Like, you think, oh, man, that, that looks like fun. You know, I'd like to do what they do. Um, sure. what, are some of the, what are some of your favorite offenses to watch? Um, my favorite offense as of right now is probably the Colts. Um, I think I've been watching them a lot. It's my brother's favorite team. Uh, they run, seems to be like a lot of man routes and let T.Y. get open. Yeah. And, and that's that honestly seems pretty easy to find open guy, mismatch, and uh, get the ball to the playmakers. And uh, I think that'd be a, a fun offense to play in. And uh, they seem to be working out, scoring a lot of points. Uh, at the same time, they have a solid defense uh, running around making plays, too. Yeah, well, as you know, Pep Hamilton, you know, came up from Stanford and runs their, their offense. Right. And so, you know, it's funny when. Luck first gets there, he has to learn a new offense. He has to learn Bruce Arians' system, which yeah. is sort of an, I want to say old school, but, well, it is. It's kind of old school. A lot of play, a lot of hard play action and throw the ball, you know, basically as far as you can throw it. Um, exactly. You know, a lot of that. Uh, you know, that's what the Steelers won with when, I mean, going back to Bradshaw and then later with Roethlisberger, yeah. right? 
Uh, run, 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 throw the ball 40 yards. You know, run, 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 throw the ball 40 yards. And it worked. Hey, he's got Super Bowl rings because of it, right? Uh, And now he's out in in Arizona. And when he had Carson Palmer, he had a certain amount of success sort of on that same template. And then obviously with the – Yeah, they do. When you're going through quarterbacks, you know, like they they did towards the end of the season, it's – Kind of tough. Yeah. I don't think people realize how few reps, at the, especially at the NFL level, your number two and number three quarterback get. You know, people sort of blithely think that – I think they think that the starter gets like, you know, two-thirds of the reps. The other guy split the other rest. No, the starter gets like 85% of the reps. Yeah. <laughs> the backup gets like 10, and yeah. then, you know, probably the third starter gets like 5% of the work. So, you know, you obviously – if you ever get down to your third quarterback, you know, it's an emergency. It's a desperate, desperate emergency. Uh, if you do get brought into a camp, you'll be the third quarterback. I mean, that's probably yeah. likely. That means you're going to have to be very self-motivated and self-contained. Tell me about some of the things that might help you to survive as essentially, you know, the, the stepchild, basically, for lack of a way of putting it, in a quarterback room. Um, I find myself being a, a true competitor, uh, never giving up and always giving my best. So I'm hoping with that mindset I'm able to go out there and uh, make some noise and prove that that I belong. Okay. Got it. Um, any any more questions? Cause I know that you're you're still on the road. We'll, we'll keep you from really in about maybe ten more minutes. Any other questions yeah. either Donovan or uh, or Jim might have for Garrett Saffron of Sacramento, Sacramento State. No, I just want to say thank you again for coming on, and uh, you know uh, we'll definitely keep up with the journey. I just followed you on Twitter, so I'll keep up with you um, as far as training and uh, seeing if you get in the camp or playing Canada or whatever it is you'll play wherever you play or whatever you do at the next level. Uh, good luck and just keep grinding, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you for having yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. James, same question um, or any other questions that you may have for Mr. Garrett Saffron. Uh, well, same sentiment, man. Um, it's it's just kind. Of, it's really silly. I mean, when when you have people who are going to all star game events and the quarterbacks can barely throw the football, uh, just, like I'm just like you have to wonder about certain things. I'm trying to say, yeah, uh, because I mean, you uh, just your just your throwing ability, man. I mean, people want to talk about size at the end of the day, you know, but there's guys that are exact same size as you, Taylor Heineke, you know, I, I yep. think you're a better passer than, than Taylor Heineke, uh, just from the tape I've seen. So, yep. and he's a guy who's pretty much the same size as you for the most part. You yep. know, uh, you know uh, and everybody's buzzing about him. Uh, but of course, he's Well, I mean, how, hey, hey, let's go back a year. How big is Johnny Manziel? He's bigger than Manziel. He's bigger than Manziel, you know, but, but Johnny, mm-hmm. you know, but John Manziel, John Manziel, though, Bill, he has, you know, he's a little more. Yes, right. He's They're magic. talking about he's, Saffron. He's not, he's, not, he's not like the other undersized quarterback. He's magic. <laughs> exactly. But all I'm trying to say is, is is don't let anybody tell you you don't have the talent, man, because you definitely do in terms of your, your ability to throw the football. Uh, it's, that's a lot with this Thank class. Lap. It's just kind of crazy that there hasn't been any all-star you know, at least some of these all-star game opportunities and stuff like that. That's just kind of – it's just kooky, man. It's just it's, crazy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <That's>... 
Well, yeah, thank well, you for having me, but I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I look at guys like Connor Shaw. You've got a very similar skill set to guys like that. I mean, Connor Shaw is a guy that is in the dogfight, right? Um, yep. un- undrafted free agent from South Carolina. They've got Hoyer, they, who they're excited about. They have Manziel, who they're super excited about. Don't don't sleep on Connor Shaw. <laughs> That's that yeah. guy. That guy. First of all, that guy's tough as nails. I mean, yeah. tough as nails. If you look at his bio, it's like, what would you be doing if you weren't playing football? Oh, I'd be in um, Marine Corps officer candidate training. It's like, okay, that tells me everything I need to know about your mental, physical toughness. <laughs> there you wow. go. There you go. Um, maybe I remember looking at that thinking, okay, I could, I could work with a guy like that. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, who's, who's, who's option two is to go to Marine Corps officer candidate school. Okay. That guy's probably not going to be too afraid of getting hit. Not at all. So, I mean, I look at things like that. I look at your approach to the game. And, I mean, here's a guy that has to walk on coming out of high school. You're going to have to essentially walk on again, you know, coming probably coming out of college. While, you know, some other guy is, you know, woo you know, this stuff on him about, hey, here he is, blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, look, he's walking the red carpet wearing whatever suit he's wearing. And there's his mama crying and all that good stuff. Um, you're not going to have that kind of experience most likely. You probably won't be getting interviewed on the red carpet, you know, at, uh, at the draft, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Your mother may cry, but no one will see it, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, but yeah. you're going to be in somebody's camp. And I'm going to throw out a team that I, where I could see you. A couple of teams jumped right into my head when I started looking at you and what, what their quarterback situation is and things like that. You're not, going to, you're not going to be in a situation probably where they're looking for a quarterback right away, but I could see you going to a team like the Saints. I mean, their head coach is an undersized quarterback. Sean Payton, I saw Sean Payton play on a very good Eastern Illinois University team. Sean Payton's about 5'11", 5'11 and a half if he's got thick socks on. And he had a couple of, well, I say a couple, he had a couple of NFL games if you count the replacement games. He actually was the starting quarterback for the, whatever you want to call them, the, during the, the last NFL walkout. He was a starting quarterback on the um, replacement Bears, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so that was his NFL career pretty much, and, you know, as a player. But he's been obviously a great, great mental, you know, a great mind. Great yeah, definitely. Mind. And you look at who is his starting quarterback. It's his spirit animal, basically, in Drew Brees. Those two guys couldn't be more like each other. They, could, they, are, they are basically if, – if – if Sean Payton were more talented, he would have been Drew Brees as a quarterback. So they are the same guy in essence. I could see you fitting into their quarterback room. Feisty guys, sometimes small guys, but yeah. guys, guys who live and breathe and live and die with football. And the other one yeah. that leaps to mind is Kansas City. They look for yeah. guys who are athletic. They don't have to have a cannon for an arm. They have to get the ball out of their hands quickly. They have to, you know, it helps that they can move around a little bit. And I could see you fitting in there. And once again, you already understand a lot of the concepts they run in both those offenses. They're they're both offenses that are fairly complex, but not but not built on throwing the ball forty yards down the field very often. I mean, Drew can when he has to, when he wants to. But that's not mostly what they do. They work a lot of middle of the field stuff. They work, and when they work on the outside, it's very often, um, you know, seven to twelve yards down the field. Right. In both offenses. 
I don't know how much you've seen of those two teams of of the forty of the forty nine of the um, sorry of the uh, it's it's the old forty nine ers offense very much that you're seeing in Kansas City, but of Kansas City and 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 um, and the Saints. But those are two teams that popped in my head when I think about where you might land. Um, I know within Kansas City offense, I know that uh, is more of a a managing system. It seems like Alex yeah. Smith kind of manages games and. Uh, yep. So that's the most I I know about Kansas City. I know Jamal Charles, obviously they got yes, well, running that's, back. and that's why they both see what exactly. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they just feed them. They just feed them the ball the whole time. So that's pretty simple. Uh, but with yeah. the Saints, we had a, a linebacker actually go to the Saints. Todd Davis he ended up getting yeah. waived and and started and then uh, the Broncos picked them up, picked him up and he started starting on the on the Broncos, but. So I watched a couple of their games just because Todd was on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, it seemed it seemed like they feed the ball to Jimmy Graham, and uh, they take their shots with their playmakers, Kenny Steele's on the outside, and uh, I mean it seems like a fun offense to be a part of, to be honest. It, oh, it is, it is. I mean, there's a reason that Sean Payton looks so happy all the time, because um, yeah. he loves thinking of. I mean, you talked about what it is. You're looking for. It's as much about the players as the play. So you're looking for who's right. the guy that we know, as you said, we can pick on. Who's the guy whose day we can make miserable? Who's the guy who's going to have the tough day in film study on, on Monday? Right. Who's, the, exactly. who's, who's that guy we're going to get his coach to yell? You know, who's the guy who's going to be getting reamed by his position coach? That's the guy we're going to yeah. go at. Exactly. We're going to create opportunities for that guy to look bad on film study. So I'm going to see you landing in one of those places. And in the okay. case of the Saints, you know, they, they probably have a, a, a two, maybe three-year window, you know, for their current starter. In right. the case of Kansas City, in the case of Kansas City, they have, you know, probably a slightly longer window, but I think they do want to upgrade that position. They don't dislike Alex right. Smith, but yeah, let's be honest. People don't think that this is a guy who's going to be hoisting the Lombardi anytime soon. Right. So there's an interest in finding – Especially, you know, if you can do it in a cap-friendly way. And, you know, no offense, but you're going to be very cap-friendly, Garrett. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, going to be, you're going to be a bargain basement blue light special, but you're, you're going to give back a lot of value. I think you're going to be yes, somebody's sir. third QB initially and a guy that may even be in some certain package situations because you've got good athletic ability. And I could see you, you know, taking that time to really learn the offense, you know, drive yeah. the drive the. OC and the quarterback coach nuts with all these questions you have about certain things. Yeah. And why, you know, why did he do that there? What did he see? And, you know, coming into that next year, you know, now you're not a third stringer, now you're a second stringer. And then if, right. you're in, if you're in New Orleans, by that third year, I mean, Drew's been an amazing guy, but he's got to be getting close to the end. You know, so now things get exciting and interesting. You know, now right. you, know, you, you and – you know, I guess if Ryan Griffin uh, is still there, but you and you two are now battling for a starting job, and they, you know, hey, that could be anybody's. You know, that could, that right. could be at that point. Now it's just down to, you know, who's 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 the better guy. I right. could see I could see you being in that situation and sort of surprising some people. Uh, and if it's Kansas City, you know, I could see you even challenging after a couple of years, even if Alex Smith is still there, because there's that sense that you want a little more pop, a little more. A little more something than you're getting out of yeah. out of that guy, and you have you have you've got a, you've got there's something to your game. There's something in you, and I think you when you get an NFL weight training program and you get around NFL receivers and you get around, 
I mean, you're not ever going to be a giant guy, but you're going to get a little bigger. You're going to get a little stronger. Yeah. And Definitely. it's going to be all football all the time. You know, you don't have to worry exactly. about you don't have to worry about your political science paper. You'll be a dude. I mean, there's <laughs> right. It's, yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> so all you're doing is you're watching tape. You're lifting. You're 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 you know sending messages back and forth to your receivers. You're bringing your receivers out to you. I mean, dude, Santa Monica. Would you yeah. show? Would you show the receivers on your team where you're hanging out? Yeah, um, we're gonna go work out with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we actually own a family restaurant in Santa Monica, so I'm gonna have to bring them by over there. No, oh, you're gonna be a super popular guy. <laughs> oh yeah, man. What's the restaurant called, by the way? Uh, I'll be at- Gilbert's El Indio. It's uh, on 26 Pico. Huh. Oh man, yeah. I was just out there. Uh, you got me excited. Bill knows. You know, I was just out there. <laughs> Yeah, man. I'm a foodie guy. Yeah. Yeah, he I'll, is. I'll, he's, I'll, I was gonna mention Donovan likes to eat. You, you're gonna have a. Fa- you have a. You, you have a knowledge as a follower. You don't have a fan in Donovan James. Donovan likes to eat. <laughs> you're gonna have to come by and check it out. Oh, oh for sure. For oh, sure. Yeah. Man. What, can I ask what type of uh, food it is, or is it all? It's, me- it's, it's, it's Mexican food. Yes. Oh man, you you sold me, man. We're best friends. That's my favorite type of food. You got Tyler yeah. from the Angels. Wow, yeah, sure. I think Donovan, I think our show just picked up a sponsor. I think we're about to be CDS Pro Process Radio as sponsored by. So excellent. Um, so once again, for those who may have missed it, the name and location is is it El Indio? You said Gilbert's El Indio on Twenty Six and Pico. In Gilbert's El Indio on Twenty Six and Pico. Tell them that Donovan James sent you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man, we now have an official restaurant of the show. This is great. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, so you're going to be super popular. Man, on West, Tro- West Coast trips, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, yes, you're going to be super, super popular. But <laughs> I see you fighting and fighting and making it there. You know, and it might take yes, three years. Might take three. Might take four. Yeah. But coaches, you're the kind of guy that coaches end up with a soft spot for. Because, well, you know, first of all, once again, that fighter's mentality. Everything you got as an athlete yeah. was a fight. You know? Yes, it's be a, and the biggest fight is the one that you're about to be in next. Exactly. Because it's the peak of the mountain. There's no other. There's no other league above this. There's no other place to go. You're not gonna. You're not like you're gonna graduate to something after this. This is it. This is where yep. everybody's dreams go to either be born or killed. Exactly. And you know, somebody was tweeting out something about. We talked about this a little bit off. Like, like, well, you know, Cardell's gonna leave because he doesn't want to take the job away from J.T. Barrett. It's like, <laughs> one, you've got to be joking. You've got to be <laughs> two, two, if that's even remotely true, what, is, what do you think the NFL is? What do you think that's about? You think guys don't yeah. lose jobs? Nobody gets the job without taking that job from the desperately exactly. grasping hands of a grown man with a family yep. you know, who's fighting you tooth and nail for that job. So if you don't want to fight for the starting job in college, what do you think's waiting for you at the NFL? So no, I, I dismissed that thought. No, no, no. He's he's not concerned about that. I promise you that. Uh, so you get there, and it's that it's the biggest fight ever, man. It's 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 all it is. It's all it's football yeah. all the time. It's you and football, football and yeah. you, 
right? Are you one of those guys yes, that like sir. has a football near you all the time? Like, is there football in your car with you right now? Uh, I have my high school football helmet with me, a pair, uh, my game cleats, and a football with me right now. That's what I thought. There you go. That's how you yeah, spot it. That's how you spot this guy. That's when people talk about a gym rat. That's a gym rat. There you go. You're the guy who's always ready. If there's, hey, who needs a quarterback? Hey, if something happens during the NFL PA games, like, who needs a quarterback? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Ready to yes, go. Sir. I love that. I love that. So that's what it is that keeps you around. Yeah. There's going to be guys with a bigger name, a bigger frame. And then somehow you keep chopping them down. Yep. You keep chopping them down. Wow, who's this kid? Saffron kid, right? Who is this kid? You know, you light it up it's in a preseason game. So I was watching the second preseason game. It's like, who is this guy? Man, he just went out there and ran, ran two drives, went 11 for 13, 107 yards and two touchdowns. He looks better than our starter. Who is this kid? <laughs> yeah, sir, that's what I'm trying to make happen. That's, that's, and that's what you're going to make happen. You, you fight, you claw, you almost get cut. They decide to cut somebody else. It's one of those things where – because you're going to be like the 52nd guy on a 53-man roster when you're a Thursday quarterback. It's, it's nip and tuck, you know. It's, yeah. it's, you're always a little – man, cut, that last cut-down date, you're not going to eat well. You're not going to sleep well because, yeah. you know, that's, that's a tough exactly. way to live, quite frankly. Yeah. It's a tough Definitely. way to live. <clears throat> you're going to be one of those guys that's like – Every time you hear somebody walk by, like, ah! But you fight, you know? And yeah. somebody, and coaches see that. Coaches see who wants it. And they see who's got the ability. So you hang around. A couple of years into your career, you're fighting for a starting job. It's like, yeah, who is this guy? But you're fighting for the starting job. Okay, well, he's not as big as we like, but, oh, that's a nice throw. Okay, well, he's not, oh, ooh, look at it. Hey, man, he really, he looked off the safety beautifully there. Like, you, you, every time they're thinking they want to go with somebody else, you do something. You do something. It's like, oh, okay, we got to keep this kid. Okay, well, hmm, we got to bump this kid up to the number two. Oh, you know, this kid might be a starter. Yeah. Right? So finally, yes, a couple of years in, you drive the stake, I hate to put it this way, through the other guy's heart, and you're a starter. And that's what it takes, because that guy's not giving that job up. You you take it from him. You step on his face, and you take it from him. You know, yes, and you can be friends afterwards. You can all go out to El Indio, or 26 <laughs> exactly. Nico, afterwards. <laughs> yes, sir. You'll put some and you know have have Mexican after, but yeah, while it's it, while you're in it, you have no friends. While you're yeah. right, you have no friends while you're in it. While you're in that battle, you know you have associates, you have teammates, but if they're competing for the same position that you're competing for, they're not. You're not friends at that moment. Right. It's all business at that time. It's all business at that time. You'll be friends yes, after. Sir. Once they yes, name sir. you the starter, you're the friendliest cat in the world. Yep. <laughs> We could all be friends now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the Hornets, I mean, first of all, let me say this about Sacramento State football. It may not be the most well-known football program in the world, but it's, one of the, it's a really well-run football program. I don't think people realize how, whatever team you want to put, uh, put together, organized, ship-shaped. It's a really nice program in terms of doing things right. I, you know, the pro day that, that you know, I mean, like, there are bigger pro days, and there are more well-known pro days. Which pro days well organized? Not a lot of time is. Have you attended any of the pro days at your school before? Uh, yeah, most of our teammates come out, and then we have a uh, scouts come out and uh, his family members and stuff. Right, and it's well run. I mean, right. I've seen great pro days, and I've seen 
not so great pro days. And for especially for a school of its size, Sacramento State has one of the better run pro days I've been around. It's it's like I said, organized, not a lot of time wasted, um, information is disseminated accurately and quickly. You know, things that scouts like. Of your time isn't wasted, you get the information you need, and it's very efficient and businesslike. And then you're in the NFL. You are fighting and scrapping and scratching. You finally get You had to knock some people down to get to it, but you're at the top of the mountain. You are an NFL starter. You are part of a 32-man fraternity and one of the most elite fraternities on the planet Earth. There's no amount of money that can buy that spot. People don't care who your parents are or where you're from. You can be born rich. You can be born poor. doesn't matter. You can be a guy that got straight A's or a guy that barely stayed eligible. doesn't matter. You are now part of one of the most difficult groups of individuals to become. I mean, it's almost easier to become CEO of a major corporation or president of the United States in some ways than become a starting quarterback in the NFL because the people you're competing against are the best of the best of the best. And everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants to be you. Kids don't play in the backyard dreaming of being a nose tackle. Kids don't play in the backyard thinking, man, I can't wait till I'm a Sam linebacker in the NFL. <laughs> now, they may end up being that, but they dream when they're seven and eight and nine of being a quarterback. Right. So you're living this dream that millions, tens of millions of people want, and you're one of 30. That's it. Unless they make some more teams, that's all the jobs there are for starting NFL quarterbacks. You know, unlike your friends who are putting out, you know, their resumes, they're competing against a lot of people too, but there's more than 32 jobs to be had for what they were. You're competing against tens of thousands of people for 32 jobs. Yes, sir. You couldn't ask for worse odds. You, You must be either a little bit crazy or you must really love football, maybe a little bit of both. What I dream about every day to make one of those roster spots. Okay. And I know that when that happens, and when they name Garrett Saffron, the guy who walked on at Sacramento State becomes an NFL starter, there's going to be like a cool, you know, like interest story thing. Like, wow, Garrett Saffron from Sacramento State. And he walked on at Sacramento State. <laughs> you know, quick, get somebody else to do yeah. that story. You know, Sal Palantonio. Pull that kid aside, right? Let's have a, a little, little interesting, little personal interest story about that guy. And then obviously, Sacramento State's going to reach out to you, partially because yeah. hey, you're you're a Hornet, right? You're you're part of that family. And let's be honest, the facilities are first of all are, are representative. Those are good facilities, but they could yeah. probably be a little better, maybe a little. And, you know, once you become an NFL starting quarterback and you get into that second contract, you get through that rookie deal, you get into that second contract, Garrett Saffron, your life is going to be changed forever. One, because you reach the top of that mountain. Two, yes, your life will change financially. Sacramento State, obviously, is going to send you one of those congratulatory letters when that happens. You know, it's a great day for Sacramento State football, Sacramento State athletics, and the university as a whole. We congratulate you as a member of the Hornet family. And we look forward to your generous donation. Because at some point, your loyal alma mater is going to definitely put the arm on you for a generous donation once you become a starting NFL quarterback. You heard it here. Well, you made it, I guess you heard it here first. I don't know if you may have heard it someplace else. So you seem like the kind of guy that might 
you know, stand next to the president and the AD with one of those big, giant, comically large checks, you know, that ends up posted up on the website. Oh, look, there's Garrett Saffron, starting NFL quarterback, handing a giant, you know, four-foot-wide by three-and-a-half-foot-tall check to the president. Everybody's all smiling. And then there's a Garrett Saffron annex onto the athletic facilities at, you know, at Sacramento State. So you gussy up the, the QB's meeting room. You know, there's more uh, computers, you know, more iPods, iPods, yeah. iPads, sorry, iPads. See, uh, more, you know, and ro- larger, a little more room. You can stretch your legs out. And you provide some more places where you can, you know, work on things like your grip strength and work, you know, si- some extra Cybex machines and recovery tubs and, you know, more places where you can uh, even do some of that, that, like, pilot eye training stuff they say quarterbacks are starting to do, where you, you know, train your eyes to be faster, to yeah. move from here to here to here and see things and all that good stuff. So you've got those, like, flight simulator deals that quarterbacks are starting to do and the little GoPro cameras. You buy a bunch of those, all that cool stuff. So now, you know, they've also got to pay a little tribute to you, Garrett Saffron. So tell us about what things you'd like to see there, whether it be a, uh, a jersey from a particular game or gloves, or what would you put up, or, or maybe game tape from a particular game or a particular play? What would you like there in the Garrett Saffron Annex, uh, the athletic complex down at uh, Sacramento State, to show people what you left out on the field there? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, we went through a coaching change my senior year mm-hmm. before right. our senior season, and uh, Coach Sears uh, established the new culture of the program, and uh, we were the first class to kind of show how to lead and uh, kind of make it a player-ran program instead of a coaches-ran program. And mm-hmm. um, I think as a senior class, we built a bright future for uh, for the program. So all I all I would like to see and uh, feel good about is that, that team in the future to keep on growing, uh, to be playoff contenders. We missed, we missed the playoffs this year by uh, eight seconds to last second wow. uh, back shoulder throw against Montana State. Wow. Um, so for them to go to playoffs, win a national championship, uh, and uh, to continue to be Davis, that's, that's all. That'll bring a lot of joy to me to see uh, uh, the future of Sacramento State to keep on uh, progressing. Perfect. Um, if somebody wanted to see more of you, do you have game tape out there? Uh, how would people keep up with you and things like that? Um, yeah, I have game tape. I haven't posted it, but uh, – I just recently made a little huddle highlight tape um, that I haven't I haven't posted either. I'm just kind of sending out the link to it to, to a couple of people to see what they think about the my senior clips. Okay. Well, I think, like I said, that as people learn more about you, it, it, there'll be a little more buzz, you know, as we get closer and closer. And I think your pro day obviously is going to be huge. I hope that yeah. it's very well attended, and I know that every single scout. And every single coach that comes away from it, that's Saffron kid, you know, why didn't I, how did I not notice him? You know, there'll be a lot of that, yeah. let me go back, a lot of cross-check, let me pull some more tape. Let me, you're going to be one of the yeah. guys that's going to send guys back to see more tape. Yes, sir. So it has been very much a privilege and a joy having you on. Um, hope you have a great time, obviously rooting on your, your buddy. And exactly. he's going to be your, your target at your pro day, you told me. Yes, sir. Uh, he's going to be working out in Indianapolis for a 
for his little combine prep, and uh, we'll meet back up at Pro Day, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to show out as best possible out there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you are deserving, in my mind, of a lot more, particularly, you know, as people say, in this quarterback class. When I see people having you ranked, you know, in the 40-somethings, <laughs> it's like, are you nuts in this quarterback yeah. class? Are you okay? No, I mean, I can just assume the S haven't seen very much of you. That's yeah. all I can assume. Because anyone who's actually seen anything of you, if I can't understand having you, you know, if you have someone has you in the teens, I can see that. 30s, 40s, 50s, no. Uh, you clearly are a guy that has enough potential, enough ability, and like I said, in my talking with you, I can tell that, you know, you're going <laughs> to, they're going to have to, you know, even those guys are going to have to chase off the practice field. I can already see that. Yeah. Exactly. That's my thing. That's my happy place. That's my sanctuary where I get lost at. So. Right, right. So, and that's once again. I mean, that's the thing. When it, it is, it is a, it is a great crucible you're about to pass through to try to get into the. I mean, it's like I said, it's this tiny, tiny little club, man. I mean, yeah. all the all the guys who've ever played quarterback in the NFL ever in the history of the the league would fit into a stadium. You know, if you want to think of it that way, going back to the beginning, think about this. All the guys who've ever played the position ever in the history of football would all, in the NFL level, would all fit into a stadium. You, get them all, you could get them all into a place that held, I think, I think something like 60, even if you count guys that started literally one game, I think it's less than 60,000 guys. I think it's somewhere in the, you know, right, exactly. Think about that. In the history yeah. of football, right, ever. So it is yeah. a very tight Small little community, but you deserve. In my mind, you deserve to be included in one of it, and I look forward to watching you in this most difficult part of your climb. Yes, yeah, sir. It's going to be a long journey, but I'm very excited for it, and uh, just give it all up to God's hands. And I know He got a pass for me, and I'm just going to keep on going with it. Well, excellent. Uh, once again, uh, I'll be sending you. You'll get an email from you. I'll be sending you some follow-up questions for an interview to appear on the website, and I look forward to, uh, like I said, to to getting a chance to see you continue to grow as a person, as a man, and as, as a quarterback. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you having me, and I want to thank everyone for asking the questions and having me on the, and talking to you guys. I really appreciate it. Certainly. Well, once again, you just keep doing what you're doing, and I, I don't see how you won't fail with your attitude and your, your ability. So thank you again for your time, yes, your sir. talents, and uh, like I said, you'll probably get a follow-up from me in the next day or two. So. Have a great Perfect. time watching watching your boy out there at the NFLPA. And, uh, you know, before too long, I'll be seeing you again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sounds good. We'll keep in contact. We will. Okay, take take care, Garrett. All right. Bye. Bye. There's a lot to be said for you – know, we talk about freaks. You know, and, and Jim, I know you do a lot of stuff on metrics. You know, how big a guy is, and how this a guy is, and how that a guy is. And at the risk of sounding like, you know, crusty old school guy or whatever, there's something about a guy that goes to sleep thinking about football and wakes up thinking about football. And I know they don't have a way to measure <laughs> that stuff yet. That's but, true. But then again, though, Bill, you're one of those people. So, yeah. Oh, no, I, mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely that sort of stuff to it. I mean, I, all I know as a metrics guy is that athleticism is great. It's nice to have it. 
if you're really? someone who is a really good football player and you're a freak athlete, that's great. But at the end of the day, are you a good football player or are you not a good football player? You know, and I don't want to have that sort of get off my lawn type, you know, speech when it comes to metrics. But although metrics do have value and they do help you figure stuff out and they do answer questions that you have about a player or raise questions about a player, and maybe those questions are not the best questions to raise. I mean, because there's lots of, you know, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, that was the biggest thing. The metrics raised a lot of questions. Maybe those questions shouldn't have been raised. But at the same time, it also helps you in certain cases where you learn from that and, and go, okay, the next time I watch a quarterback on tape and I really like him, I won't worry so much about the, you know, about the metrical side of things, or at least which metrics to, to, to really worry about and which metrics to kind of go, eh, about. So, but when it comes to the quarterback position, um, his biggest issue is that, well, teams just don't like six foot one quarterbacks, you know, um, especially six foot one quarterbacks that played in a lower level competition. Now, the big sky is really not that lower level, though. No, I, you know, I, no. I they are not that low. And as you pointed out, you know, hey, he beat a little something we like to call Colorado once in his career. You know, he, they played some decent competition. Yeah, exactly. But the main takeaway, I guess, from all this is we just had people come from all-star games where they said the quarterbacks could barely throw the football at all. And you have a guy in this in Saffron who, you know, I've seen him throw the football. He's a much better passer than a lot of these other guys. You know, I mean, everybody's Taylor, again, I hate to say, I hate to pick on you, Taylor Heineke, but, I mean, you know, it, like, Saffron is a much better passer than you. If, if Saffron was the same build as him, kind of, I guess, you could say that's great, but, you know, they're the same height. And, you know, it's just Heineke's a little more thicker and, you know, stuff like that. But it's just kind of like, you know, I like that's the whole thing with Brandon Bridge that, yeah, he's has physical stuff, but that doesn't make a quarterback. And all the quarterbacks that became successful that were late round guys, they weren't physical freaks. They were guys who were really, I mean, was Trent Edwards a physical freak, you know, no. type guy? No. Was Kurt no. Warner a physical freak? No, Kurt Warner was definitely not a physical freak. You know, like most quarterbacks who come from low-level schools or just in general that were these late-round prospects ended up being very successful, they weren't physical freaks. They weren't these guys, they weren't like little Colin Kaepernick's that just figured it out and played. Even Colin Kaepernick is a guy, everybody Again, people have to understand that like Colin Kaepernick was a long-term starter at Nevada, had years of experience starting in a system with the pistol offense that was modified to the NFL to the point where Peyton Manning's running some pistol concepts, you know. So it worked so yeah. well that teams started actually using it. It's just that you you decided that, you know, it wasn't going to work because, well, nobody's ever done it before 100% in the NFL <laughs> at the time. So. Right. But I don't know. All I'm trying to say is metrics is nice, everything like that. I 
do understand some of the downfalls to it because you start to raise questions about guys when you probably shouldn't be raising those questions just from the tape standpoint. But the bottom line is that athletic freaks are great. They'll get you by, but they're not exactly going to be really richly and rewarding. You know, I mean, you can – People, it's like, you know, people always going to be the next J.J. Watt or always going to be the next this, always going to be the next that because of athletic ability. But in reality, they never reach that potential, you know. And I could say that with confidence about a lot of guys because it's just what the metrics say. You know, guys that are special players don't just come out of nowhere. You know, J.J. Watt was a freak athlete, and he also was a freak player in college. Like, Sue, Nadama Kinsu was a freak athlete for his size and also was a freak player. You know? I didn't think I tried it like this before, but I'm going to try it. Yeah, well, right. I mean, it's nice when you can find a, you know, once in a generation freak who's. Yeah, I mean, Nadama Kinsu was a 6'3, or so pound guy who, you know, ran down screenplays from behind and. Uh, could overpower 350-pound guys at the point of attack and dropped into coverage at times while he was at Nebraska and broke up, you know, underneath. He, he was dominant, 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 dominant. You know, right. so, is, is Leonard Williams taped the same as Sue? Eh, not, no, not so no, no, it's not. Not so no. much. No. So that's the big difference is you have to understand that there's, like, it's not just about being a freak. It's about being a really good football player on tape and in the metrics, you know. So that's, I mean, that's just the main point. Now, when you talk about lower-level competition, I'm still working on that, (laughs) you know. Like, I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. Right. Well, I mean, the first question I would have is how low is low? I mean, he's playing in the big sky, which is FCS, and they yeah. play and beat, as we put it out, so the FBS teams. And he's got good, solid tape against these FBS teams. Yeah, he does. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not raising that question against Stefan at all. I'm just trying to explain, I guess, right. why a quarterback class where we can't even get six <laughs> guys together to throw the football well, right? why we can't get this guy in one of right. those events. Like, right. that's what kind of, you know, really puts a bad taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that where we are right now? You know? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just it, it's just because, you know, people say, oh, well, we have to go with the freak guys because they're the freak out. Yeah. The upside, whatever, like I already told you, production is much more important than, than – uh, than athletic ability at every position. It's not just some, you know, you're not just like a freak athlete. You fall off a truck and boom, you're a football player. It doesn't work that way. You know, you you have to be a really good player in college production-wise to actually put all that stuff together. So that that's my only big pet peeve, I guess, is that, you know, none of, all, none of them, you know, like, again, these guys can barely – Throw the football in a practice sense, you know? It's, 
You're talking about we're talking about seven on seven, right? We're not not a game, not a game. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about practice. <laughs> talking about practice. You're struggling to play football <laughs> at practice. You know. Yeah, get Which is get. We already he, do from watching the tape. You know, with right, Brandon. Right, right. Yeah. This is not... right, go, ahead, go ahead, Donovan. Yeah, no, go I was going to say Garrett. Get, no, I was going to say Garrett. Yeah, I mean, he. I consider that mid-level competition, not lower. Mid, lower level would be like where Chris Bonner came from. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that's lower level competition. I mean, I, yeah. if no one's watching, they don't play on TV. They don't play any FBS school. You know what I mean? So that that would be lower level for me. You can make it from anywhere, though. We've seen that. But I think um, I saw the Cal game that he played. I mean, that... That wasn't fair, you know. I mean, I go more of a UC Davis state. I'm not – Cal defense sucks too. I'm just saying it wasn't fair because, I mean, Jared Goff and the offense were already so far ahead of them that, you know, it, I can't judge him on that tape, you know. <laughs> like he said, their receiver core was just amazing. They were like – it was like 28-0 in my first quarter. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not a good defense, but it's a higher level of competition. But I'm not going to go off that tape. For him, um, he didn't play what, bad. What, what you, I mean, you're right, mate. I was going to say, even if you go off that tape, let's say you go off that tape, is he a guy that seems not to understand offensive concepts? Is he a guy that seems not to know where to place the ball? Did he press a no, little bit at times? Yeah, but did yeah, he play he did. right? Did Green play badly? Yeah, I think he threw a pick to um, Cameron Jackson, but I mean, or he two picks in that game. But I mean, regardless, you know, he, you know, he never was like, man, we're out of this game. I mean, I'm sure he did. I mean, they were out of the game. But <laughs> he never was like, you know, this game's completely over. You know, I quit. You know, let's just no. ring it up. No. You know, he, he fought. Um, no, I can't imagine the set of circumstances where, where that kid would say, I quit. <laughs> no, not literally, but you know what I mean. Just like, you I know, know we're down. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're down 35 to 7. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were 42 down to, a lot. They were down yeah. a lot, yeah. Yeah, it was forty-two to seven, forty-nine to seven, something like that. Garrett, all those, all those yeah. Jared Goff had like six touchdowns at that time. So I mean, they were way far behind, but you know they still fought, and he fought. I watched him. Um, I think he got. They took him out a little towards the end of the fourth quarter, but I mean every play, you know, still making his reads, doing the progression, still talking to guys on the sideline, just you know being a senior and being a captain, yep. like you said, the coach came in, um, changing the culture. That's what you like. You know, and that's what you got to get out of a quarterback like that. That does have some school limitations. So, um, and, and it's not just Garrett; it's other quarterbacks um, in the past and future. I know we talk about this class. It's, I'm actually doing my quarterback rankings right now. It's not, so I'm like, man, really? Like, <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> I just saw my big boys are like, I mean, there's only three. Or I mean, Petty's right there too. But I mean, it's not um, exactly. It's like not four guys. It's, and then, yeah, it's, four, it's it's like four guys, and then it's just like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a huge drop it's off. It's like okay, it's a, yeah, there's yeah. a cluster after that, right? So you've got those guys that are sort of clearly managed to Five. sort of show where they belong, right? And then you've Five. got, I mean, now it's now Connor Holiday, you know, is in the mix. Now everybody's kind of in the mix. Now Shane <laughs> Carton's in the mix. Now, well, and Connor it's, Holiday, yeah, kind of well. Lincoln. Yeah, like, you know, I, 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 I actually I actually have seen Cardin at six, but yeah, Connor Holiday actually is not having a good off season. He, he uh, uh, unlike Josh Sweat, <laughs> his torn ACL not looking too good. 
Um, so I don't know, man. He's not going to be ready to do really. I don't, they're trying to get him ready for pro day. Um, yeah. I it's, it's up in the air. He's not look. It's just not. He has some setbacks. He has staff infection actually. Um, oh, oh, that's yeah. That's so yeah. <laughs> no, that was reported really because he's not really at Wazoo anymore. He's not up there. He's taking so, antibiotics, right? He's not doing any Eastern medicine type stuff, right? I guess. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you know, what kind of family he has. So maybe I guess, like, I'm sure he's taking. Oh well, he's gonna get on antibiotics <laughs> yeah. soon. Otherwise, he's gonna yeah. lose his leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, no, he does. I mean, I'm sure he's taking. <laughs> you know, but you know, I mean, he's not having a good off season, so I have him kind of low. Um, but he's still gonna be a guy that gets in camp if he can get his leg kind of right, just because you know his arm um, is good. He's he's 200 pounds though, you know, so <laughs> he's only 200, pretty small for a six four oh. guy. But oh, he's yeah, like a, yeah. But it's funny that you're talking about Taylor Heineke because I have him really high. But um, <laughs> but uh, well, he's I probably like gonna that. go high. He's probably gonna go a lot yeah. higher than expected. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I like him. I'll have him. I have him. I have him at seven for me, and him and Carden are like almost a pretty much close together at six and seven. But I like Taylor Heineke a lot. He's had a good off season. He, I mean, he's had a good career. Not just off season, but <laughs> he's had a good off season. Um, you know, we got Mannion in there and Blake Sands and Fajaro and all those guys. But those guys just don't – now Shane keeps trying to sell me on Mannion, so just not buying it, man. Like, if I'm the guy – if you can't sell me on Man, I'm the Pac-12 guy, man. Like, I've seen enough of Mannion, though. <laughs> you know, like, I've seen that he's four years started, which is great. I mean, he's going to get drafted, Sean Mannion. I mean, they're going to – somebody is going to – somebody is going to fall in love with him because he's like the – Somebody will. Yeah, he's 6'5". He's 6'5". Good, good statement. He's 6'5", 220. And he is a four-year starter that put up big numbers for um, two and a half years. Freshman year was eh, half a year, and then the senior year obviously dropped off. Um, but just didn't impress me. Um, some of the things James already mentioned about Manning. But he's a guy I thought in the beginning of the season would be up there as like the third or fourth quarter. Yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, everybody thought. That, you know, like this is gonna be yeah, the everybody. year. He's gonna show his stuff. Not gonna throw as many picks. Not gonna make as many bad throws. Yeah, I've I've already called him Landry Jones 2.0, so I think we've got that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird class, man. Because there's uh-huh. guys like Jay Water. A lot of people like some people like Jay Water a lot. Ooh. He has a he has a great release. Um, I like his release. I don't like anything yeah, his, else about him, though. Yeah, his, his release, <laughs> is, his release yeah. is, is top-notch. His release is top-notch. He can throw it quick. He throws a, a good fastball, but that's about it. <laughs> He's tough as nails. And that kid He's got tough. beat up for two years. I would um, give him the toughest. Yeah, he gets fast. Yeah. Beat, I was watching his high school tape when he came out, Juco. I mean, that dude just he – ran, he ran everything. Like, he had a triple option in high school. Then he ran like a spread. <laughs> then he was at K State with their kind of weird offense. But he's tough as nails. He's a little guy. He's honestly about the same size as Gary, except uh, he's bigger. I think he's like two and nine, maybe two thirteen that range. Basically, built kind of guy, Jay Waters. But people like him. You know, they see him might have drafted six seventh round. I don't think he will. Um, priority on undra- undrafted free agent me, but Taylor Kelly. 
he's in an all-star game, so he's got that chance, too. I like Taylor Kelly as an undrafted free agent. Not too high on him. He kind of had a bad year, to be honest, with the injury and everything. There's some guys. Nick Marshall, I don't know what position he's going to play. Uh, uh, Chris Bonner is out there. Cato, um, his guy, James' guy. Your guy here is Broadway. Everybody likes Cato. Everybody hates Cato. I have (laughs) um, gifted enough. He's too small, too skinny, you know, which is exactly what those NFL guys are going to see. They're going to look at him and go, too small, too skinny, and he's just be selling shoes at Reebok. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. He'll definitely be. I see him definitely in Canada at least um, up there doing some things because Zach Galaros is like a legend up there now. <laughs> I would have never thought that. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, Rakeem Kato and uh, Grant Hedrick are kind of similar to me. Um, Grant Hedrick doesn't have the arm strength as Kato. And nope. He is not as athletic, but he's sneaky, I guess, is what people are We're saying. We're talking about <laughs> People, no, I mean, he's, he's, he can do some things. I mean, he, he's very accurate. He was the most accurate quarterback as far as actual completion percentage in college football. I mean, that's some of it, obviously, it's Harrison's offense. Crossers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, some of it's Harrison's offense. But, I mean, Hedrick is a guy that he, he'll get in the camp and he can do some things. I know a lot of people are talking about him um, rising up the board. I don't see that. So Did they watch the Ole Miss game? I'll just say that much. They watched the Ole Miss game. Ole Miss. I mean, he didn't play bad in the Ole Miss game. He didn't play bad. Really? He never. He never. I don't think he played bad. I don't think he played good. <laughs> okay. Well, this is bad. I guess. I. I don't know. They played average, and that's kind of what he is. Yeah, Bo Wallace off, and Kendrick was was taking the lead for a moment. Oh, you said the Ole Miss game. Sorry, the Ole Miss. I thought you meant the Bulls. Oh, yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah, no, he played like crap. Yeah, yeah. he played like crap. He played like, <laughs> he played like crap. Yeah, I was, Yeah, he threw like four interceptions. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played horrible. That was his one, like, horrible, bad game. It was his first game yeah. starting, you know, so. But he, he was a 15 senior. I guess you can give so. him that, you know, yeah, I guess. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, uh, people are get people are giving him that, and people are giving him that he did play baseball at Boise, and was he fully committed to football? He is committed to football, but they're saying all his time wasn't spent on football, so now he has all the time for football. Can he translate that to next level? You know, he did play second base, I believe, at Boise State for three years. So I don't know, or he's playing this year too, I guess. But oh, it'll be okay. four years. I mean, maybe he's a better baseball I don't know. But all I do know is that uh, people are talking about him. It's crazy as it sounds. People are talking about Grant Hedrick, you know. But I, just, <laughs> I don't understand it because, you know, Bill's guy, Mr. Super Duper Accuracy, Kellen Moore, did not get drafted. And he didn't get drafted. <laughs> then Grant Hedrick probably, you know, has no chance. That'd be crazy. <laughs> he got drafted. Kellen yeah. Moore you know, Kelmore, you know, didn't get drafted, and if if Hedrick got drafted, that'd be insane. <laughs> yeah, it would. Well, I, I get it. I mean, the thing is, it's all a mismatch of. Like, again, you leave those four guys, and then it's clusters of sadness. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like, well, K 
can this guy throw more than 40 yards? Yes, yeah, sorry, put him in this pile. Can this guy go into games and not throw more than two interceptions? Okay, this they're going in this pile. Like, it's... Done. it's yeah, Done. it's rough. It's, I mean, this guy, Kevin Rogers, late round, um, Henderson State, I like. He's got a really good arm on him, pretty good size. No, Emory Hunt came on and talked about him a little bit. Um, I need to watch more. I, I watched some tape on him last night. It was pretty good. Um, I'll tell you got what though, guys. You know, I'm gonna get the get your laughing boxes ready. I, I I'm I'm actually interviewing Cole Stout. Oh. And he. Ooh. Yeah, I am. I am. Hopefully, I'm interviewing him for for pre interview, but I don't know about the show or anything like that. But I'm I'm interviewing him after he's done in LA in FOPA, obviously. And I mean, I'm just saying, man. He's been the best quarterback down there in practice, from what I heard. Just saying, I'm not saying he's gonna get drafted. Just saying that. <laughs> very, oh, very, ladies and gentlemen, different degree. You heard it here first. The cold <laughs> out hype train is about to pull out of the station. I mean, no, it, it, I'm just saying that I, I talked to. I got a chance to talk to Cole's agent because he allowed me to do it. Going to allow me to do the interview. He's injured whole season. Not, I don't know about this injury. He was injured. I, I'm not. He's not faking it. I'm just saying. I don't know. They're kind of using it as an excuse a little bit, um, or a reason, whatever you want to call it. He was injured the whole year. He had a great two separated shoulder the uh, whole season, and him and his girlfriend broke up. Right. You no, know, right before the Georgia his dog game. was sick. His <laughs> had an eye infection. I'm just saying that and the bowl game obviously tore up Oklahoma for what it's worth. He tore him up. <laughs> for what it's worth. For what it's worth. For what it's worth. I mean, he really did tear him up. He did. I mean, he, he looked like how he was supposed up. to look for one yes, game. And, for one. And, you know. So if you go to the NFLPA game and, and you're the best quarter when all the other quarterbacks can barely exactly. throw yards down the field. You know, he's 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 been the best quarterback in practice. Um, he's right. he's he's tore it up in practice. Bill Polian likes him for what it's worth. Right. Yeah, um, sure. Bill Pol- yeah. uh um, you know, his quarterback coach is a guy I, I like a lot, Craig Knoll. You might remember yep. that guy from LSU. I remember that's him from LSU. Yep. Yeah, so that's his quarterback coach. He's got a private, you know, good quarterback coach. So I mean, right. I'm just saying, man. Six four, okay, so two twenty. Right, that size, right? He's got NFL bloodline. His his his. He somehow I don't know how he did. It. I I told you guys everybody like Cole Stout. Everybody likes him as a person. He's got Sammy Watkins coming back for his pro day. For Cole Stout's <laughs> pro day. I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he did it. There you go. Sammy, he knows he's gonna have. Man. He's gonna have Sammy. He's got. So after he has his incredible pro day. And such rising up the boards. Yeah, I don't know. Go? It's just where do you reject it? Have, where does he go? Does he, where does he, he go? Your number, number five quarterback now, Donovan? No, no, no. He's he's not. You're, no, no way. He he's uh, he's still under pressure. But he went from. I mean, I, I didn't know if he was gonna get in the camp. Like that's how bad he was playing. Um, and now, you know, camp. Definitely. Camp possibility. Late, camp late definitely, round possibility yeah. too. Somebody, see, camp, definitely be in the camp. Big tall white guy. Pretty ass, somewhat athletic. Kind of straight line anyway. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he did some things. 
at Clemson that were really horrible. And <laughs> mostly. <laughs> but, he, you know, it was a South Carolina game. And then the um, the Georgia game, I actually rewatched that the first game of the season. He, he, I mean, he was, like, bad, but he wasn't, like, he, you know, he got worse, of course, in the middle of the season. But he, he did some things pretty good in the Georgia game. And obviously, like, the Oklahoma game, like I said, tore them up. But and then you know the separated shoulder in grade two. Apparently he's healthy fully now, so he looks really good in practice. Um, like I said, the quarterback coaches like him. Napoleon likes him down there. I think another former head coach, Mariucci or something like that, saying they're really impressed with him. Um, his grasp of the game. So I mean, yeah, he can do some. And then I'm interviewing him, so I mean, I'm just kidding. No, but, yeah, <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's maybe. official. <laughs> it's official. He can do some. I'm just saying, you know. Maybe I'm not saying I would take him at all, but he could seventh round draft the free agent. That's what I'm saying. We have, ladies and gentlemen, you were here when it happened. Hype <laughs> train is beginning to gain a little bit of steam. That little, little bit of savage levels, but we'll we'll wait and see. Not so savage, just like just just a level, like A level below that. <laughs> I, I think he can have a pro day like Garrett did last year. Um, like Garrett was a guy I talked about like this kind of. Garrett wasn't as bad as Cole. Don't get me wrong. Garrett did good things at SMU. But same type of deal. Garrett had a great offseason. Um, he was injured. Um, he actually, him and his girlfriend, bro, it was almost the exact same things, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And Garrett got drafted in the sixth round right around. And Garrett's on the Patriots right now as a practice squad. I just they talked didn't help to Garrett. Him out that much, but yeah, they did. I mean, no, I was, no, it didn't. <laughs> but yeah, the Patriots snapped him up, and you know, maybe he can be on that roster for a little while. You never know. You, oh, you never know about the Patriots. You could be on he that roster. He thought Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know how he's going to do that. Oh yeah, I mean Jimmy's got the job for the future for sure. He's good, but I mean Garrett maybe is a backup. Garoppolo. Like that. Yeah. And then Cole's dad, obviously, ex NFLer. So he's got the NFL pedigree. Um, his brother Zach plays for a little, a few seconds as an undrafted free agent, too. So he's got the pedigree. But I'm just saying he's got all the things kind of working for him. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's official. The Colts got <laughs> trains pulling out of the station. Yeah, I know, man. It's it's not why I told Montel. He's like, man, really? Like, <laughs> like really? That's what you're getting excited about? Cole Stout, you back on that? I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super excited about him. I don't mean I don't want the Packers drafting him. That's what you mean. But <laughs> well, you know I mean? quarterback of the future, six foot two. You know, they're more West yeah. Coast. You know, yeah, he needs to be. You know, I don't know what type of offense he would be in, guys. I don't know if you guys can think about that, but I mean, he needs to be an offense that, uh, you know, throws a lot of spray offense. Um, he needs to be in an offense built around 50 50 balls. Oh, so he yeah, doesn't who need runs an offense that anymore. Well. I mean, yeah. who does that anymore, Bill? Honestly, I mean, <laughs> like. The, the, like the Raiders used to, and then Al Davis died. So, right, know. good point. I don't know. Maybe Sammy can uh, talk the Bills in the draft in the seventh round. There you go. Or talk Bills have a need, the Bills look like they have a needed quarterback. So, yeah, we can see a pitched, we can see a pitched battle all throughout training camp between EJ Manuel and Cole Stout. This will be a battle for the ages. 
<laughs> Pulsed out BTJ manual. Jeez. <laughs> Talk about a fall from grace. Yeah. I said I told you I told you you guys are gonna get some laughs, man. I told you. But no, I really am I really am gonna kinda hopefully get the interview with him in the next uh in next month. Um I'll definitely invite him on the show. Um I don't see he's a nice kid from what I heard, so I don't see why he wouldn't uh he would turn it down. He he's a nice guy. We got him a lot there's a lot of things we can talk to him about. And there's a lot of things I'm gonna ask him um you know, coming up. So you know, um, hopefully he plays a good game today. You know, I mean he plays bad today then I mean this whole hype thing's over. <laughs> but like I said, he's he's had a good week of practice down there. He's been I guess, you know I know people down there, you know, as a game build on that sure you know people down there too. So um, Yep. And James, but and now and now I have a place to eat the next time I'm down that way. You do, yeah, you do, and you have a place to eat there, and you have a place to eat at. Uh, gosh, the old SC quarterback has a nice restaurant down there. His name is uh, really. He's his name. Oh gosh, um, he was a quarterback before Carson. He wasn't very good. Um, well, then I can tell you who it is. You don't mean John David Boot, no? Booty no, that was after. No, that was. Um, let me see. Brad, Brad, there's Walt. See, there's Walt. There was uh, Brad Otten. Kyle Brad Otten. Brad Otten. Brad Otten. Okay. Actually, Brad Otten is a restaurant owner down there and has a really nice restaurant. And he does quarterback coaching as well, too, for high school kids, though. So. Yes. Well, I would think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want to make sure that you deal with kids young enough that they have no idea. <laughs> you just tell them you played at USC at some point. Right. And they're like, okay. That's cool. But they're not even going to look you up, that's all, because, you know, they're high school kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, college kids will have – will talk to their coaches, and their coaches will remember you. Like, wait, did you think Brad Ott? <laughs> I mean, though, it doesn't uh, take that – I mean, some court, this, some of these quarterback coaches weren't very great. I mean, Craig Mall had a – I like Craig. You know, I've talked to Craig. Yeah. He's, yeah. Hey, he wasn't great. He spent some time with the Packers, as I'm sure you, you would know, Mr. Packer. Yeah. He did. He did. But Brad Allen didn't spend time with anybody. So <laughs> he was. He got picked up by the. Um, he actually was an arena football backup, like third tree backup for like a camp. And then he got released. It's pretty bad. I don't know. The, L, the LA team, I can't think of what they're called. But oh, right. You're right. I uh, guess they just saw him play maybe one good game at SC and were like, okay, well, maybe we can do something with him. But yeah, right on. So you got two restaurants close together. What kind Brad, of food at the restaurant? Brad, Brad, Brad Italian food. So if you want to get the pasta on, car, if you want to get your carbs up, yeah, <laughs> go there. <laughs> but no, but really though, I mean, the quarterback class isn't great. I know Terrence Broadway is the name. Bill, you like him? Yeah, right. my guy. He is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'd rather have Terrence Broadway over Colt Stout. Cause you, got, you guys don't seem like you're Oh, no, that's there. a good question. Twitter poll time. I smell a Twitter poll. on the edge cliff? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, Cole, Cole has more resources. <laughs> um, yes. He's got so many more. He honestly probably has more resources than anybody in this draft <laughs> because he played at Clemson. He, him and Brady Quinn were neighbors growing up. Yes, 
Yeah, so that was so some NFL. of Brady Quinn's greatness rubbed off on. I mean, Dublin, Ohio, man, Dublin, Ohio. Right. It's a factory. Factory. Quarterback, you. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, Matty Mock. Matty Mock, right, right, man. The list. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with Matty Matty Mock, though. You know he's 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 DGB's mentor, so you can't go wrong with him. Yeah, at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, twenty-one year old mentor. <laughs> but no, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh, I've looked at all these quarterbacks, man. I'm just saying, um, I, I don't know. Um, even throw, I didn't even mention my my old guy from two years ago that I like Brian Bennett, who might be switching positions anyway. Uh, but yeah. he's quarterback right now. But he's he's yeah. he said he's definitely open to playing wide receiver. He should be. <laughs> yeah, he should be. You're right. Two guys, two dudes in the last fifteen years that have done that. So, good luck, Brian Bennett. Well, it worked out for Drew Bennett. No, probably no relation. No um, relation. <laughs> let's see, who else? Uh. And, you know, obviously we talked about Brad Smith, who was a better quarterback and a better yeah, athlete. But. I don't really count him. Uh, not to say he was a bad player. He definitely was a really good special teamer and did the Wildcat and did all the other kind of stuff. But compared to, like, Randall L. and right, Antoine did both. Right, right. Antoine yeah. did both. Well, he was a Florida State. Yeah. He was um, a quarterback. Was, he got uh, moved to wide receiver. And then Chris Ricks, God bless him was so amazingly bad that eventually they had to move Anquan back to quarterback. Chris Rex, man, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Edelman, I guess, counts. I mean, I'll assume, but he I mean, counts. Brady uh, helps, but, you know, his three-cone yeah. short also doesn't hurt either. Metric. No. But I like Brad Smith when he's in the desk, But, yeah, I understand what you mean. But, yeah, Brian, he – hopefully I can get Brian, too. Um, Brian – I know Brian's got a. Hey, Brian's got two pro days. He's got South Louisiana and still Oregon. He'll be there too. Um, they let him come back to Oregon to do their pro day because no, so he'll be there. He'll do, he'll do some things. But he but he's doing receiver at Oregon's pro day. He's gonna be catching uh, balls from Mariota. He's gonna be catching balls from Mariota. That's not good though. That, and that's a bad demotion. Again, these weird situations. You lose your job, and you're going to be my guy throwing the ball to like that. <laughs> but it shows his willingness to, to just play football. Yeah, yeah. right. So mean, like, you have you to. Know? You're desperate now. You know, you you have no other place to go. You know, you got to go no. here. There's nowhere else to go. Not really. But, yeah, I mean, Ben just, you know, we talked about him. He's just he's an accurate. That's all it comes down to. There's not much to say. He's really inaccurate. Yeah. Now his offensive line was horrible um, this year. Yeah. They lost four from his junior year um, heading to a senior year. So that I mean that's a big part of it. Got it. Right. I'd be able to pick up any other that, uh, any other quarterbacks you want to bring up. That yeah, like let's get super excited about somebody. Let's see, we let's find someone we can get behind. You know, what about so, you guys? You guys like Taylor Kelly? Because everybody kind of likes him a little bit. I like Saffron more better than Kelly, and they're basically the same guy, except one guy's a little bit better. 
in terms of you know a little bit of, a little bit of everything kind of sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. The, the, Kelly. The comparison people always make with Kelly obviously is Jake Plummer, but what they're yep. forgetting, <laughs> right? It's an easy one. From Idaho, went to Arizona State, slightly undersized. But I don't have Plummer's Wonderlick. You know, that's the only difference. And That's right, Dick. Dick wouldn't give it up. You said excited, <laughs> very excited either to give it up too. So <laughs> yeah, Kelly's probably smarter than Jake Plummer. Maybe. Dick was a Plummer and Kelly, Kelly in, but so. yes, which I think means he's from Idaho, which is true. So you're saying Taylor Kelly's not the next Jake Plummer? Not quite. Uh, there's two things that, that jump out to me. One, I mean, Jake was one of those great improvisers. And not that Kelly doesn't do that, too, but he really was. That was what he, he was great at making things happen when plays broke down. In fact, he was almost better when plays broke down than within the actual confines of your offense, to some extent. Um, in arm, I'd say they're probably pretty close together, but I think Plummer was a better pure athlete. I think he was quicker and faster. Now, obviously, you know, we'll have to see how the testing turns out. But if my memory serves correctly, and James would probably know better than I did, I think Jake timed in the low 4.7, four seven, like 4.72, four seven, 4.73, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was somewhere in there. He tested like he tested a pretty good athlete. I didn't get any vertical. He Plummer ended up in that area of stuff where there really wasn't much reported about quarterbacks for the most part. Right. My understanding so, from his pro day was he was a 33-inch vertical guy. And once again, this is my memory right. of talking to a scout who was there. So I, I it's not like there's a database. A of, he's also a little bit of a – because I didn't have the wonder, like I wasn't able to figure out stuff with him, you know, because one of my theories that I've been kind of working on was the correlations of wonder looks with the touchdown interception ratio type huh. stuff. And huh. I was trying to figure that stuff out. And that's the only reason why I asked what his wonder look was. But, you know, he just said he went in, took the test, left. That was it. And in those yeah. days, I mean, he's probably not lying. <laughs> that's probably exactly probably how it played out. Probably not. <laughs> but he did get a little offended by it. And I don't – maybe the way – I don't know. Maybe maybe the way I asked it was kind of like, yeah, you got pretty low wonder look, didn't you, plumber? Hey, I didn't really do that. <laughs> but, oh, man. <laughs> Kind of took it that way, kind of, <laughs> you know. Okay, two pieces of advice. One, try to get like a tall, willy blonde to ask him the question next time and have her say it more like this. Hey, Jake, how's your wonder leg? <laughs> right. And then you might get an <laughs> I answer. I can say that. <laughs> like, yeah, know. man, just hit Carissa Thompson up on Twitter. And ask the same go. question. Ask the same question right. and you'll get and it. She, she would probably get an answer. Yeah, I mean, you probably. can't deny Chris a Tom- You like can't Joe deny Montana. Chris a Thompson. I still, I still need to get Joe Montana's wonder leg. I'm, I'm working on that. I'm gonna uh, write letters. I don't know, do stuff. Um, you know what? That. Try to see if you can get a hold of somebody um, with who is used to be the old front office there, because they actually like to talk about stuff like that now. Um, mm. If you get a hold of like common policy or. Even if somebody worked for Carmen Policy back in the day, uh, they'd probably give it to you. So go to their deathbed, basically, and be like, oh, you know. <laughs> Something like but, that, but yeah. 
Wonderland. Wonderland. <laughs> Something like no. that, yes. What are you doing to me? No, okay, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah. Sort of. Sort of, kind of, yeah. I mean, a lot of the old-timers, people don't talk to them that much anymore. Now, they probably don't ask you the questions that you're asking, but there's somebody around from the old scouting department or pro personnel department from the late 70s who would be, you know, probably more than willing to talk about that stuff. Bill Walsh would be thrilled to talk about it if he were just still alive. Unfortunately, he's not. Yeah. Because he was a big metrics guy, actually. He was was kind of a pioneer, actually. Yeah. He was really big into um, athletic metrics and uh, quarterback-y type stuff, too. Um, different sort of stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of feet, he's a big feet guy. That was one of the other things about him. That was his whole thing, man. He literally, I told you this. I mean, I remember, I still have some notes from one of his famous speeches, and people ask him, you know, well, where do you start? He always, we evaluate inquiries, he's at speed. He says, I can tell how accurate a guy is without ever seeing him above the ankles. He said that. He said that I can tell you how accurate a guy is just by looking at his feet. That was his, he was huge on feet. His order of sort of looking at things was head, I mean not head, was feet, head, heart, and then he looked at, you know, how hard a guy threw. But he started with feet, then he looked at a guy's head, and then a guy's heart. Yep. Well, yeah, that's why, that's why I think... He got to Montana. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why I think Taylor Kelly needs to go to a West Coast offense. Yeah, sure of it. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, no, he, does, I mean, he, doesn't, do, he doesn't do the ladder. The velocity's not good. He doesn't throw the ball hard. Nope. No. No. He's, he's not going to fit well in, you know, Indianapolis. He wouldn't be backing up, you know, <laughs> No, he's not no. Fuck. He's got limitations. I mean, you know, just go to the Stanford game in particular. Uh, a couple of them, actually. Um, just doesn't intermediate deep throws. Yeah, not really happening, you know. Um, and I know the the pocket was breaking down, but then again, the pocket's going to break down in the NFL, man. I mean, I yep. understand, you know, he can make excuses, but he does have some limitations in terms yeah, of ask, the Yeah, ask Roethlisberger. Ask, ask. Zach Mettenberger, if pockets to break down in the NFL. Yeah. They do. They're not going to have living, working off that, yeah. Okay, so uh, any final points we want to make? We've, we've savaged the quarterback class pretty good <laughs> today. Um, <laughs> you know, and some of it is justified. I mean, we got spoiled. Let's be honest with ourselves. We got spoiled. I mean, People talk about this class as if it's one of the worst of all time. I can think of three or four. Could be. If I sit you back, well, maybe. But if I sit you back into the annals, there's three or four of you to go, oh, oh, God, no. No, there's a much I mean, worse one. I mean, there's definitely, yes. I mean, when you, there, there's some quarterback classes where you came out and you didn't get anybody. Nope. You know? Empty. Like, which is kind of what the 2013 class kind of looking like, too, you know? You know, kind of. Um, yeah. But, I don't know. It's not a bad class. It's just not a lot of, you know, depth. 
know, no, no, it's not. There's not a lot of not guys. There's not a tremendous amount of quantity nor quality. Yeah, exactly. And then the guys you do got are guys who have tons of question marks, just tons. And at the very least, if you don't think they have question marks, then you need to reevaluate the definition of what a question mark is. You know, you may disregard the question mark, but it's still a question mark. You know what I mean? Like you could. You could say, I don't really care that Mariota hasn't really learned all the NFL terminology and stuff, but you can't deny that he hasn't learned it, you know, that he he hasn't, you know, got, he hasn't become exceptionally proficient. They have very little little terminology in their, forget NFL, they have very little terminology, period, in their system. You say two or three things, and that's it. (laughs) Or even right ahead, where where it's just a bunch of hand signals, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know. You know, because they've, which I think is pretty cool because that's how they could be so up tempo because they just do the yep. hands, the really quick hand signals. You know, the tight ends talk to the, you know everybody really quickly, which is a really kind of you know when you're talking about running up tempo offense, it's like why not do that in the NFL if the refs will let it, you know? But um, you know, if you're going to try to beat people that way, which I think is you know why not if you can do it? But you know, he definitely has to deal with that stuff. Jameis Winston, you know, he on tape he does have well, he's young. It's the second year starting and he showed it, you know. He's so, young, he's <laughs> immature, he's way too confident in his arm. Like so many young strong quarterbacks. And he's going to struggle mightily for his first couple of years. He'll be a test of his mental toughness. Exactly. But he seems fairly mentally tough, but it's gonna get. He's gonna have fairly. Hey, well, we can't very much. Um, like the thing about Winston is everything kind of. I can say rolls off his back. I mean, everybody has a breaking point, but with Winston, like the carefree attitude. Well, that's a big thing. Is if he keeps having a carefree attitude, it could help him. But then again, it will hurt him too. You know, if he goes to a team and they're losing and he's kind of like a hot dog on the bench or. Dancing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because people will be like, grow up, man. You know, like that sort of thing. Um, right. But I need that playoff bonus to pay for my kids' braces. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And, you know, and he definitely is a guy who, you know, peer pressure-wise is not great with that kind of stuff because it's kind of obvious, you know, from some of the stuff he's done. Um, in terms of guys around him influencing his decisions, you know, um, some of his decisions. So it's, um, you know, it's not that great. And then you have Hunley, who is definitely a high schoolsy guy. I think what people might be – I know some people don't like Hunley at all, and some people like me are kind of a little, in, you know, I'm in between. I think that there's a chance he could develop and become something – at the same time, he might not, you know. So there's even some guys I've even talked to that said he's a backup, period, you know, from some of the guys I've talked to that are, you know. Well, you can say that about any of the guys in this particular draft. You can, say, you can literally say that about every single one of them if you wanted to. Here's what Hunting has going for him. He's physically strong. He's a good leader. He's not as mature as you'd like, but he's more mature than – Winston, um, but he's growing, clearly. Like, he's becoming a leader. He's becoming 
his mental acuity, his sharpness, and decision-making is improving, like it's at least going in the right direction, but it's not where you'd like it to be. But he's a guy who's got enough arm, you know? Yeah, is that enough for I'd play with Teddy and close, but close to Winston. Yeah. Wait, hey, J- B- Bill, you sure he's a you sure he's a good leader? Because I I hear guys saying I know I'm just joking. He is a well, good leader. No, no, no. I I I don't know the guy's name. He's like really big. He's he's like kind of like a ledger, I guess. Nolan uh, Rocky. I guess. about Nolan Rocky? The same Nolan Rocky is going to rip Cardell Jones for his insincere press conferences. Well, and I hear the, the disingenuous the smile of Cam Newton and the he has a problem yeah, with black that guy. I mean, I, I, I know. Guess you, I'm sure you know. And I know. I'm just uh, that's why I'm hinting at this already is because I already heard. That he's questioning, he's not questioning Brooklyn's leadership per se, but he's questioning that Jerry Newhouse was a better leader and he led the team in the offseason with stuff that Brett Hundley didn't do and Newhouse did. And it's just kind of funny to me. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I love Brett Hundley. Well, do you have any first... confirmation though? I mean, have you talked to any of the UCLA guys, you know, and asked that question? Because a lot of times I've read, I mean, I've read some of Naraki's. Scout, his own scouting stuff, which who knows if he writes at all, but and the tape said stuff different on some of them. You know, it seemed like a lot of talking to some guy, like talking to a scout or talking to a coach, and then they said this and then putting it to paper a lot of times. Which I'm not, and some have, of the stuff is legitimate, but you know, some of it is also. I mean, Cam Newton smiled. That was pretty bad. Say, oh, he can, yeah. his smile. He you know what? Not, I mean, a lot of Southerners are like that, man. You know, that's the thing. It's very much a Southern type thing. Is a lot of it is very Southern. Smile all the time, you know, and they're happy all the time. But that doesn't mean that you're, you know, talking disingenuous on their back. Yeah, that that stuff. No one much better than me. More connections, better writer than me. Everything. But I so I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not right. going at him. I mean, he's got so much experience. But I'm just saying that I heard that, you know, he was kind of just talking about that. With Hon- I mean, I haven't talked yeah, to well, Nolan directly at okay, UCLA, I, but I've I talked to I'm not, I'm not intimidated by Nolan Milwaukee. I remember him as a backup fullback when I was at University of Illinois. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah and from Chicago. He's, so. <laughs> right. He's, so, yeah, he was a backup fullback at, at U of I. He was a guy that wasn't, he wasn't exactly the most liked guy on the team either. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if, I'm not trying to call anybody anything. I'm not saying he has some sort of racial animus, but he has a high level of racial sensitivity about the quarterback position. There's no disputing that. There's no way anyone can dispute that. If you've read his reports for the past 10 years that I have, he's consistently hypercritical of anything in the background of any black quarterback for whatever reason. Yeah, so I... I, I Okay. I was gonna say I, I feel like he's gonna do it. The Hundley, I don't know. Jameis has a target. Oh, are you matter. kidding me? Oh my I god! Like he doesn't have a target. He has like a like. There is no target. He's already been shot up. It's already been <laughs> well, shot yeah, he's, No, and I'm so I'm not even gonna touch Jameis. I was talking about Hundley's a pretty clean guy. I mean, he's never been yeah. in trouble. I mean, he's a good leader. He actually is a good leader. I saw the recruits. Um. They, Humley's been in the locker room. He's been at the facilities helping them out, doing stuff you don't have to do there. And Jerry Newhouse does it too. Don't get me wrong. Jerry's a coach's son. Obviously, Jerry came in 
with his dad. I mean, when his dad got fired, he was an incoming right. freshman. Right. He does a lot of and stuff. He stuck, and he stuck it out, and he's going to be a terrific graduate assistant and a terrific quarterback coach and one day an offensive coordinator. Yeah, so he's doing those things because he grew up with freaking – his dad's new high man. Of course he's going to do right. that stuff. Right. Like, exactly. you, Brett Hundley, Brett Hundley, I don't know his parents, but, I mean, I'm, they're not – you know, ex NFL or whatever, ex uh, pro Rose Bowl winning quarterbacks. You know, Hunley's <laughs> like I'm sure Hunley does enough and he does great things, probably on a grade B A level. And Newhouse just goes the extra mile because he knows he's probably going to be a coach for for Denver or somewhere. He, he knows, you know, for sure that he's going to be a coach. He's he's a smart <laughs> yeah. kid. He realizes he realized probably in his late teens, probably when he's still in high school. He realized I'm going to be a coach. He probably being and when he got to college and saw what college athletes looked like, it confirmed for him, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be a coach. Yeah. Well people are saying he might start next year over Josh Rosen or, or Asante Woodward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. legit legit people I mean, I know I like Josh Rosen more than most people and he's gonna be a true freshman. He might not start, I get it. It's probably good to Shante Woodard. Jerry Newheisel is not – he might start at some point because he played last year versus Texas. He didn't play bad either. I mean, he knows what he's doing out there. He's just he's, – he's, oh. he's not gifted. I mean, he's not – he's little. Right. He doesn't have a strong – he can't throw the past 40 yards. Um, and, I mean, he's just little Jerry Newheisel, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's just little Jerry. His boy right. looks he's, just like a dad. He's very, much, he's very much like his father, only slightly less physically I mean. He has a little less arms even than Rick. And Rick wasn't exactly, you know, a cannon. But he had a little more arm than Jerry. And he had a cup of coffee yeah. in the old US he had a cup of coffee in the old USFL with I think the Arizona Wranglers, if I remember correctly. Right. But and Yeah. But, but he knew he, right. be, he knew he was gonna be a coach. He knew, he also knew he was gonna be a coach. Yeah, I mean he's not gonna start, you know, Jim Moore's not he didn't come back. He did not take NFL jobs to have New Heisel as a starting quarterback. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. He's got Rosen. He's got Willard. He's going to go with one of those guys. Um, and that's one thing. The second thing is just guy on Twitter is trying to tell He's a UCLA fan. He was just like, I worry about Hundley. You know, he didn't leave the team in the offseason um, for the camps. Jerry New Heisel did. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. That's fine. That doesn't – that's not bringing a – it's not – he's not a bad leader. Because you know he didn't go to a week summer workout in Arizona, you right. know. But it's a little like the better way to put it is there's a bit of agent tinge to that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and yep. that right. it's not exactly mean that he's a bad leader, but it's a little itsy bitsy little story, and then hopefully the more stories that come out build and build and build until. He's this, you know, gang leader, you know, of the <laughs> L.A. street, you know, that's spray painting everything, you know. Like, it can lead up to oh, that yeah. in people's minds if you drop a little bitty, a tiny, you know, stuff like that goes a long way, man, especially in politics. You know, you say one little, little thing, and you keep adding yeah. it up, and then eventually he's just this terrible character guy that, you know. <laughs> so what way. you're saying, Jim, is by, by – Three weeks after the combine, he'll be dealing crack in people's minds. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Definitely. you know, so on those cups, 
streets of Chandler, Arizona. <laughs> I'm, just the hard, hard, I'm just saying, <laughs> Chandler, if you Arizona. went up to, and I hate to say this, Bill, but it's just, a, I mean, it's really dirty to do this, but you could easily go up to people and go, so would you draft Brett Hundley if you found out that he, you know, uh, dealt crack? And they would probably <laughs> laugh at you and go, what? He's never done that. But then there's another, but there's, there's some people that you'll run into and tell that to, and they'll go, wait, what? He's doing crack? And you go, oh, no, no. Uh, next question, you know, like, you know, like they'll, they'll get yeah. in their mind to the point where they'll actually believe that he actually is dealing crack, even though it was never proven. It's just because I asked the question. I put the idea in your mind, and then thus it, it's full form, I guess. That's all I'm trying to say. So, right. Yeah, he. You're right. You're right, and that's the that's the sad part. And it's just like like me and Bill were talking about. You know, that's fine. That new Hoswell does all the little things because that's what his dad did. That's what he's known his whole life, um, since birth. Football. I'm sure. Well, he was what probably the coach at Washington at that time or Colorado at least. I mean, when he was born, I think his dad might have still been in Colorado. But yeah, I mean, he's he's yeah. only been around this. <laughs> Believe it around this. This is what he knows, and he's—I mean, he's—I mean, you guys, if you obviously remember his father as a player, but they're so so similar <laughs> as players that it's, if there was a USFL around now, he could play in it for a year or two before he finally said, "Okay, now it's time to go back to coaching." But there yeah, and they, they, I was say they look just alike too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they look identical. They're very, they're very, very similar. Like I said, I remember Rick as a player, and that could not, they could not be more similar, like I said. And Jerry's capable of having one incredible or two incredible games. I mean, it's back to the Cardell Jones thing. Are we ready to draft Jerry Neuheisel? You know what I mean? If he, had, if he was the other three great games, or if yeah. he did shut it down and declare. <laughs> hey, Jerry was uh, – Jerry let the game-winning driver in Texas, man. You know, better better, better than Brett Hundley. Better leader. Better uh, – <laughs> You know, better than his dad. High, you know? Higher higher football IQ, more of a team guy. <laughs> yeah, man. If, if he had if a mental managed, makeup. If we if we managed to get the Cole Stout trade going and the Jerry Duival trade going in <laughs> one show, I retire at that point. I can do no more. No, man. And it's the same thing with Cole, man. As much as I, I, I like Cole and I, I can't wait to talk to him, people said the same thing last year about Todd Little. They are like, well, Cole led the – he did. Cole did a lot of – stuff um, behind the scenes as yeah, far as workouts and stuff like that. And, and, Todd, yeah, yeah. and Todd went back to Virginia, you know, to hang out with his friends and family because he's about to get drafted, man. Like, Cole is still in college. That's why he's doing that. There's a reason <laughs> right. for that. Like, yeah, there's a trying, reason. <laughs> I mean, he's a backup. Like, when you're a backup, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like, I don't understand why people are, like, offended or, like, oh, I mean, Max Brown. The, Max Brown is with uh, Juju and all those guys right now. Cody's in Fresno with his family. Are people right. going to say Cody Kessler isn't a good leader either? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not, no. No, no we're going to him dealing crack on the, the hardened streets of Fresno or whatever. Um, Bakersfield. Or or Baker, whatever, Bakersfield, sorry. Yeah, Bakersfield, Bakersfield, sorry, Bakersfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry. I just, I, I just heard or hear people say, you know, that about Homely. I'm just, uh, if you want to talk about Homely, talk about some other stuff. Don't talk about There are things to talk about. There are things to be worried about, but that's not it. No, no. that's not it. But they're going to Bridgewater. 
but there's really not much to Bridgewater. Like it's <laughs> it's it would be amazing if like a Grayson or another quarter, or, you know, if someone like that was actually drafted over Brad Hundley. But this it would be hilarious is what it would be. But and you it would, it would Hundley, be, you have oh. Hundley fall at Arizona in the third round or something. Oh, 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 what a guy like Bruce Arians could do with that. Exactly. And that might be the perfect spot, you know. I've even thought about let you know, I mean, I know that they, I mean, Arizona needs a lot of stuff, man. You know, and so, I mean, they're yep. still, they're a good team, but they need a lot of stuff. But, oh, right. I mean, if but they also need a quarterback, kind of, you know. So, they do. Kind of, yeah. I mean, they took, <laughs> if Carson Palmer comes back healthy, he's playing how many years? Two, maybe yeah. three? Three. Maybe two. Yeah. 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 They need Brownlee, like I said, he's from Chandler, man. He's from Arizona. He was, I'm sure, exactly. he would love. He's the perfect fit. They already know who yeah. he is. Everything else like that. Here's family. Yeah. I'm sure if you asked Brownlee, if we had him, he would. That'd be one of the, his teams he would mention. Maybe off the record, on the record, whatever. Is is a lot. Probably them in Minnesota, even though they're in Teddy, just because him and Anthony Barr are so close. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Arizona in the second round would be. Home run, if Bruce Arians gets, in my opinion. If so Arians much. gets over the height, though, that's my only worry. Is he's six three? He likes I mean. arm strength, but he's never really been a. He's been a he's been a size guy, you know. Like he is a size guy. That's pretty true, obvious but, from the stuff. But there's not a huge <laughs> difference in size between Ryan Lindley and Brett Hundley. It's not like there's three inches difference or two inches difference. It's like a fraction of an inch difference. Look at the two of them. Yeah, and I have Bill might like this one. I've heard about uh, him trading for Mr. Landry Jones in Arizona. (laughs) Uh, Landry, he likes Landry Jones. He liked him. He uh, He liked him in the draft. He's big. He's still. He's still. You just said Sean Mannion. You just said Sean Mannion. Go get him. Or I mean, yeah, I mean, you get the younger version of. Uh, he's not that much younger than Landry, but you get the younger version with John Madden. Yeah. Smarter, smarter than Landry Jones, though. More IQ. Uh, Six five two twenty. They Boy, might do it. They might do it because they don't know what else to do. And plus, you know, a draft pick in this class, like a fourth or a fifth rounder, sixth rounder, is, you know, what what quarterback are you going to get better? You know. Like what player? You're not going to pitch better, right? Yeah, I guess that yeah, makes I mean, sense. I don't know. That's I mean, if they pick Sean, if they pick Sean Mannion in the fifth round, I wouldn't be mad at it. That's about no. where I think he should go. Yeah, I wouldn't be like mad at it. In this in this draft class, he might end up being the best of them all. I mean, probably not, but it's not inconceivable. No, it's not. He's a Bill Parcells type quarterback, I guess. He is. Yeah, so <laughs> Bill was still around. True. Uh, Bill Parcells ain't tuna. coaching now. Big, big tuna. No, he's not coaching. Or Brandon Bridge, obviously. Um, too. Oh, except so, Brandon Bridge. Yeah, but you have to win mean, a certain amount of starts. I forgot. Right, and per, and Parcells wasn't at least a 58% completion percentage. I don't think Brandon Bridge. Exactly. He's never had that in his life. No, I, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was. 
he was at 47 point something at one point this season. He may have rallied to close above 50, but uh, east. So Ugh. he's not going to pick Brandon Bridge or Brian Bennett. What you saying? <laughs> I mean, no. there's a certain amount of. I mean, you could say there were drops, things that play into it, but there's a. He wasn't putting the ball right on guys consistently ever. I mean, no. as you pointed out, even in seven on sevens, where all you got to do is basically throw. I mean, you're just going to where you know the receiver's going to be. There's no. He's not being redirected. He's not being delayed. Brandon Bridge was not able to consistently do that at the NFL game. So. He's got loads of potential, but he's a – I mean, once again, I got beat up for my Logan Thomas love. I'm going to not fault me on this. Logan Thomas is more ready, was more ready, coming out of Virginia Tech, and he was a project too, than Brandon Bridge. Brandon Bridge is nowhere well, near true. And that's what I keep telling people, but they don't want to listen. I keep telling them that Logan Thomas is a better prospect than Brandon Bridge. And the same oh, people yeah. that hated, hated Thomas – some of them are champion branded bridge. That's what it confuses me. Like when Which somebody doesn't make sense. <laughs> hates one guy, loves one guy, but they're kind of the same guy. Like wait, whoa, whoa, what? Right, but one's better. Logan Thomas is a lot better. He played against. But Logan's Thomas better, right? No one wants to say that. No one wants to say Logan Thomas is better than anybody. But he's if you man, sadly Logan Thomas could not have come back for a six-year eligibility to be in this draft class because he. He would be seen completely differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all physical of Logan Thomas. It's because it, yes. it's like it's a senior bowl. You go to the senior bowl, you have a bunch of six foot two guys, and then you have this six foot five, looks like a tight end for crying out loud guy going up there. Yes. I mean, he was drafted, you know, he was recruited as a tight end, you know, kind of. So yep. you know, you realize, okay, now I get it, kind of. You know, like why everybody? It's not that he's a bad. I mean, you know, he has stuff he has to work on, and he does the flash stuff, and he'll probably only ever be like a backup guy, you know, at best, if we're talking like realistically, unless something like major happens with Arians. But, you know, it's it's just a Brandon Bridge. There's a bigger bridge to cross, you know. Yes, there is. Much larger bridge. You know? He has a long way to go to be a legitimate NFL backup. Forget starter. He has a long way to go to be – his mechanics are, I mean, like everything else, about him, wildly inconsistent. Yes, wildly inconsistent. They're not repeatable as a term to use in baseball. You know, pitchers, they always talk for repeatable mechanics. You know, it's great if a guy can throw hard and all their stuff, but the guys that make it to the Hall of Fame have repeatable mechanics. As much as everybody loves height and stuff like that, there's only one 6'10 pitcher in the Hall of Fame, his name is Randy Johnson, and he may be the only one ever because when you get to that level, Height-wise, you get to be that tall. It's very difficult to keep your mechanics together. And, my, and my, everyone loves height and quarterbacks. The reason there've been no six foot eight, six foot nine successful quarterbacks is because it's so hard. Well, yeah, because you, you have a sweet spot. You know, six five to well, six five is really the sweet spot for tall guys, and then six two is really the sweet spot for West Coast guys. So, right. it's been that weird, you know, difference. So. You know, you get to six foot three for whatever reason. I can't tell you why, whether it's coincidence or not. I, I could say it's probably coincidence, but six foot three, six foot four, kind of, you know, not as many 
by a percentage standpoint, is a six foot five. Yeah, I understand. I mean, obviously, Marino and Elway would say, you know, hey, you know. Yeah, but I don't even know what their heights are because I, I tell you I, that I do, Marino I have, was 6'4". I, I have legitimate actual program heights. And then you tell me, oh, that's the measurement. Sorry, not measurement. I have the actual pro day. Sorry, not program. Pro day heights on both. Um, Danny Marino at his pro day measured in at 6'3 and 1'8". And 223 pounds. And at his pro day, Elway measured in at 6'2 and 7 eighths, so basically almost 6 foot 3, and 224 pounds. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Because the NFL lies about this stuff, man. It's like with. Uh... <laughs> It's like with Steve Young, you know, like he was. Oh never well, six. yeah. Steve Young is not six <laughs> two. But when you never. look up, when you go on the NFL website and look up Steve Young, what does it say his height is six two? Right. So but everyone's ever been close to Steve Young will tell you. But no, that that's it. not true. But no. it's just. <laughs> It's just something I've seen, and I and I my and I, my understanding. And once again, this is all you know, not apocryphal, but rumor or whatever. My understanding is that at his pro day at BYU, he was measured at six feet and a seven eight seven seven eight seven inch. Is what I was told. Is that mm-hmm. I actually came in on? on I think I, I think maybe I don't know. I think I want to go shorter, but that's just me. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> yeah. You, once again, I'm telling you what an old scout told me. Yeah, he looked – I saw him next to Taysom Hill, and I'm just going off of Taysom's, like, six on the half, so uh, that makes sense. Because Taysom's a little bit taller than him. He is. Taysom's a little bit taller. And I can I, I can mean, buy Taysom being six one and a half too. That sounds about right, yeah. The – you know, the fact is that when we evaluate any position, and, and Jim knows this better than most, you're looking at a certain amount of precedent, because that's what – really metrics do for you. They help you establish a framework and a precedent for how you want to evaluate. It can't do the evaluation for you. It can't tell you who's good and who's bad. You know, if if it could, then once again, you know, people wouldn't miss on people. You know, everybody would yeah. do the right thing. Everybody would trap yeah. the right guy. I wouldn't uh, be talking to you right now, yeah. No, because there'd be nothing to I'd be stuff. making a million dollars, you know. So also so true. We'd be making millions, yes. That's also million true. metrics to people. Hey, this is the next pro bowler. <laughs> right, you'd be slinging metrics. So the fact is that metrics give you a place to start as an evaluator and help you to sort out how you want to look at certain players. But it can't tell you, like I said, nothing can tell you who's good and who's bad. I mean, on a consistent basis. Well, exactly. It's the better way I kind of put it, and I don't know, I'm working on different analogies, is metrics in a lot of ways is basically like finding a skeleton of a dinosaur, right? So you can tell how big the dinosaur is. You can tell, you know, the types of teeth it has, what, you know, what it eats. You know, you can tell all sorts of stuff from that fossil record. The problem is, is that instead of scientists who, you know, come up with Jurassic Park and all these crazy little things, you know, in our minds about thinking about what these things are, there's actually tape of them in the wild to see. So that's the big thing about metrics. And that's where a lot of issues come up is that people go, oh, this is a T-Rex. Look at this guy on paper, right? He's a T-Rex. He's tall. He's fast. He's 
guy's a monster. And then you put on the tape, and you go, okay, this is not exactly what we were looking at. So in a lot of ways, I mean, that's really what it is. It's it's everything on paper. It's everything physical that they've done. And the tape ultimately is, you know, the tape decides it. At the same time, the metrics also, you know, again, it raises it raises questions. I mean, there's tons of guys in this class, like Michael Bennett. He's another one of those guys where, I mean, his production is not great, you know. Well, this guy's talking about it being a first-rounder. I put on the tape, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's bad. So I, I just kind of go, okay, what do we do with this guy? Especially since Tyson Jackson, though. Tyson Jackson was more productive than Michael Bennett, you know. Like, that's that's nuts. Like, that's just kind of, to give you the perspective, that's how bad his production was. Where the only guys who were really successful in there are guys that were drafted really high because of where they play. So, I don't know. I mean, it, that, it's just that, that, I mean, those are only, I mean, that, that kind of does that stuff. But it's, uh, but it just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just gives you a baseline side. It gets you a way to compare certain guys, too. You know, like, because Giant right. Manziel, Steve, it's Steve Young on paper, are basically the same guy. The only difference is, is I don't think Steve Young has ever went to a party with um, Rick Ross, you know, or uh, a party with LeBron James, you know. So I would love to see a party that had Steve Young, Rick Ross, and LeBron James added. That's, that's oh, the party man. I'd like to see. Yeah, the Storm and Mormon party. Now, we were talking fire mixtapes yesterday. Imagine the fire mixtapes you get out of a collaboration between Rick Ross, LeBron James, and Steve Young. <laughs> That'd be crazy. And Johnny Manziel isn't going to law school right now while going to the Browns as well. No, he's you know? not going to law school. No. So, so, so honestly, that's the point. Is there's definitely differences. But on paper, well, here's the other really, guy. really important difference. As smart as Manziel is, he ran an offense that didn't demand that much of him mentally. Steve Young ran essentially the same offense that the first Niners were running in the NFL. Uh, I mean, not, not, I mean, slightly stripped similar. down. I mean, not similar. Very, I mean, at very, that time, BYU produced a lot of. So, I mean, at that time, you know, BYU was actually producing a lot of NFL quarterbacks. You know, so right. You know, so they actually were. Well, at the time we're talking about, I mean, there's a connection, a direct connection between BYU and Bill Walsh, a direct connection. Um, Virgil Carter, the quarterback that he developed the quote-unquote West Coast offense for, was a BYU quarterback who was very bright, but he ran option, actually. When he was at BYU, they were an option team. The, after he left, they became essentially a West Coast offense team when Doug Scoville, I mean, sadly, Doug Scoville died young, and people don't realize what an innovator he was, but he's responsible for the success of the West Coast offense and the birth of it, as anybody not named Bill Walsh. You know, the two people most responsible, and then Norm Chow's probably the third most responsible, who also was at BYU. So the offense that we call the West Coast offense is an amalgam of the ideas of Bill Walsh, Doug Scoville, and to a slightly lesser extent, Norm Chow was the guy that, I mean, we know him as this great passing game guru, but his initial contributions was actually in blocking. Uh, he was an offensive line coach, and a very fine offensive lineman, in fact, himself when he was a player. And he was the guy that really was more the quote-unquote run game coordinator with Scoville really hitting the passing game stuff. 
But Scoville left, and Norm Chow took over the whole operation on offense at BYU. But those three names, if there was a West Coast offense, you know, Mount Rushmore, it's those three guys you're, you're chipping into it, you know, Walsh, Scoville, and Chow. And so BYU was – their offense, like I said, was probably 60% or 55% at least of what was being run by the 49ers in the late 70s and early 80s. So it was not a great mental jump for those guys, for McMahon or, the, or, or Gifford Nielsen or Mark Wilson or the aforementioned Steve Young. When they got the NFL, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the vernacular, they're saying the same stuff pretty much. The concepts were virtually identical. There was just sure. more stuff when they got the NFL, but it was very, and he had very good. Coach. And he had a good coach, too. So, yeah, they tried to coach. Always on Walsh. Because Mike Pettin you know, is not Bill Walsh, so that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Holmgren, too, I guess, will be part of that. Well, he, did, he passed the torch. You know. Yeah, yeah. Develop Brett Favre. I mean, you have to give him that. You know, getting him and his, doing yeah. that. Mike and Shanahan. Andy Reed. And, yeah. Yeah. Andy Reid, John Gruden, Dawson. Yeah. For sure. I mean, but yeah. Crazy though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I like John Gruden. <laughs> I just, from hearing everything he did, he, I, he I start nuts. to. He is nuts. I start to go. He's kind of the like he's 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 a good coach, but man. <laughs> You know, like just uh, not not to say he was a bad coach. It's just he he took it way too extreme in terms of pushing guys and you know, uh, like in terms of his too much stuff, just too much, too too many plays, too many, yeah, too many. You know, too trying to out coach way too much. You know, right. Well, I mean, if you if you want to just for visual giggle, take a look at. I think you can probably find it on Google Images or whatever. It's the his last playbook, whatever whatever year that was, his last year at Tampa. The thickness of it is comical. <laughs> you know, it literally it makes you laugh uh, when you see it. And 220 different passing plays. Each one of those passing plays had three or four different tags, meaning that things you could change to make it kind of almost a different play anyway. So that, that gets you well into the 650 range in terms of who needs that? You're never going to use 94% of it in a season. So you've got 6 or 7% of your offense you actually have time to practice and run. Exactly. And everybody else is confused because you jammed them, you know, you jammed all this information into them that they don't really need. So in a way, it's a little less efficient. You know, right. So I like the enthusiasm. Don't get me wrong. And it would be yes. amazing if you could run six hundred and fifty. You know, whatever. <laughs> it'd be plays. awesome. It you know, it'd be awesome. But when you're talking about everybody on a team getting ready to play another team, you need to be just working on the game plan, man. You know, and not you know calling people out because they don't know play number five hundred and fifty six. You know, and then he gets in your face because he's like, you should know this. If we're going to play this team, imagine if we're, you know, like he probably put it that way, you know, like imagine if we're playing the, ten, you know, the the you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they have a, you know, like this sort of system and this sort of scheme and we're in this game and we're down by three points and you don't know the call, you know, and you don't know what to do. What are we going to do? We lose the game because of you, you know, like that. 
That's probably what he would tell a guy. You know? See all these men there? They've got families. They're all fired. Their kids have to leave their friends at school, all because of you. <laughs> exactly. And then you're yeah. sitting there like, you're crazy, dude. You're insane. What the heck is he talking about? Like, you know, you know, like that's just, uh, I mean, I, that's my only that's my only thing about Groot. Yeah, no, he is. It's, 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 he is. It's, it's kind of similar to, um, not as as far fetched, but similar to Sean Payton, just because um, talking to Sean Canfield Definitely. on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sean Canfield was a uh, you know sixth round draft pick for them. Um, he's from San Diego, yep. like me. I, th- I talked to him out there for a little bit, and I was just like, "What was the hardest thing?" Only asked him one question. So, what was the hardest thing you had to do transitioning from you know Oregon State, Mike Riley system to uh, Sean Payton? He was like, first of all." It's weird because you wake up and you're like, he's like, you know, there's no class. Like, <laughs> you don't go to school. Like, you're going to Sean Payton's, like, you know, quarterback room. And you're he's like, he's university. Yeah. yeah was, you're going, you're going. And he said, he said it was just, I mean, he flat out told me, because he's not in NFL anymore. He just said, it was hard. He's like, I'd never got that offense. I was there for two years. I've never got it. Um, and he's smart. He's, a, he's like a really smart guy. Yep. Um, and he he's from an NFL system, and he still <laughs> didn't get it for two years. Um, nope. He was just like, it's, it's too hard. Like it was just I didn't yep. know he had like so many plays, plays that I never seen in my life. Um, exactly. Plays that just I wouldn't even think of that. Like why would you draw you that would up? Do that? <laughs> you was like, what would make you do that? <laughs> yeah. So Sean Campbell was just like, yeah. I mean, Sean Payne's amazing. He's a legend. I love him. But he's just like, it's, it's he had so many plays. Playbook. Too much, and he gave it the first day. The first day, you know, you, you didn't yes. give him a, you yes. didn't give him a, he didn't give him a diet coke, you know. No. He gave him a big, he gave him a two liter, you know. <laughs> he gave him, the, he gave him the whole playbook. He didn't give him the little pieces and here yeah. and there, because he said, you know, Mike Riley when he got there at Oregon State, he gave him the playbook little by little. I mean, you don't expect a kid to learn at all in a camp, no. Peyton gave it all to him, all plays. So he said, "I was just kind of, kind of similar to what you guys are talking about with, with Sean Campbell yeah. talking about Sean Peyton, right? Because well, your, your brain, is. your that's brain is runs. liquefied. That's why it's supposed yeah. to be big to understand what the whole Cardell Jones thing. This is a guy that struggled to learn Urban Meyer's system. If God help him, should he go to Andy Reid in? Well, he wouldn't probably live it. But God help him, should he go to, let's see. Um, so people are saying he might be the third or fourth quarterback. So let me see. Where would that probably put him? That puts him in the second or the third, right? Arizona. 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 There we go. Yeah, there we go. So he goes to Arizona. And he sees Bruce Arians' playbook and his brain melts, bubbles out of his ears. Yeah, Exactly. And I'm glad that I called it a cancel because, I mean, he's just known as an IQ guy and one of those yeah. gritty, you know. And it, right. if he's saying that, that's pretty bad. It's not like I talked to the super people, freak athlete. I don't quite understand it. What it is when they get to camp. I don't think camp, – and camp was a great example. Like that gritty, smart, the kind of guy that quarterback coaches fall in love with, the kind of guy that – you know, his best part, the best thing about him is going up on the, on the whiteboard. That's where he shines. And this is a yeah. guy that couldn't, couldn't learn it, couldn't grasp it. Yeah, so you, and this is a guy he drafted. Like, it's not like he chose, you know, under after free agent, you choose your team kind of. But he, Trump didn't drafted him. 
you know. So he saw some things in that he liked. And he's still, like I said, two years. He didn't get it. That's why he's cut, you know, because if you can't get it, you're done, you know. And, you know, Ken just said, he was just talking about how, uh, you know, it's just, I think he also mentioned the speed. I mean, that's obvious. But uh-huh. he was just saying, it's, he said it's not, you know, he played in the Pac-12 and he played in a big-time conference, but he was just saying, you know, it's little things. It's not like it's – he didn't say it was, like, a crazy amount faster. He just said it was just, like, if it's on a fade and you're, like, okay, that's a touchdown easily, like, that dude, that's getting tipped, <laughs> you know, or it's getting picked. Uh, or it's just, like, the tip balls. Like, it could be three or four tip balls. One of those balls is an interception, then your career is over. You know what I mean? Just little stuff like that. You know, uh-huh. or if you do a four, if you do a five-step drop, you think you got time to, you know, uh, roll out in the pocket, that's a sack. You know, that's a a first down at Oregon State. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's the little things, I guess, he was saying. It was tough, but it's a step step or a step and a half difference. A step or a step and a half difference in everything. They get to you a step sooner. They get to the ball a step sooner. They, everything, the hole closes a step sooner. And that's all, that's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes. (laughs) It's a game of inches and uh, speed. So um, definitely get injured. So that's, yeah, you're definitely right about that. And it was, uh, gosh, man, I wish, honestly, man, yeah, I know, um, I don't know what he's doing exactly right now, but uh, I know he was still trying to play some football um, at some different levels, but I would love to have Sean Canfield um, come on. Or, or Stephen LaFleur is another kind of older, not that older guy I talked to. Well, I, I, I was, the funny thing is I was a Stephen LaFleur fan. He was, was one of the early Louisville quarterbacks, you know, when Louisville sort of came back onto the, you know, thanks to John L. Smith and Bobby Petrino, because Louisville football was really not even discussed in polite company for a while there. I mean, you had Johnny Unitas, and then it all went dark until late 80s, early 90s. I mean, I was a huge football fan. And, you know, Tom Jackson came out. In the in the seventies, early mid-seventies, I say mid-seventies, and then you know, there'd be occasional guy that would come out of there, but I mean, it was just no one talks about world football. I mean, nobody, nobody. It didn't even come up. And so you have to be impressed with what John L. Smith and, and Petrino did, in that people began discussing world football again because it just went undiscussed. It could be yeah. literally you could almost forget they existed. They were on the same plane and area of mental, you know, like in people mentally as Temple was. Like Temple football, Louisville football, all kind of together as forgotten. Idaho, right? Idaho football, same set of same situation. I mean, they might as well be in Idaho. As, as, yeah. as, 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 I mean, it's for, for all the people who knew or cared, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. And the, especially with what Bob Ivertrini did with the quarterback, because he had a strain there. Like we're talking about Oregon State with Mike Riley again. Pretty much all his quarterbacks drafted or in the league somehow. Yep. Same, exact same thing. Um, yep. And Stefan was kind of one of the first guys he was. there. I liked Stefan. Um, you know, his career was short with Carolina or whatever, but he's, yep. he's a high school coach, head coach yep. um, in Louisville. Coach. He's a quarterback coach as well. Um, he does private stuff too, um, and he does some some workout training stuff as well. So yeah, he's he's a good guy, man. He he's kind of 
show and a lot of quarterback stuff to me. And he's yeah, good. No. I mean, he's, he's good. Very like, good. He, he was a great player. And then, you know, obviously the story about his family, you know, his parents and his sister, brother and grandparents all being deaf. So, I mean, right. you know, the sign language guru. <laughs> yeah. um, right. Because I took, I took American Sign Language in high school. Um, that was like one of my like uh, classes. I was gonna, I was gonna major in it, but I took it in college. So I, I talked to him about that too. We just happy about sign language is really hard. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't know how and hard it, it was. It, it's a, right. It's a lot like we talked about. You know the system in Oregon. I mean, it's you have to be somewhat smart because you you're having to associate something a mental image or whatever it is with something you're doing with your hands. Oh, it is hard. Uh, every all the kids uh, from high school I talked to, and honestly, at this point, um, almost every top quarterback in high school runs a spread. Um, Nowadays, it's just the yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way. I mean, you can go look at the top quarterback from last year and this year. They all spread for the most part, and they're all yep. talking about, you know, hand signals and what, <laughs> um, the dummy calls. Like you always talk about the James Brown, Kate Upton, Al Green, whatever size <laughs> Oreos. Like <laughs> on the sign, I mean, a lot of that's dummy stuff. Like, but right. some of it, some of it's real, you know. And you just associate it with, uh, you know, you'll run your, I don't know, you know, play action fade. That's Al Green. If he's up there, that's what you're running. And then you get the twos and threes. Um, they kind do the they, number thing. I, kind of they do the number. They, they get, do the number they thing. Get a little I know they, on the sideline too. <laughs> I know they do the numbers thing at Oregon, talking to uh, people down under under uh, All American Bowl. They do numbers a lot. Um, it'll be Scott Fox say one, two, three. I mean, that's it. Like you just pick one, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you pick one. I mean, and you go from there. You pick one, and then you you look at the side if it's anything that changes um, that they see, and then you run it. You know, and it's beautiful to watch. Um, but but as far as going to the next level, they're not so beautiful anymore because <laughs> you usually don't have that. Um, I think there will be more offenses like that in the soon, but right now you don't really have it as much, um, you know. There's yeah, some, there's some things. There's, you know, God help you, you go to Denver, right? You know, and, you know, your co-offensive coordinator, whoever it is that replaces Adam Gaze and basically Peyton Manning, you know, walk into the quarterback room, and they throw down what looks like a Chinese phone book in front of you. It's like, well, here it is. <laughs> you know, we're going to start with our, uh, what we call our, our 100 series. And that's mostly, um, you know, uh, our now plays. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of, I mean, maybe just, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've been around. You guys went around when I had Joe Horn on. Joe Horn was um, son of one of the guys I worked with at Consistent Sassler. Joe went to, um, Ashland, and was a sprinter as well. He was in the 100 and 200 meter national championships at the Division II level, and competed against and lost to Ricardo Lockett, who now plays for Seattle. But uh, Joe was in the Colts camp the year that Peyton was hurt. But Peyton was still essentially a part of the coaching staff, or whatever way of putting it. So and he, didn't, he didn't just coach quarterbacks. He would walk into the wide receiver room and coach him up. And his nickname around the facility was Zeus. Um, you know, because he would hurl thunderbolts at you from down from up from Mount Olympus. Um, and you better know the answers, man. If Zeus asks you something, you better know the answer. I mean, Peyton never officially cut anybody, 
But there was a sense that if Peyton didn't like what you were doing or what you said, just didn't it work out. Your... <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Things might not work out for you. So God help you, you come from a system where it's, you know, you're looking over at, you know, Scooby-Doo and you're looking over at, you know, like the California Raisins and you're looking over at, you know, <laughs> Katy Perry, whatever. You're looking over at, you know, right, the, you know, uh, the peanut butter jelly time dance or whatever. And now it's this thing that's 400 pages long and Peyton's quizzing you on it. Yeah, and you've been and there you know, a day and a half. Getting pissed off with you, yeah. You know, yes, right. I'm telling you that you are going to be cut if you don't run this <laughs> you, route. You've been there a day and a half. Yeah. The, the NFL doesn't care. That's what people don't realize. Cardinal Jones, no, you're either ready talented. or you're not. If you're not right, ready, you're super talented, but the NFL sucks. doesn't care yeah, about you and your super talent. Class, you know? Oh, well, this quarterback class sucks. Oh, well, we'll have another one in a couple of years. Exactly. Uh, we'll have another one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, as they say, cold world, right? Cold world. <laughs> Very cold. Below. It is cold. Probably it is. at zero degrees. Probably at zero degrees. Won't go below, but pretty cold. <laughs> I mean, you get you get your guys. If we're just talking quarterbacks, you know, those guys, some of those guys do get some second chances, maybe even third if you're lucky. But you gotta just be. Yeah, it's gotta be like a perfect storm. I look at a guy like Charlie Whitehurst, you know, um, Clemson guy. You know, um, we're talking about Cole Stout. They're kind of similar in a little bit, but <laughs> size wise. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, somebody like that. He's been in the league for for a while. Yeah, yeah. white guy. So you know, I mean, back up. you get a chance to stick around and play a little bit and collect the pay. Blaine, I feel like Blaine's going to be around for a while, even though, you know, um, he's not yeah. good. <laughs> and, you know, Whitehurst has a lot in common with Cole Stout, both son of NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, both obviously from Clemson. I mean, here's the thing, though. When you get in the NFL, as a quarterback particularly, it comes at you stupid fast. You know, it's <laughs> just silly how – and they almost want to see – they know you can't absorb it all. They know you can't. But they want to see how you handle not being able to handle it. Can you handle not being able to handle it? Because you won't be able to handle it. But can you handle not being able to handle it? I mean, there's a handful of guys that can actually handle it. You know, Andrew Luck to some extent, Young Peyton to some extent. But even those guys are overwhelmed at times. It's a tiny number of guys that aren't just mind-blown when they get there. So, but can they handle it? Are they okay? Not okay, but are they fighting through it, or can you see them dying a little bit inside? Just practice when they screw something up. Yeah, Christian pondering it, I guess, is a better way to put it. Yeah. Christian, yeah, he didn't get it. He didn't really have it. He didn't get it either. He didn't get better. Well, it's just that he, you know, he had, a good, he had sort of a good season, then he's played bad, yeah. then he got worse. Then he got even, you know, then Teddy came in, and then it's all about, it's almost like every practice was like a realization that it's over. You know? Yeah. The Christian, he, yeah. he'll get a second shot, I believe, um, this year with somebody else on um, the backup. And he, his conf- he needs it. He needs to get out of Minnesota anyway. His confidence is shot. 
Um, some of the time it's just a mental game. I mean, it's, you gotta have a you gotta be strong mentally to a quarterback. So, man, I don't think Ponder was ever that strong mentally. And then you know when all the things happened with Coach Childress and Leslie Frazier, you know Zimmer now and Teddy, this is Percy Harvin. Start, Percy Harvin, start fresh. Um, somebody pick him up for sure. I mean, Christian Ponder, um, nice serviceable backup somewhere. Somebody pick him up. Um, maybe even at the end of that division as a backup. You never know. Just you know, just because he knows what they're doing. Um, and maybe I don't think he will ever play good, but <laughs> maybe he will. You never know. He's 26. Will be next year, so he's relatively young. So be 27 next year, I think, but. Nevertheless, I mean, not an old guy. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class. Oh. He is. He is better than a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class. That's true. I uh, I don't. I would take. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess he is technically better than a lot of quarterbacks because there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. Like I'm not saying he's, he's, he's not than, top five. I mean, you, you, I mean, you could say that based on potential because we don't want to know 100 percent what the top four five people are going to do yet, but once you leave those people, really, you know, you can't, you like, you can't put Brandon Bridge over Christian Ponder, you can't put no, no. Cody Fajardo over Christian Ponder, you can't put, um, you know, I mean, you Blake Sims. Blake Sims, no. Yeah, Taylor Heineke, all those, mm-hmm. um, Shane mm-hmm. Carter, actually Shane Carter reminds me of Christian Ponder, but like, they ran all the different styles of offenses, but they remind me of each other. Christian's a lot better. Christian's better athlete, yeah. obviously. Christian's yeah. a, Christian actually sets it really, really well. That's why I drafted so high. And his and his wonder looks scores really high. He's really smart. Yeah. And he's got the charisma. You know, I mean, I see him being an announcer soon, especially, you know, because he's married to Sam. So, <laughs> I mean, he get, but I see him being on TV if he wants to be. They, they, you know, charisma and everything. But, no, nah, I mean, Ponder, you know, I'd definitely say he could last for like four or five more years, though, in the NFL. I mean, if Charlie Whitehurst is still in the NFL, I feel like anybody can be in the NFL for, <laughs> for a, maybe a couple of years. I mean, I'm not – I just don't like Charlie Whitehurst, I guess. I'm kind of bashing him. But, <laughs> I mean, he's just bad, man. Like, he's still – Plays like he plays this year, like significant minutes, snaps. You know, well, he must be. You know, I mean, people must like him. I guess you know. Exactly. Well, he's a very good for. player, but he people get along with him. You know. Yeah, he's like a fan favorite too. You know. There you go. Yeah, you know, quarterback Jesus. You know. Yep. So many followers on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Brady Quinn probably could have hung around another couple of years if he really, really, really wanted to. If, if yeah, you, he could have. He and, could and have I hate to put it this way, but if you are indeed a white quarterback and you're not incredibly awful, it's usually easy, not easy, easy is not the word, it's usually possible to hang around for another three to six years, in some cases, yeah, after have you have no longer get started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't usually happen that way for black quarterbacks, though. I mean, Tavares Jackson, to some extent, Jason Campbell, yeah. to some extent, and Seneca Wallace. But usually, we look at Dante Culpepper. The guy went from being like a Madden cover guy 
out of the league in three and a half years. Right, but he wanted to start, though. Like, well, of course he wanted to start. He had yeah. a lot of, like, I think he, I mean, when you look at his career in particular, that's a guy that really wanted to come back and prove everybody that he could yes. still play, you yes. know, after everything. At a very high wrong. level, yes. Yes, yeah. he wanted to show everybody they were wrong. He wanted to, he wanted to win a Super Bowl. He wanted to, he wanted to win an MVP. Yeah, but unfortunately, everybody player of the year said, you know, uh, well, no, sorry, you know. Maybe <laughs> maybe he'll come back for the veteran combine. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm sure he's done. I, I I heard I don't know if this is like a rumor, legit or whatever. But I heard JP Lawson was trying to work out getting to a camp. Wow. <laughs> he's he's uh, only 32, man. He's only 32, you know. He's still got a good arm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know exactly how old JP Lawson is. I know. I, I, liked, I liked JP a lot coming out. I was a JP fan. Um, didn't work yeah. out. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know the guy that for him it was kind of an attitude problem. There's a fine, fine line between cocky and confident, as people always say. He was on the wrong side of that line. He was. He was. And that was, I know, when he came out. Now, Bill, I mean, you were doing this. Oh, I was, you do, know. I was doing this. Yeah, you were doing this. For real, I was you know, a, when I, he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a sophomore in high school, and there was a Twitter or anything. So I just, you know, remember watching him, and he was really good. I was like, he should be pretty good. There. So really strong arms, good athleticism, big hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He was like, and then he was very confident, but he was way and beyond. Confident. He was beyond confident. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you were to look at his components, his components were very similar to Aaron Rodgers. His arm is yep. as good as Rodgers. He was as athletic as Rodgers, about the same height, high IQ even. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what his what his uh, one look was, but I think it was in the upper twenties. Uh, James might know. But I believe he had a good, a good, a good one. I mean, he had good everything, you know, you could measure basically. Well, and then, he didn't have the yeah, best touch-on-interception ratio. Well, no. that, comes, that comes from the, from the arrogance part. I think that he had is, a, I believe he had a good wonder league, but I'm not 100% sure because. I'm, I'm going off my memory, but I think it was like he lost nine or something like that. How tall is he? He's six two, right? Six three. Yep. Six two yes. and six two and six, six two and five eight. Exactly. He was literally yeah. almost exactly physically the same guy as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's six two and five eight and two. Yeah, 16. he had a thirty one on the Wonderlick, and yeah, he is. Yeah, very especially with thirty one. Yeah, he is yep. very similar to Rodgers. That's the thing. I mean, it's, obviously, he wasn't. He was less risk averse than Rodgers. Because that's why he had so many interceptions, because he believes he could complete any throw in every throw, and he never thought there was a time he should throw the ball away or tuck it and run it. I can make this throw, and I can make all the throws. I can make any throw. Uh, he, he believed that to his soul, to his very core. He believed there was no throw he couldn't make. Yeah, they like, I mean, he was, you know, prep star. From Venice, he's from close to where we had Garrett. He's from Venice, Venice Beach. Um, yep. So you know he was, uh, you know, LA guy and highly recruited. He's actually supposed to go to UCLA, but 
you know, ended up things, a of all places. Some things happened, you know, yeah. coaches. He was he was very uh I'm not gonna start my freshman year? Okay, well then nope. <laughs> not going to UCLA. <laughs> you know, Patrick Ramsey's leaving, uh I could start there, you know. So but no, I mean JP, yeah, he was very cocky. Uh tell you how he felt too about it. Yes. And, yes he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, strong on though. Uh, super athletic guy, you know. I guess Dan said a pretty good one to this for too. He, I was just saying, you know, he got a lot of chances to be good. In Buffalo, right. Oakland, and guys like Seattle. him are going to always get a lot of chances. Guys like him, if you are that guy, and he was looked at as that guy. I mean, look at Cutler. Cutler's going to get more chances. If somehow oh. the Bears get out from under him, he's going to get more chances because he's that guy too. Athletic, yeah, strong arm, intelligent, blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, and I think JP had a – he had some pretty – he had some good games um, with Buffalo. Um, more bad, <laughs> obviously. But uh, he, had some, he had some good games where he's like, okay, maybe – kind of like Christian Ponder, I guess, like at first. He's like, okay, maybe he can turn it around and make that maturation process. And he didn't, and he definitely <laughs> wasn't probably trying to listen to any of those coaches. <laughs> You know, we're playing J.P. Lawson football. <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Even when he went to Oakland. He was J.P. football. I mean, that's really kind of who, what, it, what he was in terms of his approach. Didn't he, like, accidentally, like, something with Lee Evans or something like that? Like, or no, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was, he got off to a bad start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got he offended I I several people right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, um, you know, he broke his leg, you know, because Troy Vincent ran into him um, on purpose. Right. No, and I'm just kidding, not on purpose. Some people they they didn't say he did it on purpose. They're like they don't like this kid, man. Like we gotta we gotta rough him up. I don't think they didn't break his leg. Well, <laughs> but a bunch of veterans <laughs> the wrong way day one. Like, he came in pissing people off. Yeah, and I remember him saying something about, you know, because he came from the, the, that draft class, you know, there was Eli and Ben. And he, he was just like, you know, those guys are good, you know, but, yeah, J.P. Lawson. You know, <laughs> right, I'm going exactly. to change the culture of Buffalo Bills football. Yeah, I'm the next Jim Kelly. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> He, just like, he yeah. was amazing. He was. He was amazing. I wish we had social media when he was around. If we had, man, if we had, come on, breaking Twitter. J.P. Lawson used to say stuff, man. He used to say stuff. And luckily <laughs> for him, you know, it's, it was Buffalo and it's pre-social media. So if you weren't a super tuned-in NFL fan, you didn't always know the crazy stuff he'd say, but he said something crazy in every single interview, at least one crazy thing. Yeah, when when uh, what was it Drew Bledsoe went to Buffalo? He was like, I don't think Drew Bledsoe is good enough to uh, unseat me at quarterback. I think he said something, like, something similar to that. Oh no, he said he was uh, he said he was unfit to start. Right, unfit. That is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Un- Drew Bledsoe, pretty much a Hall of Fame, almost like unfit. To start. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know. I don't know why. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I'm on this J.P. Lawson thing. I'm just thinking about it. I did think he was going to be good uh, quarterback. I, I I was young back then. If so J.P. Lawson is in this draft, he's 
he's fighting with, with Winston for the number two spot. That's why you're thinking about it. I mean, hey, he said he wanted to come back. You know, give JP a chance. Free JP Lofman. Free him. Put him in the combine. Free JP. Free JP. Free JP. Maybe he changed. Oh. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not cocky. You know, and mean anymore. Maybe he's just a regular good old JP Lofman. Right. That's what it is. Man, if JP Lofman comes back, I almost want him to just be an older, more bitter version of the old JP. But maybe he's grown up. Maybe he's grown out of that. And if so, it's better for him. It's less entertaining for me, but it's better for him. So I'm going to try to be the bigger man and root for him to be a happy, mature guy who just wants one more shot at the dream. But if he shows yeah. up and he's the old JT, oh, baby, <laughs> that would be an amazing thing to see. And you, yeah, you guys know what JP stands for, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys know that means uh, Jonathan Paul, just like Jonathan Paul. Just no. like, at that point, just like, just like. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> so, you know, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Buffalo still needs a quarterback after all these years. <laughs> That's the yeah. funny part. So, Strange how so that happens. <laughs> maybe, you know, give him a workout. You know. You know, the funny thing is, Boston had one decent season. And, of course, to him, you know, it meant that he was headed, like, next year was all pro. But, yeah, one decent season. He had 3,050, something like that, yards, 19 touchdowns, and I believe 14, which is best for him. I mean, for 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions for him is, you know, managing the game, being careful, that kind of stuff for him. Um, he was from another era, really, in a lot, a lot of ways. Uh, he would have really done well in the old AFL. If he had just been born, you know, 35 years earlier. You know, if he got to play with you know, the era of Jack Kemp and Daryl LaMonica and George Blanda, John Hadle, I mean, we're talking about him, if not in the NFL, at least in the, you know, the AFL Hall of Fame, where they didn't care about interceptions. He wouldn't freak out if he threw the ball to the other team. But unfortunately, he was born, you know, too late. He got to be coached by two like Dick Gerard who, you know, like most defensive-minded coaches, just wants you not to lose the game. And I said, that's not J.P. Austin ball, as you pointed out. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah it ended yeah. up being a short, shorter career than I thought. I thought but, yeah, he, he uh, yeah. Buffalo, you know, obviously hasn't had a good track record. It's not just J.P. Austin. And he, like no, you said, he had that one. He, yeah, I mean, he had that one good season. 2006, I guess you said. I think that's what year it might have been, yeah. He had one, yeah. you know, decent season and a combination of injuries and being J.P. Lofton, uh made it hard. Yeah. And his last year in the league was 2010-ish? Yeah. Well, his last, like, yeah, he was actually on the Dolphins roster. I think. 2011, he was on a practice. Yeah, uh, well, he, he was brought in. Job, I believe, like he took the job for a minute. Wow, yeah. he then, went to uh, he went to Oakland. JP went to Oakland. I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember he that. Went, he went to the Dolphins, and I think 
he got picked up by the Seahawks at the time, but then they released him because he said some crazy stuff. And they were just like, you know what? You know, it's like your fifth chance. You're like 30 years old. Like, you can't be saying stupid stuff. Like, <laughs> you're 29 or whatever, however old he was. So, yeah. It's one of those misses that it's just like, well, okay. I mean, I get why he missed, but I thought he would be a lot better. But, I mean, yeah. attitude. Sure. Attitude. Attitude. Yeah. You know, and I like, I mean, those guys, I really, like, I really like, it's funny you should mention Patrick Ramsey. I was a big Patrick Ramsey fan. In fact, there's a few guys, you know, I mean, I thought Patrick Ramsey, if he'd stayed in, in Washington, would have, you know, settled in and had a, a nice little run there. I thought for sure he was going to, you know, be the guy there for a while. You know, going back before that, Stan Humphreys was a guy I was really big on. And he had some good years both, once again, in Washington and obviously in San Diego. But, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. That's part of his issue. But I really, like, Watson is a fascinating test case because so many of the things that, once again, the box, so many of the boxes are checked. You know, so many of the boxes are checked for him. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, the only thing like that, the, they, you know, he did have a, you know, that certain swagger, his swagger was on, like, infinity. You know, whatever the, whatever the setting is, <laughs> it, was, it, it couldn't be turned up any higher. It was blinding. It was thermonuclear. I mean, whatever you want, whatever the highest it could be, yeah, that's where his swagger was on. It was on that. Yeah. Oh, Elizabeth, sorry, I, I made a mistake. I said the last team he got signed with was funny. He was with the Colts, and that's probably why he got released, because Payne Manning was still there. <laughs> he got signed with the Colts in 2011 and didn't make it to a preseason. I uh, wonder uh, whose idea it was to bring JP to try to back up Peyton. <laughs> oh, they, they must have been hoping that some of the Peyton would rub off. I guess, maybe. Well, speaking of Peyton rub off, I, I do... I do still like. I loved Brock Osweiler when he came out. I still like Brock. He was he he was the youngest, he was the youngest quarterback in the draft. Um, so he's still pretty young. We're talking about if he was in this draft. I think he would be number two behind Marietta, maybe three behind Jameis. Um, I'm a big Brock fan. I think uh, the best thing for I him the stick was. I've heard. I mean, I liked him when he came out. I mean, I had him high when he came out, and that's what I'm saying. But I mean, I understand. Some people don't like Brock. He's tall. That's not doesn't really translate how tall he is, six eight. But I mean <laughs> I, I still like Brock. I mean he's twenty three years old, he's young, he's been behind Payton for a while now. He's been the most talented quarterback behind him. So I think he can and you know, John personally hand picked him. So he should be fine, even with a new coach coming in. Um Yeah, I think he can John picked the coaches and they're all gone too. So I mean yeah, true. I true. I, I mean, somebody could Brock trade Osweiler. for Brock. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something there with Brock. But then again, you know, there's I don't know. We just haven't seen him do much other than preseason stuff where he was just kind of okay. But I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean yeah. Truth. He just hasn't had many um, snaps. You know, well, it's hard um, to get snaps around 
you know. Exactly. Around Peyton. Peyton, 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 Give me your snap. Yeah, he. Was, I guess that one game, he was literally, he was literally had his helmet on trying to come in. Peyton's like, nope. You've got to be quicker than that. He's taking my snap. Yeah, you. And that's the thing. Is one reason that Peyton's backups are always so terrible is it's in part because Peyton allows them no pra- snaps in practice, no reps anywhere. Exactly. You better get there early and warm up at the stadium, son. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. pretty much it. You think it might be different this time a little bit since Peyton's age and the injury, though, and uh, stuff like that? No, maybe. no, no. It's a no. Peyton dictatorship is what it is. It's a, yeah. you know, It is, but... It is, but Peyton doesn't have too much longer, man. I mean, let's be honest. We love him. He's 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 probably the goat. But yeah, but I mean, he's, he I mean, doesn't. I mean, he's not playing for five years. Off, he's gonna keep playing until his body basically gives up on him. You know, like that. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I mean, that's that's what I see. I see Peyton Manning, unfortunately, not giving up. You know, not retiring once his time's done. More so, retiring when his body literally can't do it anymore. Right. I, well, that could be true, and I mean, Brock, if that's the case, I mean, Brock definitely needs to obviously, you know, start something. You can't back up forever. Back up and waiting, you know. I mean, he'll be 24, so you got a little bit more time. I mean, he's not one play. You know, he's a top 50 pick. You know, so I mean, well, I just, he's building stuff. I mean, he he started, um, you know, Kyle Latimer. You know, he started he built some chemistry with him, and you know, yeah, yeah. big buddies, and so there's definitely stuff pointing to that's what I hope at least I hope that you know because Latimer didn't do anything this year so you know <laughs> I just hope that, I don't know if people notice but they've got some wide receivers at Denver I mean it's not like he showed I up I know they do but I mean at least have him come in as like the fourth fifth guy you know at least kind of sprinkle him in a bit they didn't even do that so oh, I, I understand what you're saying <laughs> I do yeah, but they seem to have a problem figuring out how to get everybody some snaps there. They seem to have that issue, uh, especially at the skill positions as they call them on offense, the ball handling positions. Seem to have trouble getting everybody involved sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think he, you know, since both of those guys are definitely riding the pond, they should definitely build up uh, some chemistry um, when they do get second string snaps in the preseason. And I think Cody's going to be a star receiver. And I, I don't, I don't probably bring a star quarterback, but I mean, I think it would be like really good, like like uh, you know. Well, if they keep like the Cutler. pieces in place, I mean, that's the thing. If they keep the pieces in place, which who knows if they do, because a lot of them are, you know, can leave for various reasons. But they keep the pieces in place. It's a Ferrari, man. You know, it, that's what it is. Type offense. I mean, you got a high end tight end. You got a high end you know, freak wide receiver. You got another wide receiver. Like, you got everything. Running back-wise, yeah, you could do a little bit better than C.J. Anderson. I just like C.J. Anderson a lot more than Monty Ball, which was kind of crazy it took that long, but eventually they got the hit, you know. But, you know, it's still a pretty – if you're a quarterback, yeah, I don't it's a Ferrari. You succeed, you know. Yeah, it's a Ferrari. You're right. And depending on who they bring in, you know, to be good or bad for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty interested to see what he just learned. I mean, because Brock was kind of a hothead, too. We were talking about JP. It was not as bad as JP. Not nearly. But Brock's kind of a hothead. I mean, 
I think he's calmed down now. You know, but he was at ASU. Uh, we had somebody on from Montana. I think like the same city as him in Montana. I forget, like last year, I forgot who it was. And I know, I don't, I mean, Brock, ASU, you know, he was there. He kind of left oh, declared early. But, yeah, was it Brock? Maybe. I guess it was Brock. I guess, yeah. Possibly. Might have been him. But, uh, yeah, but Brock Osweiler just, yeah, he's got some, he's worked on some things, uh, like, mentally, I feel like, um, coming from ASU and Coach Erickson. Leaving early, but his situation was different. And, you know, playing quarterback, you know, he was a basketball player. So, I mean, he was a football player too, but, I mean, he went to Gonzaga to play basketball. They don't have a football team. So, obviously, right. he was focused on basketball, <laughs> you know, and then he went to NCU and tore it up. And he left, <laughs> you know. He left pretty fast. So, he played a year and a half. Didn't have that many snaps, but, uh, you know, he was roommates with Jack Oway, so that helped him a lot. <laughs> They're best friends, you know. So I think he'll be on the roster for a little while, and hopefully he can do some things uh, at the next level. Or maybe somewhere else. I was just maybe thinking somebody might trade for him. Um, that that maybe not doesn't like a quarterback in this class, but they're thinking, okay, well, you know, this guy, he's the same age as Gary Grayson and Bryce Petty. Why not draft Brock Osweiler? He's been in the league for three years already, you know, and he was already a second-round pick. You know, you give up a four for him or five. Sure about Broncos are going to do that. I mean, they're not going to trade unless they, you know, get an offer. Yeah. We just haven't seen anything. That's the only thing down there. Like, definitely he could have learned on the bench, could have soaked in the Peyton Manning. You know, and and learn and became like a you know a really good you know really good quarterback and learned everything and yeah he's young and yeah he's older now and he shouldn't be immature anymore he's twenty like you said twenty four years old so you know that should be out of his system you know Peyton has a way of getting that out of your system as well so you know it's just a matter of what is he going to do because we haven't seen much you know it's like a you know, like compared only to this class, I mean, if you're just from everything, I mean, sure, you go up Brock because he's actually been in the NFL and been a backup, but I would just say that I'm more intrigued with the mystery of the, the Petty and, you know, Marietta and Winston versus, you know, Brock Osweiler. Right. Plus, like you said, the height thing is cool. He's the tallest. You know, but that doesn't really translate <laughs> necessarily. There hasn't been – has there been a quarterback as tall as Brock Osweiler? Is he the tallest quarterback ever? He's not, but he's one of okay. the tallest. The tallest – I can't believe I know this. Uh, the two tallest quarterbacks ever taken snaps in the NFL thus far are number one, Dan McGuire, yeah, younger yeah, Dan brother of Mark McGuire, exactly, yeah. who was – Seven and seven eighths, or something like that. Six seven three quarters, something like that. I mean, he was almost literally six eight on the nose. Um, then Mike Lennon at six seven three eight. Uh, your boy Osweiler, I think, comes in after Sonny Six Killer. Sonny Six Killer, who was also the first Native American quarterback drafted, uh, was an honest six six and a half, I believe. And then your guy Osweiler. 
Well, apparently Brock's is eight now because he grew. But I know at the time he wasn't. But apparently he said Wait, he grew an inch. Yeah, well, he was only – he just turned 20 when the draft started. I mean, he just oh, turned yeah. 24. Yeah, I mean, he just yeah. turned 24. Well, yeah, I think he just turned 24. Yeah, he was 20. And he was like 20 and four months, I think, when he got drafted. So I could see him grow up growing. Because, I mean, you're not done possibly at 20. So yeah, and that could be – Wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's still – I mean, that might, that might be worse. <laughs> Dan McGuire, I guess, wasn't horrible, but... Well, no, he was. Um, he had <laughs> two, two main issues. Yeah. Uh, he was, unlike Lasswater, he was super immobile. Uh, he could avoid nothing. And he had a super strong arm. Um, and, and he was reasonably bright, but he was unable to move even a little bit, really. I mean, he was just a big giant target. And he wasn't quite as, I mean, he struggled with sort of touch. He could throw the ball, once again, I mean, maybe not quite with Cardell Jones and Colin Kaepernick, but in that, he was in that as much the strongest arms I've ever seen. The guy at the top is of all guys, a guy named Michael Bishop, who had a tiny cup of coffee with New England, and I think threw exactly one pass in a Hail Mary situation. That Moses created in arena, arena ball from of all places, Kansas State. Strongest I've ever seen. Guy could do freakish, ridiculous things. Uh, young Elway, right there, you know, that, that maybe number two, 1A or two spot. Um, then sort of Kaepernick Favre, you know, right after that, you know, in that silly, ridiculous arm strength area where, you know, one thing, guys, that when they first came out, almost had too much arm strength. Like, guys were like, hey, hey, what are you doing here? You know, where you look at their receivers and their fingers have all been busted up, you know, and they walk around, you know, unable to pick up coffee cups. Uh, let's see. Other guys were silly, ridiculous. What are you doing? Why do you? I mean, but a lot of guys with huge arm strength that didn't work out. Like, even though they used arm strength, they, I mean, obviously, Marcus Ruffle had a his arm. Uh, he's in that probably top five area. You know, uh, I guess Jay Jay's definitely up there. Yep. Jay, Cut, Jay Cutler, yeah. Cutler, Cutler, Vic. You know, are playing that yeah. next. That's the only reason Jay Cutler still has a job, by the way. Yes, yes, it is. You are correct. But that yeah. that kept that keeps guys in jobs. You know, it's, that if you have truly special arm strength, you can hang around the NFL for a while, even if you're not very good. It's been a, it's a proven commodity. People like it, even if it doesn't translate into production. Yeah, Ryan Mallet. Uh, Ryan Mallet well, in that area, you know, in that next yeah. in that tier with you know, the sort of Vic area, the Cutler area, like those guys are all sort of clumped together, yeah. Flacco, probably just after that. Um but J P Hoffman. Davey Lawson's up there, man. We're talking yeah. All the time. yeah. He's in that yeah. he's in the fight. He's, he's in that area. Um and like I said, some guys from really, you know, before your time, but John Hadel and Daryl LaMonica both had house. Those guys swing it. They didn't quickly seem to know where it was going sometimes, but man could they swing it. They could John Matthew Stafford could could 
Yeah, mm. that was in that top ten. <laughs> yeah, he's special. That was in that top ten. Yeah. yeah. He's got special on it. And he's yeah. learning touch and, you know, anticipation to go with it now. That would be nice if he could continue to grow I, in those areas. He never does. Yeah, would. Never I does still it. find it. I still find it. I still find it. I still find it funny he was talking about how he had, you know, through 88, you know, but I played with Clayton, Clayton Kershaw in high school. He's, you know, it was a little bit better than me. You know, two, three side young, you know, 26. <laughs> He's old. Pretty good at baseball, I guess. Because I know they played together, and Stafford was talking about how, I think actually Clayton Kershaw said Stafford threw the ball harder than he just couldn't throw, you know, the other stuff. <laughs> the right, curve, the fire, right, right. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Kershaw played football with them as well, right? Didn't he at least a couple of years, yeah. I think? Yeah, he yeah, played okay. tight end. Um, tight end, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Stafford played catcher and pitcher. And, you know, obviously Clayton was a pitcher. Yes, yes, he was. So, obviously. <laughs> Highland Park, yeah. man. Great dominant high school at every sport. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, you know, so- it was, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll close this out in a second, but just a few more sort of great, great arms I've ever seen. Patrick Ramsey had a great arm. Um, I'll tell you one of the great arms I ever saw was um, one of the few Florida quarterbacks with an incredibly strong arm was a guy who actually we've had on not on this show, but on another show named Ingle Martin, who's now a high school coach. He was part of that Grossman, you know, that era at, at – um, uh, towards the end of the Spurrier era at, at Florida. He, he might have been the last quarterback that signed with Spurrier. And he was, you know, in that battle, and eventually he transferred out and ended up at um, uh, Furman. And he was also a really fine punter. And he threw somewhere like 62 on the gun at the combine, which puts him in, you know, I mean, since they've been actually timing guys in the gun, puts him in the top ten of all time. You know, he doesn't work out, but he has an arm on him. I mean, a huge arm. That's a guy that, that had had real good. You know, who else has a big arm? Vince Evans. Vince Evans had a big arm. Hung around for about 17 years, but he has it mostly as a backup. But Vince Evans had a big arm. Uh, Stephen Mayer had a big arm. Randall. Randall had a big arm. Uh, cutting in could swing it. 60-plus yards with... You know, on the line. I mean, not just floating it up. He just went 60 yards with something on it. Uh, well, you know, Doug Williams had a big arm, especially when he was young. Now, unfortunately, when he was young, he played on a terrible, terrible team. And even as an older guy, you know, in the sort of end of his career with Washington, he still could put something on it. But a young Doug Williams, whew, yeah, he had one of the best arms in the league. Yeah, that's right. Two guys that are going to get drafted one day, Mr. 12 Gage and Gunnar Kiel, will probably be somewhere in the session one day. I think those are the two stronger college ones. Yeah. Jim, and your, Jim, and your metrics work, do you try to get the, the, the times from when guys throw on the gun at the combine, or what do you do to try no. to get them? Oh, no, okay. I'll do that. I, the only reason I don't do it is because uh, I understand that there are, like, cutoffs for 
for guys. Like they do that, and if you throw below a certain um, number, then they put you off your board and stuff like that. But um, I just don't do it because that's a lot of work to get every single guy. Like, like the like the way I kind of say it is. You know, there's a lot of guys now that are doing metric type work and they're saying, oh, I'm going to take all the, the the data for all the guys this year and go from there. But if you don't know the significance of the data, if, like if you don't have 15 years worth of data um, with that one year of data, you don't know the significance of it. You don't know which which data is more important than this other data, if that makes any sense. So, you know, because if you don't have a good sample size, you don't really know the significance of of the numbers, so um, my that's I mean that's why I don't really do the bench. I mean I'll probably eventually get to that point of getting all that stuff. It's just it's going to take a little bit longer to get all the bench stuff if that's actually important, hundred um, percent, and arm length and stuff like that as well. I'll try to see if there's anything. There's probably I mean there probably will be merit to arm length and stuff like that, but. At the same time, I also see instances where arm weight doesn't matter if a guy is really athletic for his size. So, and and I kind of use the the, the general explanation to that is is what like, yeah he doesn't have the best arm weight, but he's so fast, so much faster or quicker that it you know it does matter you know because <laughs> like arm weight is really kind of making up for those deficiencies. But if you don't have those deficiencies, then does arm weight really matter? Those are just like stuff to like, I guess, look into later. But at the same time, I don't really worry about that as much because I just kind of look at the tape and go from there. Um, but it would be interesting to add more because again, the more variables you add, the more stuff you can find. So I, I, you know, if I did do something like that and actually got all the times for um, arm strength and stuff like that, I might find another aspect to add to the metrics that'll actually make it more accurate that'd be kind of cool if i could do that but i just you know it takes a lot of time man it took me you know six months to get production data you know on all these guys so that's um so it's just another thing i'm just gonna have to do eventually but i haven't done it yet Uh, Bill? I was just saying, I'd like to see if there is, what correlation there is, if any, between length and strength. Like, where's the break point between, obviously guys with longer arms tend to have fewer bench reps, so where's the happy medium between well, exactly. arm length? And that's the and, thing is, you know, um, that that's the thing about the bench reps, is that not only do you have to get the bench reps, you also have to get the arm length as well. Um, and even the frame length too. So there's eventually you're going to have to break stuff up apart. But the only reason why I haven't really been, you know, forced to get bench stuff is because there's been strong enough correlations at other metrics that that's not as important, if that makes any sense. So, like, the bench reps and stuff, that might increase the accuracy. It might help parse, make stuff more parsed out. But at the end of the day, it may not be as significant as, like, for example, when I was doing the production metrics uh, with defensive players, 
sacks and tackles for loss for edge players is not as important as solo tackle percentages. Um, just period. So it's not really about how many sacks you get. It, you know, if you're in the low end of sacks, it's bad. But it, it showed that there was more successful players who had really high solo tackle percentages um, versus sacks and tackles for loss and stuff like that. So, or even at wide receiver, you know, wide receiver yard yardage market share is much more important than t- touchdown market share, which is why I keep telling people that are that are combining the two. That's not what you want to do. That's just gonna, you know, it, it's gonna hurt the accuracy of the test because when you add the touchdown market share, you're gonna hurt guys who shouldn't be hurt. You know, you need to look at each metric separately and see which one is much more accurate, much more important, uh, has better correlations, etc. So when you're adding, when you're combining all the numbers together, that's not always the best thing to do. Is all I would really say. <laughs> you shouldn't combine all the numbers together because, you know, you're gonna get uh, you know, you're not you're not doing it right. I guess is the best way to put it, especially with athleticism, because sometimes you don't need to have all three aspects of athleticism to your game. Sometimes you could just be a guy who's really powerful, and you know, you don't have to be fast. But if you're really powerful, that could be a skill set. You could be really fast. You could be really quick. You could be slow and not strong, but really quick, like Wes Walker. And bam, you have a NFL skill set that made you into a, you know, that was part of the reason why, you know, what made you into what you are, you know. Because Wes Walker's three gun and George Hill was really good, you know, for a guy his size. So, now he wasn't fast and he definitely wasn't powerful. And his market share at, at, at Texas Tech was not good because of the system. But you could have looked at, some of that stuff in terms of skill set and, you know, said, hey, there's, some, there's something here. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. So, but that's the main point. It's just a matter of getting all that extra variables and adding those variables and seeing if those variables are important and, uh, and then going from there. But, again, it takes a while. It's a long time. Because I haven't even done my uh, – my criminal metric, <laughs> I'd say criminal metric, but, you know, to, to to look and see, you know, actually define certain things. So if a guy get, gets kicked out of school, if a guy gets arrested for something. So you're trying um, to figure out at what position does what crime correlate to success? Like, do you want armed robbers? Are you looking for, you know, <laughs> are you looking for? I'm I'm looking at I I really just again because my biggest issue with character stuff is and there are studies out there that talk about I mean there's tons of studies that I could bring up that talk about you know age and how that affects you know recidiv you know all that sort of stuff in terms of recidivism rates and uh, you know and stuff like that in terms mm-hmm. of, you know stuff like that there's tons of data out there on that kind of stuff but nothing NFL specific. And the reason I say NFL specific is that I think when it comes to NFL players, not to say conspiracy theory or whatever, but a lot of times when they get in trouble, sometimes they, they because of who they are, their status, they don't always get, you know, pop for, you know what I mean? Like if there's, depending on, you know, like Penn State, you know, to a certain extent. Uh, Davis Winston to a certain extent, you know, as much as, I want to believe that Jameis Winston wasn't, you know, a rapist or whatever. I also think that there was a lot of fishy stuff that happened when they were investigating it. 
you know, like you can't, like he may have been completely innocent in the situation, but the way it was handled was very fishy, you know, <laughs> like, so the, my basic point is, is just, if we're going to talk about character stuff, you can quantify it. It's just nobody has gone back and looked at, okay, like Dorgreen Beckham, right? There's been tons of guys that have had marijuana issues. There's been tons of guys who've had domestic violence issues in college. But we just don't have a spreadsheet with every single guy that's had that over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years to actually see what happened to these guys, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so, I actually, Jane, I know somebody that wants to do that too, James, so I'll give you, uh, you know, after the show, his name, and maybe you guys do that together, because he was telling me about that as well, and he wanted to go into what type of character issues correlate, kind of like Bill was joking about, like, robbers or, like, you know, domestic violence cases. Because <laughs> I think the well, guy's a criminal I mean, justice major, he's a criminal justice major, but like, he does football stuff, so it's kind of time right. to well, definitely. I mean, and I, you know, and I definitely want to do that because, you know, I, to, to say the least, I would love to have a million of people doing this for me, but I don't. So, you know, it would make this go a lot faster, you know, if I had another guy working with, so that'd be great. But okay, even even then, um, sure, robbers, whatever. I mean, to a certain extent, and I hate to say this, football is a violent sport, man. Yeah. And, oh, yes. And you want guys that are violent. You know, you just do, and some of these guys come from from neighborhoods and different places that are not so nice. And but that also deals with mental toughness because you know guys who come from bad neighborhoods and stuff like that and have had to fight for everything their entire life. Like in the NFL, they're going to win those jobs. They're going to be competitive in those situations. Hopefully, they don't get sucked back into the stuff and then end up in jail or whatever. You know, like <laughs> so. Yeah, and and also football kind of helps to keep keep them from that. You know, it's pro-social versus anti-social is how it's kind of defined. You know, pro-social activities like education, sports, uh, hobbies, you know, wood, carpentry, right? That's pro-social stuff. Uh, anti-social stuff is not going to school, you know, not going to class, hanging out, you know, doing, you know, robbing, stealing, doing drugs. You know stuff like that. So the, the better way to put it is, I just I really want to do this general basic study with stuff really defined, where I just go back and get every single player that displayed antisocial behavior, and then look at what the ultimate outcomes were, and especially the ages as well, because as we already talked about, you know, like that guy that changed his mind, right? He de- he declared for a school when he was in eighth grade, and he changed his mind a couple years later. Well you know, the prefrontal cortex which deals a lot with complex decision making and stuff like that, that stuff doesn't even start developing until you're seventeen years old. So you know, and that's right when you yeah. have to go to college and pick your school. You know, and and during that time you can make a lot of really bad decisions. Um now we call it maturing, you know, like in layman terms like, you know, normal people go, Well you're just maturing but in reality your brain is developing during that time period. So that's another little aspect to add to it. But the bottom line is, you know, we talk about character stuff a lot when it comes to the draft, you know, and we kind of go, I don't know what to, you know, how teams view it, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, we need to at least know 
the risks that are associated with it and, you know, and try to learn from it and try to see, it, you know, and all sorts of other stuff. You know, as far as, like, helping these guys out, it's already out there. It's, it's a lot of peer stuff. You get the right people around them and you keep them away from the bad people and then most likely they're not going to, you know, they're not going to do so. It's like, with, you know, my best example is Mike Tyson. You know, Mike Tyson was a guy who was robbing people and beating up people and do all sorts of stuff. You stick them with, you know, you stick them with a crazy old coach, you know, and keep them away from everybody else and, and put them in boxing, you know, pro-social activity, stays off the streets, does everything else. Now, of course, when he passed away and he had all other sort of issues, you know, he started to, you know, have issues because he's always going to have issues because growing up in an environment like that, you're going to have emotional issues. But, you know, at least when you look at from that perspective, if you understand that you need to put these guys in the pro-social environments, you need to have the right people around them, you need to, you know, you need to help their self-confidence, you know, because a lot of times it's it's really about self-confidence with some of these guys as well because, you know, they're, you know, like they're doing these things because, well, everybody expects them to be a criminal, you know. They look at them and they go, oh, you're a criminal, you know, and that's what they kind of grew up to be instead of some guy telling them, hey, you know, you can try football. You can be really good at football, you know, and, but they just have to believe in that kind of stuff. And a lot of times that happens, but, you know, it's it, it just was it, – but that's the basic point. Because the studies have already been out, you know, it's – it's, you know, if you hang around a bunch, uh, like Bill, if you hang around a bunch of guys that smoke weed, Bill, you're probably going to end up smoking weed. You know, like that's just, it's going to happen. And because um, the studies show that 100%. Uh, and I understand, we, you know, and I'm not trying to like discount free will, right? And like people saying, oh, you should have known better and stuff like that. But your environment shapes a lot of your, your sort of stuff. But this, this, of course, is different from that. This is basically looking at, you know, that would be like an extra part of it, I guess, because if we figure, if we look at the guys who had all this antisocial behavior and ended up being successes, you can learn from that and you can you can have a clear plan or path or whatever to deal with those guys in the future, I guess is a better way to put it, which we already kind of know, it's just we don't really have a big study about it, so, yeah. But, of course, that's going to take a while, you know, <laughs> It's going to take a while to go through every thousands and thousands of players. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's going to be fun. But it'll, you know, but at least I hope uh, there'll be some correlations here and there that will, you know, illuminate, you know, show stuff. Show what the actual risk is of a guy like Oregon Peckham, you know. Because right now we don't really know what the risk is. We just are kind of like, well, if he grows up, he grows up. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You know, like that's where we are right now. You know, like it's, you know, from everything I've read and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, guys, okay. Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna ask you guys. I don't know. I hadn't caught, caught up with it, but I was gonna ask you guys a few. Uh, speaking of like. Stuff like that. <laughs> Devontae Fields, did he declare, or is he staying at um, SF Austin? I would see him declaring, but okay. it may have passed me, but... I don't think uh, he did, but I was... I know there was some... La- I know you kind of have, like, a 72-hour window. Well, that's, like, 36 now, but I, I heard that he was 
thinking about it. But I hope he stays at um, Stephen Austin instead. But he's really good. He was. He hasn't played in a while. <laughs> it's like two years, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. Get one season. That's the thing. You, you get one season, you're always a threat. One good season in FBS football, and you're a threat. You know, even though you haven't played at all. I don't know. I don't think he declared though. But okay. yeah, I haven't heard. I don't know. They haven't announced everybody. So um, yeah, I mean, for one, he's on probation. So I mean, I wouldn't declare for that. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's going to be hard to – I mean, there's a way you can still be on probation and get some playing, but I'd rather just at least get that off my record first. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he's on probation. So, like, he just got a little slap on the wrist or something. Yeah. Oof. That'll be interesting yeah. how, that, how that works out. I Obviously, he needs to stay in school. I mean – we, we all joked about the whole Cardell situation, but, you know, even though there's a few little minor question marks about him because of some, you know, maturity with small, you know, lowercase maturity issues, I've got capital letter maturity stuff and office <laughs> stuff. You know, you got to give the people a palate cleanser. You can't come straight out. you got to – that can't be the last thing they saw, the last thing they knew, the last thing they thought about before you declare. Or you, you could do it that way, but I, I, I don't think it's why. Yeah, plus, like James said, Devonta only played one. Um, yep. Most of the guys at least played two. Um, I mean, his, his one year was amazing, by the way. I mean, it was one of the best freshman defenses of this season, probably in Big 12 history. Might, might, might be the best in Big 12 history as a freshman. But um, still, you know, still, still one year. <laughs> as good as that year was. One. Yeah, and there's been lots of all... that have had really good freshman years, and then that was about it for the rest of his career. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Um, but you know, um, yeah, I hope he's. I'll, I'm pretty sure he is staying, but I hope he is just just for his sake as far as draft reasons. I haven't really caught up with or kept, been catching up with him, keeping up with his stuff. He doesn't really have any social media stuff, which might be a good thing. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely. Talented, he was at times. So uh, he got injured. That's why he didn't play that sophomore year. You know, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. First and bad things about Devontae Fields. Not even talking mm-hmm. about the domestic violence and the. Mm-hmm. He's just in a lot. He's in a lot. He's got. He hangs out with bad people, man. From what I heard, <laughs> you know, bad. He hangs out with the same, the same homeboys. <laughs> Same guys from, from, you know, back in the day that aren't really doing much, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm all for hanging out with your friends still. Can't forget about your hometown or whatever, but, you know, got to grow up at some point, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, truthfully, you can forget about your friends in your hometown. I mean, no offense, <laughs> but if Michael Irvin was hanging around the guys he used to hang around, he'd be in jail right now. So, yeah, you can actually forget about that. I mean, yeah, you know, Alan Iverson would have right. had a much different career if he cut loose from but, certain people. But you have to understand, is that's the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest tough, as, like, I understand that, you know, it's obvious what the right decision is. 
if you're that if you're Michael Irvin, yeah, you have to get rid of those friends. If you're on Iverson, yeah, you have to get rid of those friends. Um but if you're in the perspective of a guy who those are the only friends he's ever had, you know, like yeah. and you're going to a new school and you have a you know, like that's what makes it so tough and that's one of the biggest issues with the whole issue is, is just that, you know, it's like you have to get them with the right friends at the start, you know. Like they, the, the, the first friends, you know. I hate to say expect your friends, but you know, just you have to figure out. Okay, is, is, are these the right guys that you need to be hanging out? Because if they become really good friends and really bonding and stuff like that, I mean, it's tough, you know, because you're always gonna have a connection to that type of stuff. No matter how much you want to like say, you know, oh, we boys or whatever, unfortunately, you can't be that guy anymore. So it, it, I'm just saying, it's really rough to, like, tell all the friends you've had ever since you were a kid, I can't be friends with you anymore, you know? Yeah, some people can do that, that. Some people can do that, you know, but at the same time, you have to realize how tough that is. Like, that's just, and sure, it's for the right reasons, but that's what makes it so hard. That's why guys mess up, you know, because yeah, it's tough. and I think it's some of it with Devontae. Devontae, you know, he's from Fort Worth. He played at Fort Worth. I think he needed, and he's really close still, which kind of bothers me. He did, he only went like 35 miles away. So, <laughs> I mean, I know he's transferring schools. He's still at, you know, um, Christian school in Texas. <laughs> he's not that far. I think he should have maybe went somewhere else. Um, not, you know, to go too far, but I mean, Maybe a little bit west or a little bit east, you know. It's not 30 miles down the road. Because <laughs> if it's a lot of the friends that you're still hanging out with, you're still going to be around them. Just because you change colleges, you know, doesn't mean anything. But, you know, maybe being off with the, the torn ACL and then being on probation and having to deal with all this embarrassing stuff about you. I mean, I would hope... <laughs> You know, that you maybe. can grow up and maybe, Hopefully. yeah, maybe. It's just a huge maybe. Sometimes, you never know. Sometimes you hope that's what does it. Sometimes that ain't rock bottom, man, you know? Yeah. And the <laughs> bad thing about it. Sometimes rock bottom is a lot more than that, you know? <laughs> oh, it could get worse. Yeah, it could get in trouble again and just be out of football completely. So, Or, I mean, even worse than that. Um, God forbid, but, I mean, yeah, so, you know. <laughs> Definitely, but you know it's uh, finally gets it behind bars, and then you're interviewing them. <laughs> you know, like uh, what happened? Yeah, what exactly happened to you, man? Like you went from big tall player of the year as a freshman, you know, only person to do that ever, <laughs> and then you just like you're in jail, or like you're not like playing football anymore. Like what happened in those three years? Like <laughs> from when you were 18 to now. But uh, he, and you know, like the good teammate thing or whatever, you know, like, uh, he, I don't know, man. Like, see, the thing with DGB, you say what you want about him. I mean, there's nobody that says he was ever a bad teammate. But Devontae Phil, not so much. <laughs> not the same. So it's even worse for him, I feel like, you know. Exactly. And that's the other thing, too, uh, just to get into that is um, what's football character, you know football character and off-field character, you know, because there's that aspect to it as well, is, you know, certain guys who 
off the field are a little, you know, and then on the field they're very good. And then by the same token, you have other guys who are really bad football characters but are like saints off the field, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the why. guys who are just kind of lazy and don't really try hard and brat on their teammates and, you know, stuff like that, but off the field they're saints. Yeah, I mean, a perfect example of that is to me, Jimmy Clausen when he first came to the league. Yeah, that, that's that's still character issues to me. And Jimmy Clausen, he's saying Jimmy I'll still to me. He's a good guy. You know, he's a bad teammate, you know. If Steve Smith said you're a jerk, then he's <laughs> bad. I mean, I like Steve Smith. <laughs> I like Steve Smith a lot, but, I mean, if he's saying that about you as a rookie, you know, that's character. And you know about Jimmy. You know, we all know about him. So we're just talking about J.P. Lawson, you know. And J.P. comes from a very, very wealthy family. You guys don't know. And, but, you know, so no trouble. You know, grew up in like a million-dollar home in Venice Beach, you know, good life. But still character issues, you know, because he's a bad teammate. And he only cared about playing, you know, his style of ball, not learning. So, you know, either way you look at it, that's still character issues to me. It's a different one. It's not legal stuff. I mean, I think the legal stuff might be worse. Bars, you know, marketing, PR, and all that stuff. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> and there are teams, I mean, you know, teams are different when it comes to that. Some teams will literally say, if a guy does this thing, like some teams have a no-no list. We're going to call it where we don't care how talented you are. If you do this particular thing, you're off the yep. board. This thing is a no-no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know Tom, Tom is the meet your office. Like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be. be. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Been in the rules. They've been losing. It's like we got to get it. We got to get those rings. We got to get them. We got to get those murders. <laughs> you know, because they're losing. Yeah. And honestly, some 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 uh, some call it Gary Patterson. I mean, some you know he is really 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 like every coach probably says you know. Domestic violence is very bad. Like, he has a class. He's one of those places that has a class on domestic violence. Like, yep. before you get into TCU. So, he really wasn't playing that one. Devontae Fields is the best player on TCU. You know, that's he not was the best me. player on their team. The best player they've had in a couple of years, in fact. He, he's the only five-star that I can remember Gary Patterson ever even got been there. So, he probably yep. was literally the most talented player. He kicked him off. He didn't give him a second. Yeah. No, he doesn't play that. You are correct. He... He's not kidding. He's not playing. There's no, oh, you didn't, you know, no, you didn't know. There's no second chance. There's no third chance. There's one chance when it comes to certain things like that. One. Yeah, and that's why some, and I, I know Coach Strong, same way. Oh, well, I mean, people, some people criticize him. It's like, oh, 27 or 28, whatever the number was, the final count was. Scholarship athletes, level. Look, those guys needed to go. <laughs> those guys needed to go. It was addition by subtraction. It was addition by subtraction. He need for him to have his program. He couldn't have those guys. Those guys need to find another place to play college football if they still want to play college football. You can't. Not everyone can play for Jolly Strong. No, <laughs> you know, that's no. no. <laughs> not everyone can. Yeah, I was just Some watching tape. Of, I was just watching tape of um, a guy he kicked off, uh, Joe Bergeron from uh, Texas Commerce. Yep, yep. Um, I like Joe Bergeron. Yeah, I like played. Joe Bergeron. But Joe. You know, Joe had some things. You know, he kind of yeah, he cursed yep. at Mr. Strong. 
He did. Oh, that's bad. Bad. <laughs> You're lucky on all that when you got kicked off the team. It could have worked out much worse. I mean, lucky honestly, you know, Bergeron's 6 foot 230, but I would take Charlie Strong in that fight. Even I, though he's... Yeah, I'm telling you, you, <laughs> Joe Bergeron's an impressive young man physically. There's yeah. no way he comes out of a, an actual physical altercation with Charlie Strong unscathed. He would be some things well, he would change. Coming. He'd have he some injuries. Coming. He'd be waking up in the ambulance going, what happened? What happened? Yeah, and you can. I, I wish Alex was on the show since he's Mr. Texas, but I, I he is Mr. So Texas. I, he is Mr. Texas, but from from what I heard, he Bergeron just uh, cursed. Out, he tried. He didn't curse out Charlie Strong, but he cursed out. No. Kind of talked back to him. He walked off the field, yeah. and yeah. you know he said, "Don't come back." And he was like, "Well, you, you know, I'm gonna come back." Like he's just oh, no, you joking. But like, I'm, you know, parents don't come back. Okay, I'm coming back the next day. Everything's cool. He came back. And, uh, you know, his locker was cleaned out, and Joe Bergeron was like, are you serious? Like, really? Like, <laughs> you really kicking out the team? Yeah, like, <laughs> he doesn't seem to understand that Mac Brown isn't walking through that door. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> well, yeah, man, I mean, his coaches, I like, that's why I like Charlie, you know, that's what he wants to do. You know, that's fine. It's like, that's, we, that's, we're going to win football games, but before that, I'm going to make you a man or I'm, or you're going to leave. I mean, it's that simple. Oh, we're going to win football games. Don't you worry about that. We'll, we'll get to that. But first, my first order of business, I promised your mama I'm going to make you a man if you stayed here. And you're going to yeah. do this the right way. Stanwood, <laughs> he doesn't care about, you know, same with DeAndre Davis. He got kicked off. He was a top line. He was a starting linebacker. I mean, he kicked off start. I mean, I've never seen that. He, you know, Bergeron was – Malcolm Brown was a starter, but, I mean, Joe Bergeron would have got significant carries. He was a valuable, got, valuable contributor yeah. in the running back rotation, yeah. Yeah, and then Josh Turner started at free safety, you know. Uh-huh. And he was all Big 12, or second-team yep. Big 12, kicked yep. him off. Yep. You know, um, DeAndre Davis. That one was kind of – up in the air. Some people don't like that kickoff, but you know, the same thing. You know, don't be saying stuff, Charlie Strong, man. He, I guess, yeah, you know, he was just like, I can, you know, I'll transfer. All right, transfer then. You're off the team. Go. Bye. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll help but, you with the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. He's not begging you to stay. He's not asking you to stay. He's not telling. This is a privilege. You are going to play football for the University of Texas. This is something that every kid in Texas wants to do. You think I'm going to ask you to stay or beg you to stay? No. 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 I can find a 100 kids who would walk on if they had even a sniff of a chance to be knocked, just be knocked the crap out of them in practice, you know, to, just for that, to say they were on the team. I'm supposed to let you disrespect what I'm building here and then say, oh, come back tomorrow? They don't know who Charlie <laughs> yeah. Strong is, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think Bergeron had it kind of – and, yeah, Bergeron apparently was like, you know, Coach Coach Brown wouldn't have done this, you know, just saying. <laughs> no. That probably meant Coach Brown would have uh, not kicked me off. Like, it would have been, it, it been Joe, you know, go cool off, we'll talk tomorrow. And yeah. he would have gone and cooled off, and they would have talked tomorrow, and he would have still be playing. 
Yeah. Have a cookie. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know, Texas, uh, Texas strong, man. Not, not exactly strong. Texas strong. Texas strong. <laughs> Got Texas cookies. Texas strong. The cookies are gone. There are no cookies. None. And you know, people can people in that state even that play in the same state can use uh need to be more like as much as I love Coach Kingsbury, Coach Handsome as they call him. He's got some stuff going on. He's got he yep. he's too. I think he's starting to be a little too laid back to be honest. Um, he's he's I mean, got he's some cool. character. He's got some guys with some character stuff. And yeah, I, he I, does. if he's not going to do it himself, he needs to have at least one guy who's the hammer. You know, somebody on your staff. If it's not going to be you, if you don't be the bad guy, got to be somebody. Maybe it's your strength coach or D coordinator. Somebody has to be the guy that says, "Look, son, <laughs> this is it. You know, we, no more of this." No more being late. No more cutting class. No more, you know. I don't know if you're smoking weed, but I'm hearing stuff. I, I want to hear stuff. Don't want to hear. Don't be. Don't be having to hear stuff. Yeah, man. You can't do just because you got some stars on your team. You know, doesn't mean they can just get away with murder. You know, I mean, obviously stars gonna get away with a little bit more. But I guess Charlie Strong just was like, you know, I don't care if you're a Big Twelve all the way. You know, that, well, you were in Big Twelve and I was here. You know, this is a new regime. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like it. It's different. You know, it's old school. It is. It, and it, he's it plus is he's very not, different. And plus, he's not a guy. Like I said, you don't want to fight, Charlie. I mean, it's not like you're gonna go and hit him or something or get in his face. And that's not. If some kid gets it into their head to swim up Charlie Strong, oh God help him. God help that kid. I hope somehow someone intercedes on their behalf because he might end them. That might be it. I don't think these people realize if Hippo has got the Hippo. Charlie Strong can bench for City, and he's City years old. You want some of that? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.